Friday, February the 26th, 2021. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Loaded, loaded episode for you here as we start out in the NBA. Who's hot, who's not? With Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. We'll run down the stable dual schedule for you for the weekend. Then we get into Friday racing. Full card from Sam Houston. Friday Turfway. They've got a couple stakes races on uh Turfway Friday night, and one of them gets you some Kentucky Derby points, the Bataglia. We'll also head over to Gulfstream Park for Saturday. We talk Gulfstream Saturday Stakes races with Barry Spears. He helps us out with races 3, 4, 8, 9, and then he gives some thoughts on the Fountain of Youth, but... There are eight graded stakes races, so we needed help from two guests. Craig Milkowski joins us to talk races 11, 12, 13, and 14 from Gulfstream for Saturday. We're also going to get you some Oaklawn for Saturday. We hit on the Southwest and the other couple stakes races at Oaklawn. Sam Houston, full card. I'm going to go through the full card. And Nick Tamro, the morning line odds maker at Sam Houston, he joins me to talk about all five of the Thoroughbred stakes races Saturday night. At Sam Houston. Even got a little Sunday Oaklawn for you. So we got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday racing. NBA. Stable dual schedule. We close it out talking about the first two episodes of Young Rock. And then our This Week in Wrestling segment with Chad Cooper. Where we discuss everything going on in the world of wrestling. Uh, We recap Elimination Chamber. We talk about Monday Night Raw. We discuss The Miz as the new. WWE champion, the big show, Paul White. He's headed to AEW. We recap Dynamite, talk NXT, everything going on in the world of wrestling. We discuss in a 45-minute conversation with Chad Cooper. So kick back and enjoy this ride, folks. Uh, It's going to be a a busy, bumpy one as we move through the next few hours here on That's What G Said podcast. I want to let you know about a February flash sale coming up this weekend. DRF, that's uh, the, the place to get all of your handicapping tools, all of the resources you need when you want to um, research the races for you know playing, gambling, handicapping, you name it. Big sale this weekend, 50% off your DRF picks. So you can purchase a single card, monthly unlimited subscription, 10 card quarterlies, quarterly unlimited subscriptions, 50% off all the DRF expert handicappers, uh, those selections, newly mobile optimized so they even come off better on your phone. Use the promo code FEBPICK21 to save 50% off on the DRF picks. What about the clocker reports? I know a lot of us love to, the clocker reports for young horses, uh, maiden races, um, all, some of these meets where you have a ton of young up-and-comers. You can purchase the Clocker Reports right now for 20% off when you use the promo code FEBCLOCK21. Feb Clock 21, 20% off on single card, 5 card monthly, 10 card quarterly, 20 card quarterly, 40 card quarterly. If you know you're going to purchase a lot of these down the line, save yourself some money right now and, and buy them while the sale is going on this weekend from Friday through Sunday. You get 25% off the DRF betting strategies, full card selections, and recommended wagers. And that works for the single card, five card monthly, 10 card quarterly. The coupon code for that one, F-E-B-S-T-R-A-T-21. You can even get a free month of DRF Plus Pro subscriptions. You get the DRF game plan. You get the DRF ticket maker. All of those tools that you've heard about. 
free for your first month when you use the coupon code FEBPRO21. A huge sale this weekend. If you follow me on social media, I'll be posting some videos with links directly um, to DRF Shop where you can click on those links and immediately go and purchase any of these uh, these packages just think about it, right? If you know you're going to use them, if you know you're handicapping the races uh, most of these weekends or weeks or however often you do it, just save yourself a few bucks right now while they have this sale and take advantage. DRF.com. Let's head on over and talk some NBA who's hot, who's not with Eric Etoff. 2-1 Sports joins us. Ooh, it's been a struggle in a week for the Lakers. They've lost four in a row. Am I worried? We're going to talk a little bit more about it in just a second. We bounce all around the league. Etoff 2-1 Sports joins us for NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not. Another week rolls on in the NBA, and it's another NBA Who's Hot, Who's Not segment here on That's What G Said podcast with Eric Etoff 2-1 Sports. Uh, Eric, buddy, how's uh, how's your week been? You know, we got to 43 yesterday, so it's like a, mid, hey, it's like a midsummer day here. In I was going to say, you're in shorts and a t-shirt, tank top, flip-flops, I mean, all of that stuff. Right? It was. There's still snow on the ground, but we got to 43, so I mean, I can't complain. Can't complain at all. So, my boys <laughs> at Michigan State got a nice win. Hopefully, they can somehow BS their way to the tournament and, you know, just, just living. So, uh, let's talk about what's been going on in the last week or so of uh, of the NBA. Um, we, we got uh, some news that DeMarcus Cousins, who's, I sort of, he's been such a fun, uh, a funny, like, interesting player through the years. Because he had that rap where he was sort of, like, thought of as a bad teammate. And then he left Sacramento, and he was playing incredible the year with the Pelicans, with AD, and with Rondo. And then he ends up getting hurt. And he's never really, you know, he went to the Warriors. He couldn't really get all that healthy there. He's tried and he's just had physical issues. But you, you sort of feel for the guy who he, he screwed himself out of a lot of money, too, with the Warriors, man. Like he when he when he got injured playing for them again in the playoffs, he ended up, you know, he probably cost himself a max deal the next year. Um, can he go somewhere and help someone? I think he can. I mean, but it's important to remember this isn't the Cousins where, like you said, he's a 20 and 10 guy. This guy's going to give you about 10 points, seven boards. Uh, he shoots 42% from, from the field, 33 from three. He's a good passer, too. Yeah, and I mean, like, one of the teams that I think I could see him going to is the Knicks. The Knicks facilitate the offense through Randall, but when Randall leaves, the offense kind of hits a standstill. You can facilitate the offense through Cousins, and he struggles a lot in defense, especially if the team plays a pick and uh, switches during the pick and roll. Thibodeau doesn't switch during the pick and roll. So that would allow Cousins to be protected on defense and play underneath underneath the rim. So that's definitely one of the teams I could see him going to. Another probably, one probably won't be the Nets because no. he doesn't really have a good relationship with Harden. They were just no. talking trash about each other. So even though he might seem like a guy who would fit there, I can't expect him showing up there. Oh no, with the way that ended there and him calling out Harden in the meeting in the in the media, even though he has a great relationship with KD. I could never see that working because, I mean, Hart, that's Harden and Durant's team. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to keep those two happy. So, I mean, there's no way he could go there. Um, another team I could see him going to is the Raptors. I know the Raptors are making a serious push yeah, that's a good point. For, um, for Drummond. If they can't put a trade package together for Drummond or they can't afford him after he gets bought, if, if he gets bought out, 
because there's only one Raptor that has a positive plus minus one Raptor big, excuse me, that has a positive plus minus. So, I mean, they're really struggling with their bigs. He could come in, he could give, give them the 12, 15 minutes. And then the Blazers, the Blazers, their only big is Cantor. I mean, and then they play small ball with Simmons and uh, Robert Covington playing the uh, center position. So, I mean, Nurich, Collins, and Gills, they're all hurting out. So, I mean, they need someone up top. So, I mean, if I were to rank the three teams where I could see Boogie going, that's what that would where it would be. But what happened to Boogie, it's kind of important to remember that the grass isn't always greener on the other yeah. side. Yeah. He, was the, he was the king of Sacramento. Right. I mean, he did a million things for the community, but he just couldn't get along with any of the coaches. And, I mean, looking back at it, he's got to be kicking himself for forcing his way out of there. It was a nice situation, actually. You know, we never know exactly what's going on behind closed doors. But like you said, he was the he was the king of the castle there. They loved him. He battled really hard for the franchise, and he wanted to go somewhere else. But he's just he's been unlucky, bad situations, uh, injury stuff. Maybe this will give him a, an opportunity to go to a contender where he can be a guy to come off the bench or uh, or maybe start and, and give you fifteen or twenty minutes a game and give you a little something. You know, I heard. Some of the Laker rumors and I just don't It doesn't make a lot of sense to me um, Because I think if, if the Lakers are going to get a big and Maybe they just get someone If if Anthony Davis's injury is going to be a little worse Than they thought and they just need someone to eat up some minutes But I, if, I it doesn't feel like What the Lakers maybe need Like they could use more of a defensive big than 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 like an offensive big if they were to go find one. So I think you hit the the most likely teams for him to end I mean, up. I mean, if I think the Lakers, I feel do need a big because I think AD, like I said last week, is going to be out a little longer. But you hit it the nail on the head. They don't want Cousins. They want would want to go after someone like Whiteside. Yeah, yeah, because Cousins is is going to do a lot of the same things that Gasol already does for them. Exactly. From a big, he'll give you a big body who can help you offensively, but he's going to have some defensive struggles. That's where where the Lakers might need to go find someone. Like you said, Whiteside is the the name that was being floated around. Another uh, name that's been floated around a little bit is Porzingis, and you know, God, just a few years ago, remember the like the the conversations that he was in with the unicorns, with all the other guys, with the ads and with the Embiid's, and he's like uh, he's in the, on and Jokic, he's like in the conversation with them, and just another guy who, when we saw him last year in the playoffs, even he had a couple games against the Clippers where you're going, oh, this is the guy, like this was the guy from the Knicks, but every time he gets another injury, it just continues to weigh in on him. And defensively, he has become awful, just horrendous on the defensive side of the ball. Do you think they're going to try to move him? I think they're definitely going to try to move him just because you hit, he was great in the bubble. He looked phenomenal in the bubble, but then he hurt the knee. And you, you have a big man, a guy over seven feet who has, let's face it, he has no leg muscles. Um, my The girl I'm dating, my girlfriend, she like pointed out a she was looking on Instagram and he came up and all these pictures are just of him lifting arms and his legs are like string beings. And like, when you have like, when you have um, like a big who has constant leg injuries, that's like not good. And that's definitely catching up on with him right now. The Mavs are 27th in the NBA in defense. But when Porzingis is on the court, they're allowing 119 and a half points per hundred possessions. If that like factor that into like a total game rank, total team rankings, that would be the thirtieth worst defense 
in the whole NBA. He basically, he can't move. He can't get down and move laterally yeah. at all with his legs. And I said this last year when we were talking, um, I really don't, I think everyone just kind of assumed because Luca and Porzingis were European that they'd get along. I think <laughs> both of them just kind of want to be like the alpha. And I like, from what I've seen this year from the limit, limited Porzingis playing, um, he can't be your second best player and win no. a championship. Like you can't third you best have to player, count on yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, third best player. Yeah, but he can't be the second best player. So I just really think like with the issue with Luca, which I think there is there, and him being so limited on the defensive end. I mean, I think I could easily see them making a move and sending him off. My, I mean, I'm not a Bulls fan by any means. I mean, they're six right now, but I could see him them going to the Bulls for a package of. Marketing because marketing they didn't extend, extend marketing, um, Porter and maybe Tavius Young. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, the Hornets, the Hornets have a um, a jam pile at point guard in the guard position with Graham, Rozier, and Bell. I mean, unload him with a package and get Terry Rozier back, who's turned out to be a decent player. Really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that would be a great trade. And then maybe the Warriors, because the Warriors, the Warriors have the Timberwolves pick. Got the pick, and they have that huge contract with Wiggins. So maybe like some, like one of those three it teams, I could see him going to. Yeah. yeah, you could work it out there with the Warriors, absolutely. So yeah, again, another couple good, uh, good trade possibilities or, or good, good uh, destinations possibly for Porzingis. Hey, one one team that's been playing some really, really good basketball lately is the Washington Wizards. They beat the Lakers the other night. A game the Lakers should have won. They kind of spit it out late. But, hey, this is much more like what we thought when we saw these two teams. And what ends up happening is Westbrook just starts to realize that he can't shoot as much. And when he drives and when he stops shooting all the threes, they, they have a much better chance of winning games because – Hey, if, if Beal's going to give you 30 and you're still going to have Westbrook up and down the court being a menace, like that should be enough in the East to still be competitive. But I mean, you hit the nail on the head last week when we briefly went over the Wizards. Westbrook hasn't been healthy. He's no. finally healthy now and he looks explosive, has the quick, the quick twitch with his movement. He just looks like the player he did when he had that run right before the bubble last year in Houston. And also something that he did is they were having all these issues and like the team just wasn't working out. He had, he held a team meeting and he had everyone stand up and say what they felt their role was on the team. And after they did that, then this winning streak, what was it? Five games before they lost the Clippers the other night, five in a row. Yeah, that so he kind of like showed some leadership and was like, look, dude, we got to all get so get on the same page. So no one misinterprets what their role is on their team. And when you have Westbrook, like you said, athletic, fast twitch driving, BL's going to get you 30 a night. And then you factor in Birkins, who can hit a three. Um, the kid from Gonzaga. What's his name? Hamir, Ham, uh, Rui, Rui Hachimura. Yeah. yeah. He's he, he's he's jacked, dude. He yeah, can he's, he's good. He, he's like, a he's, great player. They have these nice is. little pieces. He's better where, defensively than he should be. I mean, someone made an analogy to me. He's like a a poor man's Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, I mean, he can do a little bit of everything. Nothing really flashy, and he's jacked. I mean, so I really like their roster. 
And also, I'll give Brooks credit. I watched the Lakers game. They made LeBron take, what, 29 shots to get to 31 points. So, I mean, defensively, Brooks is doing a good job coming up with some defensive game plans to keep opposed, uh, opponents, like, go-to guy, like, in trouble. Like, so it stuff's not as easy. So I really like what they're doing. I agree. And I actually saw a rumor, and I, I'm not quite sure how it would work, that they were a team that was looking into Chris Stapp's Porzingis. Wonder how they would fit, finagle that, if possible. But uh, just something to uh, to keep an eye on with uh, with them, too. Uh, the Wizards playing some good ball, and all it takes is a little five-game stretch here and there to be competitive in the East. Um, and, I mean, like, they released, like, you only have to get to the 10th spot to, because, like, if I read it right, it was, like, what is it, 10 plays 9 Yep. for a shot to get in and 7 8 plays 7. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, like, you only have to get to 10. Oh, 7, and when 10, you put, 8, yeah, 8, yeah. 9, one of those two. When you, when you put those two in an elimination game, with how fast Twitch and explosive they are, you have a shot in a one-game winner-take-all scenario. I mean, and if Birkins can hit a couple threes, I mean, they're they're going to be dangerous if they can get up there. Let's talk uh, about some of the All-Star snubs. Who did you think when uh, when you heard the All-Star announcements got you know screwed over the most? Well, I mean, ob- obviously Booker, but Booker got in today because of your boy AD, AD. being hurt. Yeah. Hurt, so I mean, I'm not really going to count him. I really feel like the top two were Booker and Sabonis. I mean, how the hell do Forget the Celtics, him. who are tenth right now, the Celtics are tenth right now in the in the East, have two All Stars, and you have Sabonis, who's 21, 11, and five, and the Pacers, I believe, are the fourth seed in the East, not on the team. I mean, that that to me. Even like with Booker, that to me is a bigger snub because there's no way the Celtics should have two two All Stars in my opinion. Absolutely not. They've been playing terrible, and I'm glad you mentioned the Celtics. We can talk a little bit about them uh, since we're on them right now. They are now down in the ten spot. Like you said, they're 15 and 17. They've lost three in a row. They have lost four of five, and in these last five games. They didn't lose to world beaters. They lost twice to Atlanta. They lost at Dallas and they lost to New Orleans. So um, this team right now is just not very good, Eric. I mean, the main thing that is that I've seen and like I only caught the comeback of the Pelicans game. I watched the whole Mavericks game and I mean, I turned off the game against the Hawks. That was a complete shit show, but they just have no effort they're lacking motivation and there's a mm-hmm. huge difference between your team's best player and the team that is the player that is most important to winning and i've come on here and i've preached to you what a big marcus smart guy yep I am. yep he's marcus that guy. smart is that guy he is the key to make sure everyone's in check and everyone knows what they're doing because he's gonna punch I, you in the face if you don't oh for sure for sure He'll- and the and the close to the Mavericks game exactly showed what defensively what he brings. They ran a high pick and roll with Willie Colley slide with Luca. And there was a switch dice went and it was such a weak screen. Um, Brown could have easily came back and switched back to him, but he didn't. And for Willie Colley slide, are you serious? If that's Marcus smart, Marcus smart is immediately going to double Donich, Donich to make sure the ball gets out of Luca's hand. 
I mean, no brainer at all. Instead of Luna, Luca hitting that step back three. And then next time they come down, I mean, you can see on the replay at the bottom of the screen, Brad Stevens and Marcus Smart are on the court pointing with their left hand where Luca's going to go. And like they let it happen. There was a switch. Just like the knowledge and everything he brings, just it's not there. And like Brown and Tatum, the one thing about them that shows they're not anywhere near the level of the Harden, the Durant, Irving, even Giannis, even Middleton, is when those guys come off and they go to the hoop and they force a second person to come on, they will make that pass, have it be to the big who's diving to the rim or the guy that's open to the corner. Those guys just shoot. Those guys do not make anybody better on the team whatsoever. It's just and even much, if it's a hockey assist, you know, it's, swing it's, to the corner. I, it's yeah. a lot of ISO, though. You know what I yeah. mean? It's like it's way too much of that. It's way too much hero stuff. And it, I mean, they start the season eight and three. Raptors started the season two and eight. And right now the Raptors are well ahead of them in the standings there. And Boston, I, I don't know. You like, you look around and it's like, why or how are they going to get that much better? They have that exception Are they going to go get someone like a Which is funny, like a Horfer Who they had, and they let walk for nothing Like That's kind of a type of player that they could use Right now, someone who could Help, you know, facilitate a little bit Do a little bit of everything, fill in the gaps Whatever you need, if you got him back And then you got Smart back Now all of a sudden, you could be competitive Against other teams, but right now Until they make a move, and without Smart, they are Like, they are lifeless but their their top guys just have no motivation. When your best two players are playing unmotivated, that's yeah. a huge issue. Yeah. Yesterday, Jason Tatum had one more rebound than you and I in the game. Yeah. One. <laughs> yeah. How is that? To me, that's effort. Like, I used it to is. play basketball. Like, when you're struggling, three throw lines, rebound, rebounds, go play some defense, go block a shot, yeah, play some involved. help. Deep. Yeah, do something. And he had one rebound. You know, and he was, what, four or six for 20 in the game. I mean, those guys, like, I mean, I know the Boston media is starting to pick up on it a little bit, but they just seem to be getting a pass. And it's just, it's ludicrous to me because if those guys were as good as everyone is saying, they would make people around them better, which they know, and they would try, and they're just not trying. And everyone's just scapegoating Stevens. The guy made three out of four conference finals, and he's really the issue? Like, I just, maybe he's lost the locker room and the voice, but... I really think we called this at the beginning yeah. of the year. Their roster yeah. sucks. Yeah. Like their roster's not deep. And like you said, you've got these two guys who um, like Tatum and Brown and, and everything I hear about Jalen Brown is phenomenal. And even Tatum, like that they're both good guys and good, good people. And, and they care, you know, but like they probably look up and figure like, Oh, you know, we're doing our job. Like our numbers are ticking their boxes. Why do we have to do the little bit extra? Oomph? Like all of the little things are the exact things that a Marcus smart does for you that you need like leading. Those two guys might be great, but smarts kind of your leader. Yeah. I mean, he, he won't allow you to, to check out if you mess up, like you said, he will get, you know, he will get in your face and he, I mean, granted, like, I know the Boston people don't like he, him jacking so many threes, but, I mean, do you do, do the Celtics fans understand right now how important he actually is? Yeah. And, and he'll guard your best player on the wing. He doesn't care how big he is. He'll guard one through four. Yeah, and I mean. He's six, seven, six, eight. He doesn't care, you know. And But the other thing is, is, like, you see it with LeBron. Like, LeBron starts a game. 
he's not jacking up what like 10 shots in the first quarter like he's getting the other people involved so that way they're engaged with the game i mean hell look at the look at the bucks right now okay bucks are playing right now the first quarter just ended i mean lopez what he's he's got four attempts portis three attempts Davidchenko four attempts. Those guys are getting involved because the Bucks need them later in the game against the Pelicans. Yep. You know you what know I mean? That you yeah. you need to exactly like Tatum and and Brown can't start playing hero ball immediately because it just tunes it. It's what happened a lot of the times with Harden. A lot of the time he starts going one on one and guys in the corner start checking out a little bit and then you need those guys later to play like you need PJ Tucker later to go play defense on Anthony Davis but you know he's like parked in the corner for half the time not doing anything you know yeah, like you, you got it those guys that contribute on the defensive end that do the little things you have to get involved in the beginning of the game and if you don't they're just going to be out there for thirty some odd minutes just pointlessly running around and like those two like I've said don't make anyone around them better. The Cavs have uh, won a couple games now. They're still towards the bottom of the East, but they're an interesting team because of some of the pieces that they have there and uh, the opportunity uh, to, to possibly move some of them. So, you know, a guy like Drummond, is he going to go? Um, do, you, do What do you think of, of the, this kind of Cavs team overall and, and their pieces? Do you do you like Sexton Garland and, and where they stand? Like, Give us some of your kind of like I mean, like on the Cavs. The Cavs started out great, and they were forcing turnovers because Garland and Sexton were able to play aggressively because Nance and Drummond were protecting the rim. That's basically how they start off the season. But then Nance got hurt. You lost a rim protector, so those two weren't as aggressive on defense. Then this whole Drummond situation happened. I like their core, but with how their roster is built right now, they – it takes a great effort from three kids under 22 years old to win an NBA game for them. Cause they really don't have any three point shooters. Yeah. And besides Garland and Sexton, they have no playmakers. And when those two guys aren't on the floor, their offense is like really, really bad. They need to add two, three point two floor stretchers. And then just add like, even if it's someone like a DJ Augustine, mm-hmm. you know, like someone like that who can just come in and give you a, 15 minutes of playmaking while one of those or both of those guys rest. They, their roster, it's starting to get good, but they just they just don't have all those pieces. But I love what they're doing. I love Allen. Allen, he is, is what, excellent, oh man. My God. Oh my god! I mean, like, and he's only it's, it's so years funny old. because he's exactly what the Nets would need, right? Like oh to god. make their team like perfectly fit together. Did you imagine just him with them? And obviously, they wouldn't have been able to get what they got without. Like uh, using a piece like sort of like him to do it, but he would he on that on that team would would make them so scary. But like when you look at the trade, like why was he even involved? I don't you know, know what I mean. Like like you kind of look at it, kind of just seems like a throwaway because he didn't care. Yeah, like they it just him off Cleveland. Yeah, like it just the whole him being included in that trade was just really like really like why like because. He can stretch the floor. He can protect the rim. And if you run the pick and roll, he's fast and athletic enough where he can switch off and keep a point guard somewhat in front of him. Way better than DeAndre Jordan can. So it's just, it just didn't make any sense to me why he was included. 
They are, they're playing some good ball right now. You and I are recording this Thursday, so if there's a number or two or things off because uh, of when we're recording it, they they at this point won seven in a row, and um, they've been playing really well even without KD. We assume they'll probably get a couple buyout vets, but I I don't know. Maybe it's because of Kyrie and and like what we've seen from him when he can go MIA. Maybe it's because of Harden and how we've seen him kind of curl up in a ball in in playoff series. And maybe it's because Durant physically why uh, why and health wise, you know, after missing now seven games in a row, um, who knows if he's going to be able to hold up? I I wish there was a team or two in the East I liked a little bit more because I'm not just convinced it's going to be the Nets cakewalking into the finals. But here's the thing, like, this win streak they're on, it hasn't been all three of them. No. And I really don't think it can work I with agree. all three of them. I think they're I mean, better like this was two of the three. Yeah, oh, for sure. And, like, I'm not a Kyrie Irving guy at all. Like, I can't stand the guy. I mean, like, I, I as a basketball player, I mean, I have never seen someone get a pass for making one shot in his life. I think he's a great player, but... The whole thing that happened in Boston and then saying he was going to stay and what he did into that locker room yeah. and then going there and get Atkinson basically fired. And then like the stuff like beforehand when this year when he's like, some days I'm going to be the coach, some days Durant, some days Kevin Nash, not Kevin Nash, Steve Nash, excuse me. Kevin I'm Nash. Thinking, I, I'm thinking cool. um, <laughs> Diesel. <laughs> but, um, but no, but then like, like, last week he came out and he's like, yeah, I decided that James Harden's going to be the point guard. Like, what? Like, you decided James Harden's going to be the point and guard? he has so- to say it like that, too, yeah. right? Like he has to let you know that he decided it. You know, I made the decision. And Harden, like, can't you imagine Harden and Durant kind of, like, rolling their eyes sometimes when he talks? Oh, yeah. Like, and, and I mean, sure- that, I think that's what's going to happen in the playoffs. And I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Like, Harden, like, for as much as I just knocked, Tatum and um, Brown for not making people better. Harden, when people are running at him, he's hitting other guys. He's playing great. A great passer. He's a I mean, great. He is passer. playing great, and like that's what I'm talking about about making other people better. Former Piston uh, Bryce Brown, he's playing great for them. I mean, because Harden's getting in the ball when his guy rotates off of him. And I mean, that's the thing. If they just have those guys, because you're always going to run two at Harden and Durant, and even Kyrie, and those guys can hit shots, they're going to be tough, but the team's going to be so limited defensively, that's going to be their main issue, and if there's that one night when they're not hitting shots, or one of those guys gets in foul trouble, and there's just a little tension, is Nash going to be able to corral everybody? I really don't think they're going to come out of the East. To me, the East is such a crapshoot. I have no idea who's going to come out, but I I want to see those three play just before I mount them at the top because they have it absolutely and i mean the east like you said a crapshoot there are only three teams right now in the east at over 500 three the the sixers the nets and the bucks the pacers are the four seed at 15 and 15 and the raptors are the five seed at 16 and 17 and the knicks and the bulls right behind them the hornets behind them and then boston and miami are tied in that ninth and the tenth spot um so but I mean, like the team, like the Hornets, like the Hornets have like the young guys they spring in their legs, you know, I, that could be a team against the Nets. I know it sounds crazy, like, cause of the Nets limitations defensively, they could give them a little trouble. I'm not saying about, they'll win, but they could give them trouble. Or what about if a team like Miami's at the bottom, right? Like a team like Miami who, 
who now just went to the finals and is Miami isn't hadn't played well early because they had some injuries. They had that quick turnaround. If you look at the four teams that were in the conference finals, none of them really had great starts to the uh, that the year. The Lakers had the best of them because they all had that quick turnaround. They didn't have a lot of time off in between. The Heat have now won four four in a row. And it's funny, like you look at the Heat and the Celtics, two teams with identical records. But talk about how different the it feels for those teams and their fan bases right now because Miami feels like. They're starting to get it together and play some good ball, and they had legit excuses. Boston has just fallen off a cliff, so like Miami might be one of those teams that could be tough at the bottom of the East. Oh, and it's it's crazy. Like they they had all the COVID issues. There's talks of them possibly taking this year, and now they've snuck into the A position. But I mean, like you said, I really feel like them having such a long run, the COVID stuff. Honestly, Bam and Butler not making the All-Star game and getting that full week off is probably mm-hmm. the best thing that could happen for them. And I'll be honest for you, the best thing for your Lakers is LeBron doesn't play in the All-Star game either. I would love it. I hope he doesn't. I'm really hoping because he, he needs it. He's gassed. They're all gassed. They're limping to the All-Star break right now. They've lost four in a row. So they're 22-11. and 11. Um, they are the third seed right now. What's been what's been a, a positive for them is that some of the teams around them have have been struggling a little bit too. Like the Phoenix and and Portland have lost a couple games recently, so there's not a, a, as much pressure on the Lakers to have to necessarily stay stay in that spot. But they've got four games left before the All Star break. Um, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, and Sacramento. And what's really hurt the Lakers is we knew Anthony Davis was going to be out. Um, and and we we're gonna assume that they would kind of bob and weave and go back and forth. But then about an hour before the Brooklyn game, we find out that uh, Truder is in health and safety protocol, and he's gonna be missing. And so for a Lakers team who hadn't really been dealing with a lot of issues, all of a sudden you're missing AD, which obviously hurts. You're missing the only other ball handler you have. You know, for as deep as the Lakers are, and they have a lot of very solid role players, the other guys like Caruso, he's not really a true point guard. He's more of an off guard. THT, he's not like he can create shots for himself, but he's not going to set up the offense. Same thing for Kuzma. He can get himself a shot, but those guys aren't like true, like even like you said, like a DJ Augustine guy who can help set you the offense up. That's where they've really been struggling because. They don't have anyone else when Schroeder is out, and and he'll be back. It looks like on Friday, but um, it, yeah, they're just missing a, the playmaker. Like yeah. that's it. Like when LeBron is in, like the ball is moving, and the ball movement isn't there. And when you don't have to move on defense, there's no lateral movement across the court. It's so easy to play defense, but and, when you you know when you can run two at a Kuzma or run two at at the at Tucker or Pope. And they're not moving the ball. It's the game isn't that hard. As crazy as it sounds, no. And and it's just what it does is it puts all of these guys in a in a in a little bit more difficult position to have to do a little bit more than what they're they do best, right? Like all of these guys aren't put the ball on the on the floor and get a shot, guys. There have somebody else get you the shot. And when when it's just Schroeder not there, and you can focus in on LeBron, or LeBron needs a little bit of a a, a break. It's it's been ugly. I think with their next four games, Portland, Golden State, Phoenix, Sacramento. I mean, and, and two and two would feel amazing for them. Um, you could tell me they went four and zero or zero and four. It wouldn't really surprise me. But 
I, I think they're going to love the break because they get the eight day All Star break, and then they play on Friday, uh, and then they have uh, they don't play again until Monday. But following that, then they end up having. Um, 11 games between March 12th and March 31st Including three back-to-back So they gotta hope they win a couple games Or AD gets healthy Or maybe this is when they go out And uh, and maybe bring in somebody else to help eat the minutes Kind of like, like in baseball sometimes in the middle of the year You just go get that like some like third or fourth pitcher from another team just to help you make some starts, even if they're not going to be a big part of your team later. That that might be a situation that the Lakers are in now. If AD is going to be missing more, and and I I think he should. They don't need to do anything stupid or bring him back a second earlier than they need to. Oh, not at all, not at all. Especially because, like I said last week, this is the same injury Durant had. So mm-hmm. why rush it? You're going to be in the playoffs, and I mean with the team with LeBron and AD, I mean, the home court's really like not that important to them. I mean, granted, they're, and they're, the, they're a great road yeah. team too. They yeah. And, and I know they got killed by Utah the other day, but Morris hit on the head. There's a completely different feel from playoff basketball to like a, when, what, when they play a Wednesday night in February, you know what I mean? Like completely Absolutely. different. Absolutely. The, the approach, the the back-to-backs, uh, playing the same team repeatedly that you can focus in on and that you can game plan for. Um, it, but, I mean, that's a- the issue Giannis has. Like, when you play a team, like, four or five, six times, everyone knows your move. Mm-hmm. That's why, like, the players that do well, the LeBrons, the ADs, like, those guys in the playoffs, they have multiple ways to beat you, not just one. Yes, 100%. And, I mean, we got we got to really give some love to... Utah because as much as we all Do want to say hey they have To prove it to us in the playoffs They have been Incredible the stretch Of basketball they have been playing right now They've won 22 of their last 24 games and 20 of Them by double digits They are basically Stacking up towards the top in everything, their first in win percentage, first in net rating, first in threes, second in defensive rating, second in points per game allowed, second in threes allowed, third in offensive rating, third in points per game, third in three point percentage, third in opponent field goal percentage, third in opponent three point percentage. So I think two separate things can be said. Do we both have major question marks about them in a playoff series? Sure. But have they played about as as damn good as you can play through like 30 games or so? Pretty close. Oh yeah, for sure. They're just they're the ball's moving, they're getting open looks and they're they're making threes. I mean, they I mean, the other game against I believe the Hornets, like their bench set the record for three pointers. I think they made yeah. something like absurd, like nineteen or something they from made the bench. Fifty over the last two games they yeah. they played. Fifty threes. They had fifteen they 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 were on pace at one point to maybe break the record for the, the most threes made in a game against the Lakers because in the first half they were just wet and they're that that's the the difficult thing about when you talk about Utah and what their prospects are for winning a title is that this is the best they have ever looked and probably ever will look win or lose they may not ever look this good with how well everyone on their team is shooting like I said they're top three in all of these offensive and defensive metrics um they but are they Atlanta from a couple of years ago? I'm sorry, exactly. I didn't mean to, or they Milwaukee from last yeah. year, the first yeah. half of last year? Yeah, when you're just seeing and everything's going on, and then you have that little break. Like they, have, we have a week break coming up for the All Star game. They don't want to like, stop. They want to yeah, keep they, playing. Exactly. 
exactly are they going to be able to continue because right now they're having fun there's no the rudy and mitchell thing is squashed and everyone's clicking everyone's making shots what's going to happen when they have a little adversity Somebody gets hurt, uh, for and, and then another guy gets hurt, and then all of a sudden you lose three games in a row. Is some is it? It's easy to buy in when you're winning, and and it's easy to be a front runner, right? It's it's when things start to get difficult. Some it's inevitable. It doesn't matter who you are, win or lose. There's going to be a time of a little bit of turmoil. There's going to be a short losing streak. There's going to be an injury. You're going to get down in a playoff series, two games or something. Can they dig down? And, you know, I like a lot of the makeup of their team, especially Donovan, who, you know, you've uh, you've been praising and, and, and pushing as what a great year he's having. I I don't know why the Gobert stuff worries me, because as good as he is defensively in the regular season in a playoff series, let's say he's matching up against A.D. I mean, A.D. crushes him when he matches up against Jokic. Jokic crushes him if he's in a situation where he's playing like Portland is Lilliard gonna like attack him and try to draw him out and make it really difficult on him I, I worry about their matchups when they get into the playoffs because we can't help but sort of look ahead oh you can't and you start thinking what if like who they match up with and I mean like you hit you hit on the head like he has a hard time going away from the rim. So the guys that do stretch the floor, AD, uh, Jokic, yep. I mean, he's going to really struggle against. And then, then if they get him in the pick and roll, and he plays like Portland in the second round, or even um, the kid from Phoenix, he's starting to, he's, I, I wasn't an eight pin guy, but he's starting to play better. So, I mean, there's yeah. tough matchups for him. I mean, if, I mean, I hate to look ahead, but, that Suns Portland series in the first round would be unbelievable it would be if that black. happens. Oh my gosh, there would be high school like just a firepower. Chris Paul, Lilliard, Booker. If CJ's in the mix too, it would be. And that, that's the thing that I, I look at them and I see and and so it's hard because at the same time I want to give them all the credit and respect that they've earned. What they're doing is is pretty incredible. Like they're they're winning and they're playing at a an insane clip. It's just we've seen this happen recently. We've seen these regular season teams do it, and it's hard to to get too ahead of ourselves with a team like this, and it, because we know that playoff basketball is just so different. And what happens? What happens when adversity hits? Like um, even a team like the Warriors, when the Warriors had their first run, um, they made it all the way to the finals. They won the first game, I believe, and then the second game, I think they lost to Cleveland. And I was it the third game when they decided, hey, we need to not start Andrew Bogut. Yeah, they they sh- they, they could was have been it, down 2 because yeah. their first game they like snuck out the win at the end, so they really got outplayed in the first couple games, and I think that's why they made the change. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, like they had adversity, and Kerr, props to him, he made the switch two years ago or whatever it was, three years ago. Bucks were up, like two zero, and they were up double digit in game three and people don't remember that they blew the lead and they ended up eventually blowing the series from that oh two some of us had us had them 200 to one to win it all and that still stings but 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 you know it's like how you deal with that adversity you know what's gonna happen you know i mean matt not the mavericks the nuggets were down three one they handled the adversity against the um against the clippers last year you know like how you handle adversity defines you as a team like what's gonna happen 
because anyone can look good when everything is going right. And that's what's happening with Utah right now. When they have that first adversity, like Gobert, Bonovich, Ingles, somebody gets hurt, or even, hell, even Mitchell gets hurt. How are they going to respond? Or do they blow a lead, 1-1 in a series, down 1-2? Like they play Portland. Portland sneaks out game two. They go to Portland. You know, they get down a quick 1-2. Like what's going to happen? We uh, have a few more topics to discuss here. You mentioned the Bulls a little earlier. They've uh, they they're up to a, you know a playoff team right now. Um, they want to had, had a nice little stretch where they won a couple games in a row. I um I like Levine. I really do. I think he's I think he's a a, a very good player. I just how good can he be your number one and how far can he take you? This team does feel like with marketing who you mentioned that they, I can see them making a trade sometime soon. Oh, for sure. And the fact that they didn't, they didn't work out the extent, the rookie extension with them tells me he's gone. I mean, that tells me he's gone. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets moved, moved. And I was really high because I really thought Donovan was going to bring out more from, from um, Wendell Carter, and he's playing great, averaging 13 and 7. Um, also, Kobe White. I mean, I think they got a very good nucleus of young guys, but you hit it on the head. Is Levine the guy? Can he be the and, alpha? And that's what I, I worry about with him is he's he can score. We know that. And he, he feels like he's becoming more and more of a leader. Um, I just, you know, D, can can he be your number one? Or, I, you know, they're playing good ball right now. And, and that's worth a, that's worth a mention, um, at least. I'll tell you that the bottom of the West right now is not playing very good ball. The Kings, Houston, and Minnesota, um, they have just been awful as of late. Um, at you know, we talked about Minnesota with the the coaching change, and so maybe they have like a little bit of upside there. And Minnesota actually has a few. Like Edwards is pretty good. They hit on a couple of their other pieces. Like they they have maybe something, some stuff to be excited about if they finish in the top three. Hopefully, they'll be able to keep their pick too. But um, towards the I bottom, mean, if they know, don't, if they don't, like honestly, like if they don't, if they lose that pick, they're they, that they should just say F it and move to Seattle. Like really, like, like you know, honestly, you know what I mean? Like they basically, they have D'Lo because of Cat. Cat wanted D'Lo. They got D'Lo. Now D'Lo can't stay healthy to get on the floor. They've only played five games together, those Which two guys. Which is insane. And here's the thing. Like, I, I'm a big plus minus guy. Everywhere D'Lo is gone, he's had a negative. He's terrible he's, plus minus. Oh my God. Awful Teams are better with minus. him off the court. Yeah. Awful yeah. with him on the court. And the whole thing with hiring Chris Finch, like makes, it tells me that the GM Rosa wants to get his guy there. And he feels like this could be, this is it for him because that Wiggins trade was awful because D'Lo can't stay healthy. And they lost the, they lost the, um, the lotto pick. And it just tells me like, he needs someone there who they, he thinks he can trust to write the ship. But also we have to remember Minnesota is not, a real desirable place to coach because of the roster buildup and the fact you're not going to have that you could potentially not that draft pick. And this draft class is freaking stacked. And you don't, they might, this team might be for sale. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot going on with them too right now. Uh, it's the, yeah, the teams at the bottom of the West are, are, are not in great shape. But the one thing with Finch though, like I was looking at him, he did coach that Houston Rockets um, D-League when it was, the G-League was called the Developmental League. 
that team that just jacked up all those threes. So, and, like, maybe, like, they transform into that to give them some sort of edge because, like, what they're doing right now isn't working. And he, he actually, I think, had some success working with Jokic uh, in, in the past, too. He, he's a guy that they are hoping can they can get the most out of Towns because, like, offensively, Towns is, is great. Like he is a really good offensive player. He can shoot the three at, like at a clip and at an efficiency. I think unlike any other seven footers all time, he's that good of a shooter. And you can run an offense through him. He just has to buy in defensively, and you gotta and you gotta have the pieces around him. So um, hopefully, I, I root for him because he had such a miserable off season, and then he got sick. He lost all of those family members to COVID, and then. You come here, you get hurt, and and it's just been a, a bad year, and now a bad year professionally. But hopefully, he can uh, he can turn it around because I know, um, you know, I had the um, Dave uh, who I've had on my show a few times. He does the the stats for uh, the radio play by play over there at Minnesota, and they love Cat. It's just you, like you, how are you supposed to win when your two best players can't stay on the court? But I mean, like I was looking at the franchise history. They have a 39% win percentage in their franchise history. I know. The only way they won was KG and then Thibodeau. And even Thibodeau and Butler. Like, Butler dragged them that year to to get into the playoff. Like, you know, uh, so. I was reading some Minnesota stuff online from the sports, from the local papers. And one paper was saying, like, they didn't blame Sanders because of what a bad situation Thibodeau left him in. And I'm like. Thibodeau got you to the playoffs. Like, how bad? You know what I mean? Like, I it just, he was structured and disciplined enough where he got these guys to the playoffs to buy in. And I just, I don't know. Like, it, they're in a real tough spot with how their franchise is right now. Two teams that'll play on Friday, um, both struggling. We talked about the Lakers and the, uh, even the Portland. Portland had won six in a row. Now they've lost three in a row. The Lakers have lost four in a row. So something's got to give, right? One of these teams isn't going to lose on Friday night. And Lillard just loves to just crush the Lakers. If Schroeder's not there to at least help with another like small body defensively, he'll probably have a blast going right at them. So uh, before we let you go, um, any thoughts on that Lakers-Portland game Friday night? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I know the Lakers are missing two starters, but Portland's missing three starters. And, like, that run they had was so good. But I just really think they're just – those guys are just tired. That's another team that just needs – like, the break. that just, just needs the break. I mean, like, I know right now I just looked. The line is at five. I mean, it's – yeah. Is Schroeder is Schroeder for sure playing? They have not said for sure. They think they he on Wednesday they were saying we think Friday. So um, I mean, if Schroeder if Schroeder is playing, I mean, I would probably lay the five if Schroeder was playing, just because this is the last. I mean, this is the I, last. I game think of he's going to pick the- them up. When he comes back he's going to give them A little bit of a jolt of energy that they Just have kind of been sleepwalking the last few games So I think whenever he comes He'll pick them up if it's if it's Friday I I would agree if if he's Not there they could get beat By 15 again oh but I mean another thing one of my betting Angles that I look at in the NBA is when A team's last game of a Road trip and this is Portland's last Game of a three game road trip yeah they just just want to get home And I could really see, like, if Shooter's playing, that's why I'd lay the five. If Shooter, even if Shooter isn't playing the game, I mean, maybe the line drops down to four and a half and you still take it. But 
I mean, I would definitely look at the Lakers in that situation just because I really think Portland just wants to get get back home. Eric Etoff, 2-1 Sports. Uh, now we can uh, we can go and watch the second half of this game. How about the scoring in this game? This first half we've been watching as we recorded Pelicans and Milwaukee, 68-68 in the first half. It's about to end. They both almost scored 70 in uh, in half number one. So we should have a, a really fun second half to go watch with this one. Zion versus uh, versus Giannis. Thanks so much again, buddy. Uh, let everybody else out there know where can we follow you. Podcast, uh, Instagram, social media, Twitter. Give us all the goods. Uh, Twitter at etoff 21 sports Instagram at etoff 21 sports underscore. Website, etoff 21 sports um, I have a blog there. I have wrote an article about a Super Bowl future I put in and uh, fantasy football rankings. And my podcast will be up. Um, I have a podcast that comes out every Saturday. Preview the NASCAR race. Last week gave out a plus, a six, was it? 60 to one winner. With, uh, Christopher Bell. So, yeah. Wow. So, uh, you know, if you guys would like to make some money, check that out. Eric, thanks so much, buddy. We'll uh, We'll check in with you again next week. Talk some more NBA. All right, sounds good, man. Do not go anywhere, folks, and uh, make sure to give Eric a follow on all those uh, social media platforms. We'll be back in just a minute here with Racing on That's What She Said. Big thank you to Eric for helping us out there with our weekly NBA segment. You'll hear Eric here on That's What She Said each and every week talking some NBA. We're going to talk some Sarah Candles right now. C-E-R-A candles.com That's the website there And their goal was to create a candle 100% natural Clean burning and high quality That everyone can enjoy We're talking about all natural Soy wax candles They are free from the toxins that are found in paraffin wax That's the, the brand that's used by A lot of the other leading candle brands The paraffin wax So All natural soy wax will actually hold your scent better and burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. These are 100% lead-free cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches and they're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality. Locally sourced, handcrafted in the USA. We're talking 25 different scents available, 3 different sizes, affordable pricing, quality packaging, top ingredients. They're longer burning. None of those toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants that are present in paraffin wax. These are created by people who love candles. They just wanted to experiment and find the the perfect candle, and they were able to create it. Now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle Company, and with the promo code G-I-N-O, you will get 10% off of your purchase. They even give you instructions and details on how to keep your candle clean and to get the perfect burn. SarahCandles.com, C-E-R-A, Candles.com, promo code G-I-N-O, gets you 10% off your purchase. This weekend, the big stable duel contests continue on. So let's start on Friday. We've got Gulfstream Park with a $25 top 10. We've got Gulfstream with a $100 triple up. If you play in that and you win, you get a free buy-in into the Fountain of Youth Fortune, which is the big contest this weekend that we're all going to be paying attention to and we'll all be playing in. You can play at Laurel on Friday in a free ride at Tampa or at Golden Gate. Santa Anita has two options for you. Saturday, it's the Fountain of Youth Fortune, $150 entry, $25,000 in prizes for that big contest. I'll have a couple entries in on Saturday in that Fountain of Youth Fortune. You can also play in a Gulfstream Park $10 contest or at Tampa for a free ride. Santa Anita has a $25 contest on Saturday. 
And then on Sunday, you've got Gulfstream Park, Tampa, Laurel, Santa Anita, and the free ride at Golden Gate. These are daily horse racing contests where you go to StableDuel.com or just download the StableDuel app from your phone and you it's free to download. Instantly, you create a, an, you create a stable, you create a stable name, and all you do is pick which entries uh, you want to play and which games you want to play and some of them are free some of them are a dollar two dollars five dollars all the way up to 150 this weekend in the big one that fountain of youth fortune so the awesome racing this weekend continues and uh, we're going to start talking about some of it right now with sammy houston so get those past performances out for sam houston friday First race is Arabian, so we'll move to race number two on Friday, February the 26th. we got $5,000 beaten claimers here. Texas Reds, Phillies, and Mayors, four-year-olds and up. I'm going to lean towards the seven. Silver Coin, I just think it's a much better spot for Silver Coin after trying a lot tougher last time out. You have Euro Devil Woman, who looks like the one to catch, uh, with Rye jumping back aboard. And uh, the six Dust World Wonder is probably the one that they'll all have to beat in here. Seven, six, two for me. In race number two at Sam Houston, moving along to the the third race, five furlongs on the turf course, 25 non-two claimers here. I'm going to begin with the seven, Crow Mountain, who's going to get back to the grass. Last we saw him on the grass, he was beating Maiden Specials, and he should be able to sit pretty close from out there. The uh, 10 and 11, I'm going to be using uh, both on my tickets. I thought the 10... um, our Elastic Man coming off the long, long layoff just missed. Should have every opportunity uh, in this spot. And then Captain St. Jacques, we haven't seen since October, but just a repeat of uh, of some of the recent form. He's actually coming out of some of the better races. I wouldn't be shocked to see him run a big one. Glass Eater would be the other one you look to, who uh, Glass Eater is two sprint turf races are actually really good when you can, uh, can key the last two turf sprints that he's got. So, uh, we move along to race number four, 5,000 claimers, non-winners of three lifetime, mile and 70 yards, the distance, the three dies. Uh, if you want a single this first time gelding, I would not talk you off it. I think the drop in class for a horse who's just been in a little tougher, this should put him over the top in here. The uh, four Clifton Park would be another one that I'm uh, I'm using if I go a little deeper the seven answer in the wind coming off that third place effort and actually back-to-back races that are pretty solid but I think the three dies as a single three over four and seven we move along to race number five and I thought uh Linfield was a little bit uh, intriguing in here if you can just excuse his last effort because it was on an off racetrack he had won back-to-back on the synthetic prior to that and I think he's a bit intriguing. You'd imagine they're going to show a little speed from the rail. The number one, Linfield, but others to include in here. The four, Cowboy Bling. They're searching for where this one fits. How about the the 14 way outside? Big, big opportunity for the 14 here. Simply speaking, coming off that recent runner-up effort. Also, a hot foot would be another one that I would include. One, 14, 10, 4 in the fifth at Sam Houston. We move along to race number six, Maiden Special Weights, mile and 16th on the turf course. I thought the one, Carabas Bay, who settled inside like third or fourth, um, just behind the leader, was in a little bit tight, finished second, was a very good second. Any improvement off of that would win this. But the seven, Balbina, very interesting uh, to me. Balbina's dam was five for 10 on the turf, three-time graded stakes winner going long on the grass, and has a turf-winning sib. 
Corvus Bay and Balbina all use all over the place. I thought Go Big Green was another one. If you're going a little bit deeper, Pie Killer, Flew by You would also be horses that I would throw in uh, in other exotics. But one and seven on top three, eight, nine, and eleven. When I'm going a little deeper in the seventh race, start of your late pick four here. The three drive happy will probably be pretty tough. Came in from Southern California and switched barns and won nicely here at Sam Houston. Going six and a half will stretch out to the mile. The one Bobby Brinkley tried the Texas Turf Mile last time out, but was beaten just a neck in a similar spot two back, but that was going five and a half. I think the game plan for him has got to be, let's just send hard. This looks like the one to catch in here. One, three. I thought the four hold tight was a, a nice maiden special weight winner last time out and seems to be improving and on the upswing. The eight, good first, uh, who you can excuse the last start where they hooked a little bit wide, facing tougher, didn't have the best of starts, but comes over here to which is a softer spot. One, three, four, eight in the seventh at Sam Houston. Move along to race number eight, the maiden special weight, mile and a 16th on the turf course, four and five-year-olds. The uh, Temple of Soul should be close throughout. I'm going to look towards the uh, the outside for a couple others to include with the one Temple of Soul. I thought the 10 dashboard, who is now a first-time gelding. I don't love that this is a horse they paid 425000 for, and they've already gelded him after one start. But sometimes you just know he was buried behind horses. He had nowhere to go. He actually had a sneaky trip. And if he just improves at all out of that trip, he's going to be really tough in here. Black Rock Castle was behind him. Uh, they all come out of that same race with Temple of Soul, where Temple of Soul was the runner-up that day. And it he's the one to beat, but Dashboard feels like he might be the one to bet. 10-1-12 in the 8th at Sam Houston. Moving along to race number 9 at Sam Houston. 5,000 non-winners of 3 lifetime. 6 furlongs the distance. I thought the 4, uh, Quinn, Ella, Ella, Ella is going to be a single for me. She came off of a couple-month break. She was sitting a close-up second. She was about a half-length off. She moved up in between horses to challenge, and she just faded. She was a little bit tired. That was against 15 non-three claimers, and that was her first start in a few months. Now she's going to be dropping in class. She's facing the five non-three claimers. This is going to be a lot softer spot. She'll still have to deal with salacious accusation, but I think with the... Quinella having that race under her belt now, she will be a little bit sharper. Others that I'll look at, the three, Fire of Gold, who might be the one to catch, and then the two outside horses, Lionese and Salacious Accusation. I have four over 10, 11, three. Let's move to the 12th and final, Texas Breds, Maidens, Phillies, three-year-olds, six furlongs, the distance, and I will lean towards the 12 here. So it's money too. It's my money too. Debuted against open maiden specials. Was in a race that uh, the third place finisher has come back to win a maiden special weight out of. So it's become a very live race. Third place finisher won a maiden special weight next out. Fifth place finisher won a maiden 50 next out. And now it's my money too. Comes over here and is facing a much softer group of Texas bred maiden specials. I think the, the 12 is very interesting. I'll use the 11 Moro Coffee all over the place off of that very nice third place effort. I'll use the 8 Texas Whirlwind, who was the runner-up last time out and should continue to step forward. And and the 9, Lone Star Bug, who was actually favored in her career debut, didn't show anything, but that was a race that was on an off racetrack. So 12, 11, 8, 
nine in the tenth and final on Friday over at Sam Houston. Let's stick with Friday and let's get over to Turfway Park. I got a couple horses to uh to include in some exotics at Turfway Friday. Get the past performances out for February twenty sixth. So let's flip on over to Turfway. Uh, races four, five, and seven are the three I'm going to discuss. In the fourth, uh, I thought the two scales of justice was worth a wager if we can get anything around seven to two. So he debuted out in Southern California against Life and Good. Life is Good in a race that has come back very, very good from uh, November of 2020. Career start number two, Scales of Justice comes over to Turfway, stretches out to a mile, tries a synthetic, and runs really well. He was four or five wide going into the turn. He settled too deep outside, missed sixth or seventh, but just about three lengths off. He was in a really tight spot. He moved in between horses. Um, he had a tap on the brakes, he was waiting for room, he got an opening inside, and he moved through a really tight spot. He's going to have to improve, he didn't get the biggest speed figure off of that win, I just think this is a really nice spot for scales of justice, anything around 7-2, to two, let's make a win wager on that one in the 4th at Turfway on Friday. Let's get you to race 5 at Turfway, this is the John Battaglia Memorial for 3 year olds, mile and a 16th, the distance, Kentucky Derby points on the line here. And I think the 12 is, uh, to me, the most interesting, Warrior-in-Chief. So he broke his maiden once he stretched out from seven furlongs to a mile and a 16th. It was in his third career start. He had a good start. He sat second just off. He moved to the lead without really being asked. And he took the lead at the top of the lane. He was in the two-path. He just kept going. That was a strong maiden special weight race at Churchill Downs. I... No, nobody in this race really scares me. Gretzky the Great makes a lot of sense. He's the one to beat, no doubt about it. Grade 1 winner who's going to try to save ground from the inside. You got the 5, Kinetic Sky, who is on the improve. I think he's worthy of some inclusion in here. And then you got the 7, Hard Rye Guy for the Red Hot Landeros, who just continues to win races over there. And he's done nothing wrong, really, in his two starts on the synthetic over here at Turfway. So I'll have the 12, 5, 1, 7 in the John Battaglia Memorial race number 5 at Turfway on Friday. Let's get to race number 7, the other stakes they have on the card. I will go to the 7 in race number 7, and that is Phantom Vision. Phantom Vision debuted, was a runner-up going 5 furlongs on the turf, uh, then broke the maiden going 5 on the turf, stretched out to a mile and a 16th in the third career start, and she showed uh, speed that day. She actually had a slight stumble, but she got to the lead. She just gave way the last 100 yards. I think the mile and the 16th was a tad too much for her. I'm hoping now with the cutback, she'll end up sitting maybe third or so in here, going six and a half on the synthetic. The number seven, Phantom Vision. Bejarano aboard for Mike Maker on the turn back here. Anything around seven to two worthy of a win wager on Phantom Vision. So the three races at Turfway, the fourth, the number two, Scales of Justice, anything around 7-2 to two will make a win wager. In the fifth, the number 12, Warrior in Chief, anything around 4-1, to one, I have them 12-5-1-7 there. And in the seventh, the number seven, Phantom Vision. That is Friday racing on That's What G Said. We're going to head over to Gulfstream Park and talk some Saturday racing in just a moment. We're going to hear from one of our sponsors first, but following that, it'll be Gulfstream Park in two parts. First up, it'll be Barry Spears talking races 3, 4, 8, 9, and 14. And then following that, it'll be Craig Milkowski who joins me to talk races 11, 12, 13, and 14. So we hit on all of the graded stakes races. First up, it's Barry Spears joining me to talk Gulfstream Park. 
horse racing fans, many of us have been using the DRF, the daily racing form, for years, studying the races, keeping up to date on news with all the articles. I remember looking for a copy at the local liquor store or picking one up at the local racetrack, wherever I was going. Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF Mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets. Get real-time odds and scratches on race day. You can tap on any horse and you get those same DRF past performances that you're familiar with with a larger font for your mobile display. One click to formulator for charts, for replays if you get the formulator version. And even on the classic past performances, you get the home screen with horses, with odds, with buyers. You get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph. You can rotate your phone for the best view. And any horse that you click on, you'll see the running lines. You can easily move from horse to horse. The same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances. You get an interactive format, which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop. Every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches. And so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone, cross-device functionality. You can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices. On-the-go handicapping and wagering, multiple formats to view. You got the overview page with recent speed figures, current day's odds, easy access to expert selections and analysis. You got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse. And you got those traditional DRF pass performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones. They are constantly upgrading, improving, and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at DRF.com. Oh, it's the big uh, week at Gulfstream Park. This is really, I guess, like their second or, or third biggest day of the meet. And uh, it's the Fountain of Youth Day. We have eight graded stakes races. I think there are nine stakes races total. So uh, I didn't want to make anybody have to go through all of those. I'll, I'll split them up in half. And and we uh, we got <laughs> very good handicappers to join me. First, Barry Spears. And then Craig Milkowski going to join me for the, the second half. And both are going to help us out. With some thoughts on the youth as well So you've heard him on this show many times before He's an excellent handicapper Good friend of, uh, of ours Barry Spears, urban handicapper How you doing buddy? Hanging in there my man Just loving life, ready for these these races on Saturday It's going to be exciting, real fun Oh yeah, big big day And I, for some reason I just I, I think Gulfstream, I associate you So when I know when we, when we have a big day at Gulfstream Park I need to enlist some help from Barry A man who plays that track quite a bit And uh, who knows what he's looking at When we're handicapping these Gulfstream <laughs> races So uh, let's jump in for the folks who are following along And using your past performances We're going to look at race number 3 At Gulfstream on Saturday, February the 27th uh, Barry and I are going to talk about Races 3, 4, 8, 9 And then 14 And the 14th is the Fountain of Youth So we've got those Kentucky Derby points on the line there And uh, possibility of seeing a couple Horses that are running on Saturday in this race That we talk about in the Kentucky Derby So uh, let's start with race Number three Barry we got the Grade three here comes the bride They'll go a mile and a sixteenth 
on the turf course in here and uh, you know, a couple horses in here. I think will uh, will very logically take money. You have Spanish Love Affair, who uh, last we saw was in the the Breeders' Cup. You have Cone Lima, who's really really quick. Toby's Heart is two for two and undefeated. Super logical. Um, who are you looking at in the third? I, I mean, this is actually a lot more wide open than it kind of appears on paper. Yeah. Um, Spanish Love Affair obviously is going to be the favorite. Deserves to be. You know, finishing behind Odd Pearl twice. Um, you know, it has run some decent races, but I, I don't think that horse is just like an absolute standout here or anything. No. Um, you know, it has run some decent races, of course, but there's some up and comers in here that, that could, uh, you know, jump up and, and run a big one. I, I mean, Con Lima has a real kind of big pace advantage on the rest of yes. them here. I, I, I think, uh, she's quicker than the other, uh, so-called speed in uh mail order so i expect that horse to be on the lead i'm not sure what kind of price you're gonna get on her um but I, I'm, I'm still willing to go somewhere else with it because i'm not totally sure how conleam is gonna adjust going this far and maybe with a little bit of pressure the only time she was pressured granted it was it was uh on the dirt at on an off the turf event back in uh the pg johnson um, she kind of, she didn't really fold, but she got beat by a very good horse. Yeah. On the square. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she was, she was beat pretty soundly. So here's, you know, where the gamble is. I, I think that she's going to get a lot of pressure, um, from mail order. That being said, I think a horse that, that might get a little bit dismissed that I think is on the rise and I get it. Um, the four horse, I, I think that horse is, is going to be very, very tough in the lane. Um, you know, 12 to one on the line is something that I like to see, but the horse finishes races off and finishes well. I mean, if you take the last one, two, three, four, five races, you know, the only quote unquote bad race was the ginger brew. Every other race won by open lengths. And, th- and that's a tough situation when she's chasing a horse like Cone Lima, who has a lot of speed. Some t- every now and then, Cone Lima and, and speedy horses are going to catch fields that they, they where there's no other pace. And so a horse like I Get It is, is compromised in that situation. She doesn't really have a shot against in, in a spot like that. Right, exactly. And, and you know, honestly, that, that race, and I looked at it a couple of times, she was wide. I Get It was wide on both turns. Uh, four or five wide on the second turn, just like they say in the uh, in the past performances, and I, I just didn't didn't think she got her best shot. It was, the race didn't set up well for her. The mm-hmm. dynamics weren't there. I think it's a little bit better today if she can get closer, which I think she can lay closer to the pace like her last race. Um, I, I think that horse is going to be one to reckon with down the lane. Of course, the the favorite does look and appear tough, and the other horse that I kind of Gave a, a second look to was the uh, maiden breaker, uh, Liana. Liana, who, yeah, and, and Liana did nothing wrong in her debut. She uh, ran on the grass at Aqueduct, and then she broke her maiden over at Fairgrounds, and uh, she could offer you a, a little bit of value in here, too. The one of this very similar sort of a handicapping angle that you have with I Get It. And one of the reasons why I'm I'm going to give a look to a horse to the outside in Designer Ready, and just that 
She did nothing wrong in her career debut. She won. She was very impressive going long. She had not raced from October to January. She came back over here. She was in that ginger brew. She was actually right in front of I Get It, but she had the same sort of issues that I Get It had. It was just a race where Con Lima was able to get out front and cruise, and if we are projecting this race as a race where Con Lima is going to deal with some pressure from mail order and not have to and not be able to get as easy of a lead, I think Designer Ready has a shot now. Second off the short little break, second start over this turf course now, maybe a little bit more pace to chase. You get Johnny V, who's jumping aboard. So I think there are plenty of positives with Designer Ready. She was kind of, and I, I thought she. She didn't have the smoothest of trips either She was sort of uh, in between horses She had to hesitate, she kind of had nowhere to go And then when she came on, she actually Battled for second, she just couldn't get to that Really fast Cone Lima So um, she has the right to step forward with that race Under her belt, and I think we both Just think that like, you know, we, I respect Cone Lima, wouldn't shock Me at all if she wired this field, but I do think the seven is going To put some pressure on her, and if we think enough, If we think that even a little bit she may not be worth using it or necessarily keying in on at a short price. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I try to stay away from horses like that um, just because they're, they're one dimensional and if they don't Absolutely. get the right scenario, it, it could, it could spell a, you know, out of the money finish. And then you're sitting there with a, you know, two, three to one shot that really had no chance from the get go. Mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's a tough situation. That's, that's where the gamble comes in. And, um, you know, I'm just going to take a stand against the two favorites here. I think so, too. Yeah, I, I think I will also in some of the early exotics in the, and hope we can sneak in one of those other couple horses that we were mentioning. I get it. You know, Toby's heart makes a lot of sense, too. You know, she hasn't really done anything wrong. It's just you, you never like seeing horses who have, you know, great race and then they're laid off for a while. Another great race and then laid off for a while. So um, she just might be talented enough. But um, the, the layoff lines are a little concerning. Yeah, absolutely, and and the distance. I'm not really fond of playing horses stretching out like a like a late running sprinter type stretching out like this because it just seems like it's going to work time. and it doesn't, right? Yeah. Like you always just assume, oh yeah, they're they're going to fit perfectly to stretch out, but it, it doesn't work that way. A lot of times they want to have that like perfectly timed run or that just that little burst that they need at a sprint distance. Exactly. So we're 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 betting against that too. <laughs> absolutely. Let's move on to race number four. We've got the Mac Diarmida. So we uh, we have a few grass races that we're going to be talking about. This one's another distance one. They're going to go a mile and three eighths in here on the turf course. Um, some of the horses that will take a lot of money in here. Um, Temple from the inside, who's been very very consistent as of late, has been uh, second to three straight. You have Tide of the Sea, who won the Grade Three McKnight last time out, and was able to take the field great to uh, gate to wire after having a little trouble. Um, two back and Miker, uh, Mike Maker. I was combining them. Miker, <laughs> Miker there. Mike Maker <laughs> seems very, uh, very um, confident with this horse and the fact that he may become a really good distance horse throughout the year. So those are, I guess, some of the ones that, at least from a talking point, that we should uh, begin with. Who do you look at in this fourth? Um, this was a tough race because I was I was actually at the uh, Pegasus this year and watched the William McKnight. And, you know, I, I was all over Tide of the Sea, mm-hmm. but that horse was all out to win. And the pace scenario might not be as as, as beneficial as last time with, yep. with Phantom Currency in the mix. Absolutely. Um, I just had a, a notion that, that it could be right for somebody else. 
and with Paco aboard Phantom Currency, makes it even worse, right? Like you look right. at the rider there. Like I can't imagine <laughs> Paco lets this that lets him get away going really, really slow up front. Yeah, I don't think that's the plan. I, I think that you know every time the horse has won, he's been on the lead. Yeah, I I I would hope they send just like they they would at least on paper. Um, you know, horses like Aquaphobia and Admissions Office. I I, I just have no confidence in them winning. I felt like I played admission. I was gonna say, admission office is four for sixteen, and I'm not kidding. I have probably bet him in the twelve <laughs> losses of his, like because he's the type of horse who he when he loses, then he'll have a little trouble with his running style. So you want to build a case for him next time, and he gets me every time, man. I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough to take. Same thing with Temple. I mean, another one that likes to, to finish second a lot. Yeah. And I think that might happen again. So basically eliminating that horse in, in the, the real long shot Basha, I came down to Moon Over Miami and Sir Sahib. That's so um, funny. We're on the same exact two. That's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was kind of like, you know, those are the only two left. Yeah, I did the same <laughs> thing. Yeah, I started eliminating. And I think we can just put a line right through for Sir Sahib last time out, right? Yes. Just absolutely. a slow start. Trouble first start in a few months, first start for the newborn, and then he got caught behind a pace that was really, really slow. And and what's nice is that okay, so we don't know how to gauge what like out of that race, but I know he got fitness out of that. That was better than just a couple works in the morning actually getting that race under his belt. So I think he's got if he's like 10 to 1 ish, that's that's the play for me in here. That's a, a lot of upside with him if he can just get back to close to some of those woodbine races he can really compete in here yeah i mean his, his numbers are just as good as anybody in here if not better to be honest yeah. um you know it, it's the only the only caveat is he's a kind of a closer like almost mm-hmm. a dead closer type which doesn't bode well um but if he gets enough pace to run it and gets a clear run doesn't get stopped He's going to be tough. And and, he, and it's and built he, into his price, too. Right. right. Like, he, he's not five to two. We're going to be taking a 10 to one shot knowing that, okay, we need a little bit of trip with him. Yeah. Um, you know, and the, obviously the four was really the horse that, that kind of stood out to me. I, I think he caught a couple of bad trips the last two, and he, he probably needed that time off. Um, Mott's very good coming off a layoff of this length. He does it all the time. The horse has been working steadily up to this point. I think he's going to be ready. And this this might be the time to get him. Uh, hopefully he's he's close to near his morning line. Um, but I, I think people are going to jump on tide of the sea again. But, you know, hopefully, you know, we get four or five to one on on uh, one over Miami. Yeah. We're going to the to the window. I agree. I, I have always been a fan of his. And he was just a horse that you could tell that that Mott was always very high on. Just like the the way that they handled him. And and they, they never even he would run a bad race, but they would still put him in a, in a, a big spot afterwards. And sometimes it's just, it, it's not always linear, right? Every, every horse, every athlete, every, everyone doesn't follow the same pattern to greatness or to succeed. Some of them take a little while to really get things figured out. And we figured out that, okay, this guy had some ability on the dirt, but you know what? He's a little bit better when you can just kind of relax and he has to go a little farther on the, on the, uh, on the turf. 
he's good. These connections are on absolute fire. Alvarado and Mott are just winning everything. I have no issue with the fact that he's coming off the bench a little bit and he's going to be facing some older here. Because I just think, like, I'm not scared of anybody in this race. No, not at all. You can't be. Can't and and so I'm looking for a horse like this, a new kind of a new face on the up and up, and that's sort of the same reasoning that we're looking with Sir Sahib because we're kind of treating him like a new face and just excusing his last race and right. just hoping maybe he can go back to some of those races before at a price. So yeah, I love the way we talk this race out because uh, win or lose, I feel confident about the two horses and the prices that we'll probably get. And I, it's the same sort of scenario. Big day at Gulfstream, a bunch of races. It. it if we don't like a short price, don't feel forced to use them, right? Like, there's going to be shorter prices all over the place all day long that you can find. You don't have to get nervous or scared about using a horse just because they might be 2-1 to one or 5-2 to two if you really don't like their chances. Exactly. You know, you don't, you know, my philosophy, especially when playing, you know, multi-race wagers, is to, if, if you don't like the, the favorite or the second choice, don't even put them on the ticket. Yeah. Try not to. I mean, you know, if it chalks out, I can live with that. You know, that, that's something that, that I can, I can give up that payout every time. I would, it's I the when you toss the 20 to one to throw in the two to one when you're already spreading out and going deep. So in your head, you already don't really like that race and you're already trying to beat the favorite. You know, we just need to be a little more common sense. Sometimes is better. We all do it, right? We, we play Absolutely. so many races and wagers. <laughs> sometimes you get a little caught up and you're like, oh, you look back afterwards and go, okay, that'd have been a little bit better. Let's just leave that. I, I'm always better playing the 10 to one than the the six to five correct <laughs> always 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 um, um i can i can sleep at night knowing that i did that <laughs> me too 100 percent. let's uh let's move to race number eight we'll jump to a little later in the card but we do got another graded stakes race and it's another one on the grass we've got the canadian turf the grade three canadian turf mile and a 16th here um where are you going to start in this one barry well um a horse that i bet pretty big uh at Tampa is eons. Um, the horse just didn't get a, a great trip yeah. um, rallied. And, and, and I think this horse has another good race in him. Um, I just, I just think he was disregarded for whatever reason. I don't, I don't really understand why he went off so long in the Tampa Bay up uh, that grade three. Um, not really sure why. I mean, he looked great to me in the paddock. He looked great to me on paper. The only thing he didn't do was win. Yeah. <laughs> He, he um, had to kind of shift around a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it, so was just... it wasn't a perfect trip by any yeah. means. He, he kind of, you know, he kind of started, stopped, and then, you know, got held up a little bit and then kind of finished. And, uh, you know, I, I thought he was going to get there, but he, he was just a little bit too short um, once he kind of shook loose a little bit. But, it, you know, Get Smoke is not a bad horse either. No. Um, so I, I think Eons is on the up and up. The other horse that, that kind of caught my eye was Olympic Runner. Yeah. Um, I, I think that horse has another good race in him. I, I didn't think he got a, a great start the last time. He um, was impressive to win. I can't believe yeah. he won that race. Yeah. Yeah. He showed me a lot, and in, in, in that, that kind of stood out to me. The rest were kind of floaters. Busy Channel has some speed. Um, you know, speed's always dangerous no matter when, when or what. <laughs> Um, so you kind of have to factor that horse in. Uh, Gaffleon lands on Monarcos Glenn, who, you know, has has some potential, but just doesn't know how to win, I, I think. Um, Dyna Drive just doesn't seem fast enough. Winter's back is kind of the 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 wild card here. Yeah. Um, 
but I'm willing to, to bet against a horse like that who, who needs to be up close from an outside post. It, it, it's, it might be a little bit tougher for him. Yeah, we're, we're in a pretty similar spots in here, too. I think Olympic runner is a must-use in here. He was sort of buried inside at the top of the lane. He goes six wide and still gets up, and that might have been one of those sort of like wake-up, put-it-all-together type wins, and I, I wouldn't be shocked if he rattled off a, a few in a row. You mentioned the very sharp Eons right now who wouldn't. You, you figure with Irad jumping aboard, you'll get just a better ride than you got last time out and a better opportunity to win. Um, Worst price, though. Worst, yeah, yeah, the yeah, price yeah, is definitely come down. Definitely, definitely the problem, uh, the issue there. You'll get a, a, a worse price, but uh, hopefully you'll get um, an opportunity uh, if you if you like him to feel very confident about the trip you'll get. Um, I think I might add a price on a few tickets. Throw in Dyna Drive. He does need to improve, but I'm just not really scared of anybody in this race. And I've seen Maker many of times improve some of these grass horses after a race or two under his belt. And the the, the field that he was behind, like Pixelate, those aren't those aren't bad horses. So he actually closed really well. And if if there's versions of this race where Winter's back um, goes quick early and has to deal with. Uh, with busy from the inside going quick early, and then it will set up for some of those uh, off the pace runners that we're looking to, like uh, Olympic runner gear jockey won't be too far out of it early on too. He's uh, he's going to be up in uh, in forwardly place, so um, maybe Dyna Drive. I don't know if he's good enough to win, but maybe he can be a horse to use in some of your uh, exactest tries and and can pick up a piece at twelve or fifteen to one or so. Um, but yeah, again, I don't think uh, these first few races that we talked about don't seem necessarily like we have. Uh, any overwhelming favorites or chalk that you have to use, which is always a great sign for a big day um, when they're, you know, in the multi-race wagers, pick threes, pick fours, pick fives, whatever you're playing. Um, it's nice when you can go two, three, four races in a row and feel like, you know what? We may not get a chalk for that sequence. Yeah, that's what you look for. That's, that's what we live for as horse it's, players. <laughs> let's get to race number nine, and then we're going to hit the Fountain of Youth. We're talking with Barry Spears, Urban Handicapper, does a great job. We're going to talk a little bit about a podcast that he does at the end uh, here also and, and where you can follow Barry on social media. We're going to talk about race nine now. It is the Gulfstream Park Mile, and we have the first, second, third, and fifth place finishers who return from the – Hooper on January the 23rd The performer ended up winning That day that was going a mile And performer back in here again Is is the morning line Favorite and you know The one they'll have to beat where do you stand on Performer um, Performer's tough I mean I, I It's just a horse that I Can't play especially mm-hmm. Based on, on his last race um, I don't know if you, if you looked At that uh, Hooper but Um you know, I the Jedi gave that horse all he can handle, and he was better. He's just playing flat out better. It, I the Jedi yeah. is a horse that I don't want any part of in this race. I think he gave he gave everything he could uh, the last race, and and I and I think he he's due for a little regression, so it's like a, yeah, a little bounce. Um, and and I thought performer was was very good, but I, I'm not sure. You know. That horse could get much better. I mean, he he gets destroyed at the windows every time he runs, um, probably rightfully so most of the time. Um, just didn't show up at all in in the uh, in the cigar mile, and you know he's not so impressive winning that I'd be like, wow, he, he's just such a standout. Um, I, know, I right? thought a horse. Yeah. 
I thought a horse in that last race in the Hooper that that didn't get a great start got shuffled back and made a nice little run with a better trip could make this a race. And and it's avant-garde. I, I, I just thought that that horse got shuffled back early, you know, especially if you see the, the replay. Brutal. Um, it was they brutal. They showed the head on. Right. And, and he kind of got out, lugged out a little bit, and he, he just never got settled until kind of mid-stretch. And, and he got Javi jumping aboard. On. Yep, exactly. And, and I, I like the jockey switch. And it, it just seems like a, a race where people are just going to, again, just slam performer. And he just doesn't look like, you know, at least on paper, he's going to be that great. Tax actually handled business with a lot of these horses back uh, in December fairly easily, which has to be a, a factor, too. But, yeah, I just I just can't trust tax. Anyway. Me neither. It's see, you're <laughs> and, and you're right. Like, it seems like this is the kind of group that he that he can beat. You know, like this is the type of group where he'll be competitive and then they will end up, they kind of step him up and he faces better and then he'll get a little overmatched sometimes. But he's just not a, he's not like a sexy horse to want to play or trust at a short price. Like I like tax when you can play him in like the five or six to one range. I just don't like him when, when you have to trust him. Yeah. I mean, you know, that win he had in December was his first since July, 2019. Yeah. So it's like, man, like where have you been? First of all, <laughs> you know, it, it seemed like he had some issues and he was off. Then when he did hit the track, he didn't run very well. I mean, he, he lost a performer um, at Aqueduct back in November 19, 2019 as the chalk, which is amazing because, you know, performer gets destroyed in the windows every time. Um, and, and then, you know, all of a sudden he runs a big race in the Harlan's Holiday. And it's like, where did that come from? But it was it was kind of all set up for him to win, and and it duped a lot of people going into the Pegasus. Yeah. And I I think I, I just can't trust him. He's just too inconsistent for me to trust at a at a short price. He's relatively speaking, he's probably going to be about two to one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the horse to me that I think, and it's because he's a big price. He's a little sneaky, and I think I I don't want to not have him on my tickets. Is Wind of Change. I, I honestly think if you can go through some of his races and make excuses for him. So wind of change is just a one dimensional speedball. He's going to need the lead and he's, he's a legitimate speed sprinter. So he has, he's faster than tax or any of the other horses in here that have shown speed before. They're more like route speed that can sort of just kind of get the lead. He's no doubt the quickest. So he, he should get the lead in here. The only reason why he didn't get the lead last time, he completely missed the break. Look at his race two back. He was fourth in the Mr. Prospector going seven furlongs, and it was a field of 12, so it wasn't like he was fourth in a field of five. And look at the three horses who were in front of him. Sleepy Eyes Todd, Forensi Fire, and Mind Control. Any of those three would be pretty live in this race. Sleepy Eyes Todd is eight for 17. He's earned over 1.8 million. Forensi Fire is earned 2 million. He's a 12-time winner. And Mind Control is earned over a million. He's a seven-time winner. They're all multiple graded stakes winners. And that's not a bad race at all. And then he threw in a complete clunker last time out. But he's also got, like, he has multiple races that are good enough to compete with this group. He just really needs that lone trip. He's one going a mile. I, I don't have any issue with him getting the distance because I've seen him do it before. So he will know early on with a horse like that. If he can get a couple length lead and you can and get brave, you, you know, 
maybe you don't you have horses like Tax and Performer who are sort of grinders who um don't really terrify you with the way they win their races. Maybe this is right for a, a, a big price like Wind of Change. I even also thought the horse next to him, Summer Kid, he's gonna need to improve, but he's just kind of lightly raced with some upside. Maybe he can take another step forward in here. So um again though, another race where he's gonna shock me if performer or tax wins. No, but two handicappers here look at this race and don't feel like you don't feel like it's one of those races where it's like, okay, let's just single and move on. Right. Exactly. And you know, if the pace is real, real hot, you know, you got to expect fat man to run too. Yeah. He likes golf stream. He'll run well. He'll save the ground. He'll tip out. He'll do his best. And what's nice is with, with Paco jumping aboard him, maybe he can just help get him into it a little more. Right. Like he, he won't be on the lead, but maybe instead of being dead last, he can be more like <laughs> mid pack, just a little more um, tactical with the with the fat man. So that is the Grade Two Gulfstream Park Mile, which goes as race number nine. And we are now going to skip to race number fourteen, which is the Fountain of Youth. It is really the the first of these big prep races now um, for uh, more Kentucky Derby points. And we have a horse in here, Barry, who. Was very impressive when he won the Holy Bull And we actually have the top five finishers From the Holy Bull all coming back In the Fountain of Youth Oh yeah, I mean uh, Greatest honor, I mean Has to be the head of the class Almost <laughs> in this three-year-old crop mm-hmm. Yeah, he's right up there point, for sure mm-hmm. At least at this point you know, and, and 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 to that point I just don't think He's he's a solid bet here uh, he, he sure as hell Can win um, you know, the good thing I do like about him a lot is he's, he's got a few races under his belt. You know, this is going to be his, uh, his sixth start, which, you know, kind of doubles most of these guys up. Um, Foundation for him. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's gonna, it's gonna help him out, you know, especially as the races get longer. So, you know, I, I, I expect him to be probably in the top three on, uh, on Saturday for sure. But there's a lot of X factors here, you know, a horse like drain the clock. Stretching out, first time going two turns. If if he gets into a rhythm and and uh, kind of slows the pace down, or I mean, just the pace in general for a race this long is going to make it slower for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he could get loose, and 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 they might not be able to catch him. Wild card um, fire at will, right? Exactly in the same sort of boat. Uh, but it, you know, I'm counting on them kind of quickening up each other. And then mm-hmm. you got you factor in Tarantino, who I think doesn't want to go this far. Um, I, I I just don't think he's he's this kind of horse. He's kind of a one turn type, and I can't wait till they cut him back. Um, he's going to add to that pace scenario, um, you know. And obviously, on looks and and visually, based on that last race, Greatest Honor is going to look like, oh man, how can he lose this one? Well, I think that horse Papatu. Is very, very, very interesting to me. Here we go again. We're, yeah, I, I do too. Yeah, quite a bit. But sell, I, I sell us he, on. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I think he ran in spots last time. Um, he actually, on about the halfway mark, he, he actually moved up on the rail and hesitated with the horses in front of him. Then dropped back and went around. He was like within a length finished. too. He was right. right up on their heels. Right and then he there. had to back up and re-rally. Yep. Yeah, and and I think that that, that at least cost him second, um, and I, I think he got a lot out of that race. Another major, you know, uh, upgrade in jockey. 
Sure. Um, so I, I think that horse is going to run big. Whether he wins or not, I don't know. But I think he got a lot out of that last race, and I think he's going to run big. I yeah. want him to win. That's my choice. But, um, you know, I, I think he might be better going forward, too. Yeah, you look at him, too. He's one that you go through his six-race career. He won his first two. Then he ran, in, <clears throat> he ran into Jackie's Warrior last year, who at that point was the best two-year-old. And so no no shame in losing to those in those races. Then he he comes back in the mucho macho man and he runs a bang up race. If he runs a race similar to that, he will be right on the wire with this group. That that's really he doesn't even like, he doesn't even really need to step forward all that much off of what he's already shown us. That's why I really like him. You pointed out Alvarado jumping aboard. This is a horse who's proven at Gulfstream. He's run well. Musa Tebek was a a really nice Todd Pletcher horse who could run on the dirt or the turf, but he just got banged up. So we're not going to see him on the, uh, on the triple trunk trail. We probably won't see him till the middle to the later part of the year. I think he's a little sneaky here, Papa too, and doing the same thing that that you know you and I have seemed to do, and I do in a lot of my handicapping. I start eliminating horses, right? Oh yeah, I, I don't like <laughs> this one, or why don't I like this one? He's a horse that I cannot eliminate in here. No, I, I mean he he definitely looks live. I, I went back and I watched that race, you know, three or four times, and I was like, man, he had he had a pretty good shot there because he was running with uh, Greatest Honor, like it, together they were running in tandem. Until the the turn where you know uh, Greatest Honor went outside and didn't get anything in his way, and Papa Two went inside, had to stop. Kind of, I think the horse kind of hesitated. He did, and that's when he kind of brought him around and out. And um, then it took him a little while to get back going, and he right. almost got back up. He almost got to Prime Factor after losing all those lengths, shuffling back when Prime Factor got the most perfect trip you could have ever drawn up. And this horse had to get shuffled, came back, came on again, and still almost got by him. So I- I'm with you. I-, I think there's a lot of upside with with Papa Two, and a ton of respect with with Greatest Honor. But and I, I don't know. There's there's it's something a little weird about. I, I I'm not quite. Just convinced he's going to win this race So I, I, I'm gonna gonna find some ways To get Papa 2 in the mix here uh, No doubt about it And uh, I think you your overall analysis On the beginning of this race was pretty spot on There are Even with horses like Drain the Clock Fire at Will And I'd even consider Prime Factor Because I think he might they might try to go with him Because sitting didn't really work And maybe they say hey we like this horse Let's try to get aggressive And, and maybe be more forwardly placed than we were they might be going really quick in here, so um, it's it's a fun fountain of youth, and I'm I'm very intrigued if if it's going to set up nicely for Greatest Honor. Is he going to keep stepping forward, sort of like Orb? Everyone's kind of comparing him to Orb from uh from Shug for a few years back, but fun fun weekend, Barry, because we've got this race, we've got the Southwest, which has been pushed back like three times. I think we're finally yeah, going to get the Southwest <laughs> this weekend. And uh, even at Turfway on Friday night, we've got the uh, John Battaglia Memorial. So a lot of derby points up for grabs this weekend. And now like like every weekend, we've got another one or two preps. This is that real fun time of the year. Oh, yeah, man. This is this is what we live for. These next uh, couple of months is, is just going to be great. I mean, all the, the, the prep races here in Florida over the next four or five weeks, it's just going to be fantastic every weekend up up until the Derby. So uh, it, it's getting exciting. The weather's getting warm. Um, you could tell Craig I'm sorry about saying that. Uh, <laughs> he can I make know. me he can make me a snow cone if I, I come out there. 
I feel so bad with all of them. I was like, I don't know what this is because it was 75 degrees last week when they were all in negatives. <laughs> negatives and, uh, it's literally it was like 74 when you and I started recording this. It's still like five o'clock here on the uh, on the on the West Coast. So um, not not like it doesn't even feel like the same world that I'm living in that they're in Barry over there. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. He was out there playing with his dog in the snow. And I'm like, I, I can't that. relate, man. I can't. I, it, it's, it was 80. I mean, I'm I'm okay in shorts. I haven't worn shoes all year, so we're, we're good. <laughs> Barry Spears, um, you have a, a fun podcast. I think that comes out now every Monday. Tell us a little bit about that and where we can follow you on social media. Oh, yeah. It's uh, the Going in Circles podcast, and uh, I'm on every Monday. We call it the Big Monday Show, like the old Big East basketball. But yeah. uh, it's it's a good time. Um, myself and Chuck Simon, uh, you can find us there We're on Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter at, at urban handicapper. That's U R B N handicapper. And, uh, hit me up. And, uh, I was talking with you guys on, on social media last time, uh, after, uh, the all-star break, once we get into the second half of the season, I'll have to get you and, uh, and Chuck on, on uh, the show so we can wrap on some basketball and, uh, and have a little, little round table and, uh, and catch up on everything going on in the NBA. Speaking of which, um, <laughs> Chuck told me to tell you or to remind you that the, the Lakers are currently in a slump. Oh, you yeah. hear that from me. <laughs> I've been I getting, don't mind it. You know, Craig, I, it, Craig it, it happens every year. Craig, Craig gave me that too. I recorded the second uh, half of the card with him a few a little earlier before I talked with you. He gave me the haha Lakers. I've been getting the texts. I've been getting the tweets from people. And I'm telling them, hey, I, enjoy it. Embrace it. I'm screenshotting it all. I'm writing it down. I'm documenting it, and I'm gonna give some receipts out a little later on when they get. Please home do because when you have the goat on your team, you're never out of it. You're all, never ever. out of it, and uh, I think I think it was just a little bit of the. I don't think that the quick turnaround of the season didn't hit them in the first few weeks as much as it has recently. I think yeah. they're and they just look like a tired team. They're gonna get the the nice eight days off uh, on the All Star break, and then I think they come back. They play Friday, and then they have off till Monday. So they got like a one game in like a twelve day span where they'll be able to get some rest. AD will be able to get healthy. They've missed Schroeder the last couple games because he was out with protocol stuff. So um, it was like. I will say they look bad, and and, the, and as much as the <laughs> Lakers have beat teams up through the year, when the Lakers are down or they're reeling a little bit, everyone loves to come and punch them in the mouth, you know. So uh, I know the Utah Jazz were loving just kicking the crap out of them the other night. Oh man, yeah, uh, it got it got people saying they're the best team in the league, but we know better, right? It, it, we know. I think when the the game slows down and those playoffs come come around the corner, um, I'm still gonna put my uh, I'm still gonna put my money in the corner of LeBron, and uh, they're still the team to beat until somebody does that um look look forward to that's that's a little tease for all of you for uh an upcoming basketball podcast in a few weeks uh hopefully with barry and with chuck when we can uh we can hammer some time uh, down to do so barry my man thank you so much love chatting with you and um let's uh let's tentatively uh maybe a pencil in Gulfstream stream in a few weeks when they got that florida derby card in it and maybe we'll do something similar again absolutely i'm down for it man let's make this money this weekend and no doubt about it, Barry Spears, you know where you can follow him on social media. Make sure to give a, a subscribe to that podcast that they have each and every week where they talk some sports, talk racing, a little bit of everything, wrapping on uh, all the issues going on in the world, positive, negative, you name it, they'll talk about it there. And we're very lucky to have Barry joining us again. Have a great weekend, buddy. Uh, I'll, be, uh, I'll be going back and forth with you. All right. See you around. Thanks Don't for having me. Sure.
No problem, man. Barry is the man. We love having him each and every time on That's What G Said. Don't go anywhere, folks. We will be right back here on That's What G Said. Big thanks to Barry for helping us out with uh, the first part of Gulfstream Park Stakes Races on Saturday. We're going to go to Craig Milkowski from Timeform US. He's going to talk about races 11, 12, 13, and 14 as we get to the second part of that Gulfstream Park awesome Saturday car. Don't go anywhere, folks. A lot more racing action coming up. We continue along with that awesome Gulfstream Park card on Saturday. So get those past performances out. We are up to race number 11. And joining us to talk about race 11, 12, 13, and the Fountain of Youth race number 14, one of our good friends, Timeform US, Craig Milkowski. Craig, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm in Southern California, so looking at the weather that you and some of the people around you had uh, over the last week, week and a half, I have no complaints in that department. So um, it didn't seem like you were I, I maybe quite as bad as some of the folks in Texas. What was the weather like for you over the last couple of weeks? Oh, no, it, it was bad here. I think we were just, as in football and basketball, we were just better prepared to handle things here in Oklahoma. <laughs> Uh, there we go. Nice. <laughs> I, I want to say we hit a low of negative 11, had a bunch of snow, but earlier this week we hit 75, so a uh, pretty 86 degree swing in temperature. Uh, pretty crazy, but we're used to that in Oklahoma. They always say, uh, like they say a lot of places, but if you don't like the weather, just wait a minute because it's going to change. So, uh Unbelievable. That's like, this is the same world that the 70 degree weather after that. Yeah. My uh, girlfriend's dad is over in Dallas and he's like a uh, older guy who's been in uh, the Navy and is just, he was without power for like five days and you wouldn't even have known. He just didn't even no. complain about anything. He was just, ah, no problem. Like I've been there, you know, we're all worried about him and freaking out with the dogs. He's like, ah, we're fine. No problem. You know, he's just totally <laughs> going along. I, I'm out here freak, like freezing, just thinking about Thank all of you guys. You guys. <laughs> glad to hear you guys were able to manage and, you know, with some of the races that, uh, the racetracks had to cancel sporting events had to cancel and stuff. What ends up happening is, uh, this week we've got a, a really big weekend. I mean, a ton of racetracks, uh, even starts on Friday with a couple of good races at, at Turfway. And then we've got, uh, even the place that I, I look at a lot of Texas bread stakes on Saturday at Sam Houston. We've got the eight graded stakes at Gulfstream. Oaklawn had to make up some of theirs. So they've got the Southwest running this week. And then we're going to see Monomoy girl, uh, I think on Sunday making her return, uh, for the first start this year it's it's a pretty packed weekend yeah it is i almost wish we were snowed in this weekend with nothing to do but then again we probably wouldn't have all this racing so uh, i will still be glued to my tv switching around uh, on the rtn feed and trying to watch the fox show if there is one i didn't check to see if there is one but just trying to juggle things along with all the other sports i watch as you know but definitely racing is going to be front and center for me yeah, let's uh, let's head to Gulfstream Park. We're gonna jump to race number eleven, and uh, we'll talk about the Honey Fox, and then we'll uh, end up with the Fountain of Youth. So, in race number eleven, they're gonna go a mile on the turf course here, and we've got uh, you know, a horse who's gonna always be a popular horse and gonna take some attention anytime she shows up, Craig, and that's Got Stormy who was the runner-up in the Breeders' Cup Mile in 2019. And then last year, they kind of, uh, after she was not quite as good, they sort of, you know, rejuvenated her when they turned her back and and she was more of a turf sprinter. Uh, she's going to try the mile in here. But this, to me, is always the type of spot where I, I generally try to beat horses like this. 
Yeah, this is definitely a horse that that I want to beat. I remember her debut last year when she showed up at Tampa. I think she went off at one to five or something yep. like that and didn't even hit the board. And I'm just not sure what to do with her. These races we're going to talk about are a pick four sequence, but I'm going to be up front right away. I want no parts of playing a pick four on this because mostly because some of the other races, I would like to take a shot against Scott Stormy, but I, I just don't see value. So I'm going to play it as a vertical guy and play this race, hoping that, that the good Scott Stormy we've known doesn't show up and that she really is more of a turf sprinter than a miler. Uh, I think it's a pretty interesting race. I, I think there are some others that can win. Uh, for some reason, Jakarta's entered in here. Uh, she's a filly who seems to often gets entered in these, these turf mile races, but she never actually seems to show up and run in them. She always seems to go and sprint. So I will be checking the uh, scratches first thing in the morning because she definitely would be a pace yeah. factor and kind of change the, the race, in my opinion, and without her, it sure looks like God Stormy will be lone, lone speed, which might make her a little tougher than, than what I, I mean, granted, she's going to be tough anyway. I'm not going to yeah. be shocked, but she's going to be three to five, four to five. So I want to try to beat her, but it will depend uh, somewhat on if Jakarta runs, how enthusiastic I am about that. Yeah, I completely agree because, uh, you know, like you look at Jakarta and they, they've got nobody really to go with her. And if Carmouche is aboard, uh, they have a nice send rider. What's nice is she's actually won at a mile on the main track in her only try beyond seven. So we actually know that she can get a mile under the right type of circumstances that she would get. You know, she might be able to get if she was in this type of a field. Who knows? You know, it might be a little different with a horse like Got Stormy breathing down your neck a, a couple lengths off of you and, and maybe not making it all that easy. But she she would have a few lengths on the field. And, and, and then a horse to mention who she's just really talented. But, you know, from what we're talking about, I just don't see the race shaping up all that well for Zofel, who will unlaunch a really nice late rally, but she does need a little bit of pace and she is sort of at the mercy of race shape. And I don't know if we're going to get it in here. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. And maybe Jakarta could help with that. But <laughs> if I'm going to look elsewhere, the horse I would prefer over Zofel is the one right to her outside and that's feel glorious. Yeah. And that's mostly because she's been able to close into some slow paces before. Uh, we code our fractions, as you know, in Timeform US and blue and red when they get crazy fast or, or really slow. And, and like her last win at Aqueduct, she was able to overcome a slow pace. She closed well in the one at Belmont. And she might actually be one of those closers who's better off when the pace isn't really fast. They're able to stay in touch instead of dropping way out of it because she's actually had a lot more success in in those kind of races than when the pace gets really quick. It's a great point. Yeah. So if there was like no Jakarta in particular, and they were maybe loping along a little bit more, she's one of those that like, once she's still in contention, she's, she's going to give you that kind of a kick, you know, but she, she's a little worse. Like you say, if she gets outrun, that's where she might be in a little bit of trouble uh, sometimes, but yeah, the couple couple alternatives if you're looking to play against Scott Stormy there, and um, and yeah, the real key to this race is make sure you look early on on Saturday if Jakarta is in the race because whether or not you think Jakarta is good enough to win, she absolutely changes the entire complexion of the race from a pace standpoint. Yeah, for sure, and and I do think there's some others to to take a look at the the Bill Mott horse who's uh, shipped over last year from England. Uh, she didn't run particularly well her first time out, but she took some money. 
she's laid off right after, which tells me something's gone wrong, but she's been working up a storm. Some upside for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think she might offer some value. So definitely a race. I'm going to be playing verticals and exact as, and hope to beat the, the favorites. We move to race number 12. It's the grade two Devona Dale, and we will see the two-year-old champion from last year, Vequist, the two-year-old Philly champion from last year, Vequist, who's going to make her return. And she was the Breeders' Cup juvenile winner, and she's done a little wrong. She's been very good in all of her starts. Uh, from a figures standpoint, she looks like she is a lot better than most of what we've seen in here, but it's going to be her first start since the Breeders' Cup race, and like a lot of these fillies and, you know, uh, three-year-old Colts and Geldings that we'll see that are going to be making their first starts of the year, you know, a filly like this or someone like Essential Quality who we'll see in the Southwest, this isn't the end-all, be-all goal for them. You know, they are probably not 100% in these spots. Does that mean they still aren't good enough to win? No, but... They, they don't need to be running in their AA game, and they're not really cranked up all that much for a lot of these spots. Yeah, this is a tough one for me, and part of why I wouldn't want to play the pick four, because I have a hard time coming up with a logical alternative that's, that's to Bequist. Yeah, I mean, as a speed figure guy, there's just nobody really close other than, I guess, Crazy Beautiful gets within a few lengths uh, on some of her good races. But she was no match for her in the Breeders' Cup. She was no match for uh, Simply Ravishing in the Alcibiades at uh, Kingland, Alcibiades at Kingland. So it's just, it's one of those races is a better. I'm probably just going to watch and and see how it turns out and and use it for future bets because I just don't see a whole, there's certainly no value betting on her, but, but it's hard for me to come up with anybody to go against her because the, the two logical alternatives, I guess you could go with Meal Foy, but I haven't been impressed with her. I think her, her speed figures are, she, say that she's not the horse that really deserves the reputation she has, which is, Pretty big one. I mean, I think she's the second choice on the morning line. And then you come the crazy beautiful. And outside of that, I, I think you're really taking a leap of faith that a horse is going to improve quite a bit. They'd be able to compete with the, those three. I feel very similar. That, that's what's tough. You know, th- this is the spot that so we're saying where I'd love to try to beat horses like Vetquist, but sh- she could come back and run one of her more poor efforts, and that still would be good enough to beat this group and, and be very competitive. And so, you know, I, the two that I would look to would be Curlin's Catch and Milfu. And Mil- but I just don't, I don't love either one of them that much. The problem that I have with Milfu isn't really as much of a problem, but like if she had a race under her belt recently, then maybe I would give her more of a shot, but she's also coming off. She hasn't raced in a couple months now too. So I don't know if she's going to necessarily be at her sharpest. I do like Curlin's catch as an up and coming Philly, but I don't know if she's good enough to necessarily beat Vequist. If I was taking a shot with someone that would be who I'm taking a shot with just because I feel like she's now, she took a nice step forward from her first start to her second start on the dirt. She's actually won here at Gulfstream Park. She proved that she has a little bit of speed, but she can sit off the pace a little bit. If she takes another progressive step forward on the dirt like she did in her last start, then she could be competitive. And I think she's maybe, you know, better than the rest of the field if if I was just completely playing against Vequist. So that that would probably be where <clears throat> where I would end up. But, you know... I just like I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think I'm going to be caught up into pick fours or pick fives because I don't know if it. I don't want to put a hundred bucks and try to again in, in playing against Vequist, really. <laughs> you know, like I don't. I just don't <laughs> think it's worth doing. You know. 
Yeah, I'm in the same boat. As I said, if I was forced to play the race, I, I would just come up with a long shot and and just kind of go with that one and, and not try to hit verticals or anything like that and just hope to be right on the one because I think it's going to be tough to, to to just come up with an exactor or a trifecta that doesn't inclu- include Vequist. So for me, just like I said, I'm going to watch this one as a fan. The two-year-old Phillies are, are now three-year-olds that we've seen so far this year haven't been very impressive. As a matter no. of fact, I don't think I've seen any that have even matched the the speed figures of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Phillies. So I've been waiting for these horses to come back. Also, the uh, the runner-up day out of the office, uh, girl daddy. But we just haven't seen any of them yet. So I'm expecting some pretty good performances because I haven't been impressed with what we've seen. Yeah, the forward gal was very like lowly rated overall on on most uh, you know most whatever speed figure you're using it just did not come up like a very strong race and we see a couple of the the uh, also rans from that race the the runners up from there and and I just don't really like their chances in here at all I'm, I I I mean if I had to you mentioned the crazy beautiful Vequist Curlin's catch Milfu like I I if it was if Vequist were to lose, I would I would probably be surprised. I guess if it was if it wasn't one of the other two, the 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 others just seem really really like they are going to have to get a lot faster to compete. Yeah, no doubt. And also, I mean, we're dealing with a one turn mile here, so that kind of throws a, a monkey wrench in. And and the one thing that really makes me not be that against Vequist is. She did come out running first start. So while mm-hmm. she's been laid off, she she is a horse who's proven she can run off the bench. I, I always use the first start as kind of a, Absolutely. a gauge when horses don't have a lot of run at layoff lines. She's still in the same barn. So uh, even though Robert Reed, I think it is, he's not great off of the layoff. I look tend to look at how he does with individual horses, and I do that for all the trainers. And this one came out firing, so I, I think she's probably going to run a big win and We'll see. Uh, interesting race, but won't get many of my dollars. Let's move to the 13th. We've got the grade three, the very one. And you'd imagine that uh, Chad Brown with a couple in here will take some money. Uh, one of them is coming out of group stakes races over uh, in France. You have the seven who's uh, another Chad Brown who will, uh, you know, you, you know, the sharp Chad Browns who show up in stake races are always going to take a little bit of action. But I don't know if there's going to be. A really short price in here This isn't necessarily a grade one Type race but if you're looking for a betting Race you'll probably be able to get a Nice juicy four or five to one on a, on a, a Bunch of different uh, animals in here Yeah it's one of those I think Anytime you handicap a graded turf Stakes with a couple Chad Brown horses You should probably start there but For me I mean they're pretty underwhelming If you ask me uh, the shipper California Queen, I mean, she's okay, I guess, but she's been running at crazy marathon distances, cutting back to a mile and a 316th. I mean, maybe if it was, uh, you know, a track like Aqueduct or Keeneland where there's some give in the ground, I'd give her a little more chance. But, you know, at Gulfstream, a mile and a 316th, it's it's just different because the turf is so firm, assuming it's going to be firm on Saturday. Um you know, she's one I, I'm not all that excited to bet. Normally, with these Euro shippers, I, I would de- almost demand that they have Lasix, but that's out the window because nobody has Lasix anymore. So maybe that uh, evens the playing field out a little bit, but I'm just not all that impressed with her. His other horse, uh, Bacchanalia, she came back with what looks like a decent allowance win, but on speed figures, it was nothing special. And it almost like 
just looks like he's taking a shot because I mean he's taking his time. She's yet to ever run in a stakes race in in seven starts, and frankly, she doesn't fit all that well. So, as a vertical player, the horse I'm looking to key on is Antoinette. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I think Bill Mott's been pretty hot at Gulfstream. Yeah. He's been winning yeah. a lot of these races. She ran very well as a three-year-old. I think she definitely preferred turf to dirt once they finally got on that surface. And if you can excuse that Valley View at Keeneland where she just did no running and it was followed by a layoff, which usually means something went wrong. I mean, there's no reason that she shouldn't be a strong contender in here. And I like her inside draw. The distance shouldn't pose any problems. And I think she's going to offer a square price as well. Uh, I think she's must use in uh, a lot of exotics. Uh, one that I'm going to give a look to is Belle Laura, who I just think is, is a very nice fit in here. Anything around that, like four or five to one, really makes sense. She's a type of uh, of mare, you know, just the type of horse in general that I like to use when you can go through her running lines. And where you see races where she didn't really run that well, you can make legitimate excuses for them. You know, you can look a couple starts back and she was behind Bo Recall and Newspaper of Record that day. Just a little bit overmatched in a spot like that. Put a line through that effort. Uh, and then you're left with a string of really nice races for this barn. Prior to that, when in the Cassie barn, she has a couple clunkers. But again, you can look at them and say, okay, one of them was a race where she was sent to the bench for a few months. Another one, she completely missed the break. Another one was a race where she, you know, she raced and then she was off for a few months. So you dig a little bit. I think Bell Laura makes a lot of sense. She seems to fit on on figures. She seems to fit on the type of trip that she gets. She's got that nice running style where she'll always have a shot, uh, kind of like whatever type of pace. She doesn't need the lead. She's not going to come from way out of it, but she can sit anywhere from, you know, right behind to uh, to mid-pack-ish and give a really nice account of herself. So I'm going to use Bell Laura in a lot of exotics here in the very one. But I think we both sort of agree that the, the Chad Browns, and based on name, they're probably going to always be a little bit undervalued. I don't think they you feel like you need to, these horses in, in the exotics here, at least on the top. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And that's why as a vertical guy, I love races like this because, Mm -hmm. you know what, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And I turn the page and I'm only out one race. I didn't blow a whole pick four, pick five with that kind of opinion. So I'm good with it. It's funny, the horse you picked is actually shown on a nice, easy lead being uh, with the horse I picked just behind because there's just not a whole lot of speed in here. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention about both of our horses is yours is, uh, I guess, it's getting kind of late in the year, but still a fairly newly turned five-year-old. And that's really when, when horses reach their peak, in my mm-hmm. opinion. We don't often get to see it with top-class horses on the dirt, but on turf, they often stick around. So there's no reason she couldn't even improve over what we've seen before because that she should be her physically best. And Antoinette's a horse we haven't seen since October. Uh, she was on our figures, was running 112s back in September at uh, Belmont. So if she comes back and runs her best race, I mean, she could easily be running a 118. You don't want to expect she's just going to run the same figure she did as a three-year-old. So, so that's one of the ways you can get value in these races like this. And I always lo- am looking for horses who I think can improve. And both of them are one, particularly mine, but yours already has the figures yeah. as well. So, you know, just something to keep in mind with these races is, Age is important, especially on the turf. Uh, These horses still develop into their five-year-old season. So you want to look for horses who maybe have some hidden, uh, hidden form that they can improve to.
Yeah, just look at, and you're talking about how there's no speed. If you just look at the halves that the race, the horse, the both the horse, Antoinette and Belle, Laura, the half mile splits from the races that they're exiting and how much quicker that was than this race will probably shape up. You know, they will be able to just sit a much kind of nice, soft trip probably one, two, and, uh, and and lope along if they want to do so, uh, and, and maybe just kind of uh, play come and catch me up front. So hopefully they can do that in the 13th at Gulfstream Park as we move to the Fountain of Youth in race number 14. So we've got the top five returning from the Holy Bowl here. Um, and, of course, with uh, with greatest honor for Suge McGahee, you're going to get uh, sort of – it's sort of following along the same pattern and profile as Orb. You're going to get a lot of the Orb comparisons who uh, succeeded down here through a lot of the uh, Florida preps when he went on to win the Kentucky Derby. So, you know, we got to start, I guess, with greatest honor. He is progressing nicely. He won his last two. He, again, is going to be dealing with a lot of horses that he just beat. But just from a pure speed figure standpoint does he tower over the rest of this group on on some of your figures uh he pretty much does in my opinion unless you think that fire at will can convert that breeders cup juvenile turf over to dirt then he does tower over him and it's another reason i wasn't really interested in the pick four he got a 113 from me uh the the horse who was in here tarantino actually got a 111 because the pace was pretty quick but there's no real reason to think that it's going to be slow this time and he's going to be able to slow it down. So all the others in here, it's really hard to see him turn in the tables. Uh, I know in that last race, the Holy Bull, uh, I tried to get Papa two to win, but he just really didn't do much running. He ran okay, but he didn't improve. I was hoping like he will. Now he draws the far outside at a distance where it's not the greatest to be outside I guess that's the one knock you could have on greatest honor is he draws outside but at least he is a closer where he can kind of sit off of it and that's exactly what he did last time swung wide so this is another one I would be very surprised if either fire at will or greatest honor didn't win and I would say heavily in greatest honors favor uh he's nine to five on the morning line that's never gonna happen I'd be surprised if he was even six to five yeah but I think that would probably be fair odds on him as six to five. I agree. There's just, there's one horse that I'm interested in and it's actually the horse that you mentioned Papa two. And I'm hoping that with Alvarado jumping aboard today, he can maybe just get a little bit of a, a, a better ride. I thought he was sort of in like a tight spot and he was up to within a, a length. He kind of got backed up and re rallied. He, uh, he almost got the prime factor. Um, and the January 2nd race, was the race that I thought was actually really, really good. If he runs something like similar back to that race where he was behind uh, Musa Tebek, who was actually another uh, Todd Pletcher um, trainee who is now got an injury and he won't be uh, racing for a little while, but he was it was very good on both surfaces. If Papa Two can run back to something similar to that, I think he can at least hit the board and spice things up. And if Greatest Honor doesn't progress, I mean, I just like I don't love anybody else in this field. I was so disappointed with Prime Factor; he was sitting. The, the perfect kind of a trip that you would want And it th- doesn't even matter that If he would have won or lost that race He just had zero Response when Greatest Honor loomed up And then he was put away By Tarantino So, you know, I, I don't I, He would have to really, really turn things around um, I just was not really impressed With what I saw from him I, I mean, drain the clock, the, the two inside horses uh, Drain the clock, I guess Is sort of a wild card Because the only time that 
he's lost was when he lost a rider. He's four for four, and we'd imagine that with the inside draw, he's probably just going to go. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I guess some people might be interested in him. Uh, you know, I do the podcast with David Aragona, and both of us kind of had the impression that he's a sprinter, if you ask me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to blame anybody that wants to take a shot with him, drawing the inside at a, a distance where that definitely is an advantage because of the short run into the turn. I kind of hang some horses out. So maybe he could open up a few lengths, but I just don't think he's going to offer a lot of value because the field's pretty weak, to be honest. So It is. Um, yeah, I mean, it, you know, if there was some other contenders that maybe didn't have speed and he looked like he was going to be loose, um, Maybe I could bite on him, but with prime factor right to his outside, I got to think he's going to go because rating didn't work. Uh, Even a horse like Papa too, who you mentioned, I would expect a much more aggressive ride. I'm not sure as you, I don't know why he was so far back last time. Uh, As a guy who bet him, I I wasn't very happy with the ride, Mm -hmm. but so I can, I can understand you taking another chance with him. But again, of the four races we talked about, Two of them probably aren't going to get much money from me, and this is one of them. Yeah, and that's what we have to do as horse players, right? Like we said, there's so many chances on a big Saturday like this. There's a bunch of other races earlier in the card, uh, other great stakes races, other really nice races, uh, you know, a bunch of different tracks, Oaklawn. I'll be playing the low-tech takeout stuff at Sam Houston. Don't force it just because it's uh, the fountain of youth or a race where you feel like you have to make a few wagers. If you think it's going to be chalky or you don't really know how to make – uh, take advantage of that chalk and, and and really try to figure out how to make a few bucks. Don't feel forced. I'm yeah, I'm sort of in a similar situation where I'm I'm trying to figure out what what approach I'm going to have because I don't think I want to play like a late pick four or pick five because there are a couple races in the sequence I don't like. Um, and the horse, yeah, the horse that's the most intriguing to me that if, if, if I do figure out how to play uh, this race, I would hook up Papu with Greatest Honor. I really I really don't have any knocks like you said for Tarantino. He ran well, but I don't. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be able to continue to improve and turn the tables on greatest honor off of that. But he, like, I really don't have knocks on him. He just doesn't feel like a like a one of the top contenders right now of the three year olds. Yeah, one of the things I'd say I'm probably going back to be one of them get off my lawn guys because I'm kind of old. But one of the things I, I don't even know where it came from. Uh, one of the old uh, racetrack truisms, supposedly. But one I found to, to hold some water is. When a horse who's been running on turf tries dirt, usually if they don't succeed that first time, it's probably was the time to have them. And if it doesn't work once, it's probably not going to work again. And if he were my horse, I'd probably go back to turf. I mean, he ran okay on dirt. He got a better figure. And maybe he'll be okay. But it was hard for me to look at it and see, yeah, this is a horse that's going to be on the derby trail. Uh, You know, it's just... I didn't get that impression from him. He ran okay. I'm not saying yeah, he wasn't no, fine on the dirt, but he he just doesn't scream three-year-old who I'm going to think we're going to see in the bluegrass or Florida Derby and eventually the Kentucky Derby because I just don't see it. Craig Milkowski, Time Form US. You mentioned the podcast uh, a little earlier. What is going to be on the podcast uh, menu for us this weekend with you and David Aragona? I don't think we nailed it down uh, totally yet, but I, I think we're going to cover some of these Gulfstream races, maybe some of the earlier ones as well. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, we may talk about some Oakland as well, but we'll certainly let people know when we tweet out the uh, the link to the podcast. That's uh, for people who don't know on Twitter, I'm Timeform US Figs, just like the, the dried fruit, I guess 
it is, but uh, <laughs> after time form US, but it's about the numbers, not fruits, uh, even though I, I've been told I'm a little fruity, but uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's where it is. Uh, you can listen to me and David, who does a great job. And I think why people find it interesting, me and David tend to look at races from two completely different perspectives. Sometimes we agree anyway, sometimes we don't, but usually a pretty good discussion and not just your uh, typical garden variety handicapping. We, we tend to dig, dig pretty deep. Yeah, the weekly, weekly viewing, whether you, uh, if you check out the pace cast, the forecast when they'll preview the races, and then sometimes when they'll go back early in the week and recap some of the, the big races, it's uh, it's excellent. I always use, uh, and would use uh, you guys throughout the years to help me with some of my uh, fantasy horse racing leagues that I'm in when I, I need to pick for year-long horses and hear some of the your thoughts after and some of the figures that they uh, that they earn. So thank you for helping me out uh, many times throughout the years, and I look forward to every time you guys are on, you're very, uh, very good i'm gonna to try to actually send david a message and see if he can help me out and talk some gotham with me next week because he does such a great job with the uh the new york circuit over there so craig thank you so much happy to hear that the the weather is better over there for you tell the whole family i said hello and uh look forward to uh to going back and forth with you over the weekend all right sounds good always fun talking racing and any sports with you uh go thunder and down with the lakers glad they're on a losing streak <laughs> i know i was gonna say it's it's everyone's loving it right now i'm getting messages from all over the place so I, people relish it enjoy it right now as they've lost four in a row <laughs> just got blown out craig milkowski always great talking to you buddy uh you have a nice one we'll talk again real soon sounds good thanks don't go anywhere folks we'll be back with uh with plenty more on that's what she said Hopefully between me, Barry, Craig, we led you to a few winners at Gulfstream Park coming up on Saturday on a really, really awesome card. You're always going to feel like a winner when you head to oldsmokeclothing.com. This is the culmination of the passion of horse racing fans. They've developed quality clothing and merchandise that those who love the atmosphere and lifestyle of racing will really, really enjoy. We're talking high-quality products rooted in the iconic symbols of racing and the racetrack experience. T-shirts with horse names, polos, hoodies, long sleeves, zip-ups, hats with the names of big races, slogans. This is the best way to show the horse racing fan in you. And when you use the promo code GINO, free shipping, no shipping cost when you use the promo code G-I-N-O. Maybe you're a fan of Tis the Law, Bob Baffert, you name it. They've got it there. They are so invested in the sport of horse racing, invested in the history of horse racing, that they named the company after Old Smoke John Morrissey, one of the most interesting characters you will ever read about. Look him up. He is the founding father of Saratoga Racecourse. Promo code G-I-N-O gets you free shipping on your orders from OldSmokeClothing.com. We don't just get to walk into uh, the mall and there's a, a horse racing t-shirt shop there, right? It's it's more of a niche sport for some of us who love horse racing. This is the place for you. OldSmokeClothing.com, promo code G-I-N-O. Let's get over to Oaklawn Park. They've got a couple stakes races scheduled for Saturday. They had to reschedule the Southwest after all the crazy weather uh, at Oaklawn the last couple weeks. I have a few plays and I want to dis- uh, discuss the stakes races there. So let's get to race number six on Saturday. We're looking at February the 27th. We have an allowance race mile there. I thought the five totally Jimbo. He was favored. In a first level allowance on January the 29th. And 
he had a good start. He was traveling, you know, third. He got caught in between horses, and it just did not seem like he liked being in that spot in between horses. He ends up backing out of it. I think the slight cutback to a mile won't hurt. And if he can fire back something close to that two-back race, even the earlier race at Keeneland when he broke his maiden, something similar to that would be very competitive against this group, and he's going to be a nice price. The number five, totally Jimbo will use, and we'll make a win wager if we can get anything around you know, eight to one or so. I don't see that much speed in the Razorback, Grade 3 Razorback, which is going to go as the 7th race at Oaklawn Park. Carl Broberg's got a big shot with Hunka Burning Love to try to steal that race. We know we can get the mile, and I don't know who goes with him. I think Mailman Money might be able to sit nicely right behind Hunka Burning Love. I think Silver Prospector is going to run better than he ran last time out. And the 7, Mystic Guide, is the one to beat, but Mystic Guide is going to be making his first start since October. He might be better a little down the road. 2-3-1-7. Let's get Hunk of Burning Love gate to wire in the Razorback. In the eighth race, it's the Spring Fever, and I like the number four, Casual. I I always end up on um, this filly. I usually play her, and she is in a spot where she looks to get another great trip. The one is fast, Sunnydale is fast, Amy's Challenge is fast, Headland is fast. Ain't no Elmer's isn't going to be too far out of it. I think Casual just gets a great trip from off the pace. She loves it here at Oaklawn. She ran into a really sharp jeweled princess in back-to-back races. I think you can excuse that one. And her other poor performances came behind horses that really kind of freaked that day. The Monday call race has come back better. Sconson came out of that one to win. Gameen, obviously. We know what she can do when she's her best. Casual. Anything around 3-1. to one. Makes sense for me. The number four casual in race eight at Oaklawn Park. And we head to the Southwest. It is race number 10. So Essential Quality, who is your two-year-old champ, undefeated three for three Breeders' Cup Juvenile winner. This is a great spot for him to make his return to the races because it's not a very strong race. Jackie's Warrior is really fast, but we don't really know how far Jackie's Warrior wants to go. So... You have your top two in this race, and they both have not raced since the Breeders' Cup Juvenile when they finished first and fourth. I'm, from a a wagering standpoint, I'd be looking to bet elsewhere. I think that they are both the two most talented horses in this field, and I think down the line, they may both end up in the Derby. They may both be good three-year-olds. But the horse to bet in this race is the number six, Woodhouse. He's going to have to improve a little bit, sure. But in his career debut, he won going a mile. And that was back in December. He was off for a few months. Came back in early February here at Oaklawn on the 11th in the slop. He was three, four lengths off in the two-path. He ran into some traffic. He had to wait. Then he had to back out of it. He was a little bit green late. But he was trying hard in the slop. I think there's some upside. I like the fact that he's got the race under his belt. Whereas horses like Essential Quality and Jackie's Warrior are coming off the bench. They are wanting to peak down the line in the derby so they're probably not you know cranked to to run a big one in here they still might be better and so much better than everyone else that it doesn't really matter but i'm going to i'm going to play woodhouse if we can get anything about 6 to 1 or so 6 1 4 5 that's the order i've put him in santa cruiser i i liked him two back he had a brutal trip and then he he just really wide he never had an opportunity with with either of the trips that he's had in his last I think he's a little better than what he showed, and there's still some upside there with him. 
I just don't know if he can win the race, but if he does, I, I want to have him at least in some way, shape, or form. So I have 6-1-4-5 in the 10th, the Southwest there at Oaklawn on Saturday. Four races at Oaklawn that we discussed, the 6th, the number 5, totally Jimbo. In the 7th, the 2, Hunk of Burning Love, two three one seven in that race. In the 8th, the number 4, Casual. And in the 10th, the number 6, Woodhouse, six one four five trying to beat Central Quality and Jackie's Warrior making their first starts as three-year-olds. Let's go to Sam Houston and talk about their big Saturday card. So uh, let's get those past performances out. Sammy Houston, Saturday, February the 27th. We actually have a couple of graded stakes races for Arabians to start in race one and race two. So I'm going to begin talking race number three. I'm going to hit races three, four, five. Five, Nick Tamro joins me to talk about the stakes races, and then I'll close it out with thoughts on races 11 and 12. So, in the third, 25,000 non three lifetime here, I like the six, Arrow Street, who's going to go third, start off the bench, and has just been really, really consistent. Going to try the grass for the first time. The dam tried the turf once and actually finished second on it. So, I think there's enough uh, turf for Arrow Street. If he can just transfer that form over, he'll have a big shot in here. The Three, um, Matheson, obviously going to be very, very logical and going to be really tough to beat in here. The one and the eight were others that I gave a look to. Uh, you got Dauntless, uh, Dauntless Prince, who is not a win machine by any sort, but does really fit well in this. 6-3-1-8 in race number three at Sam Houston on Saturday. Move into the fourth race here. 5,000 claimers who have not won two races since August the 27th. And I'm going to go towards the outside with the number 11. Will There's a Way, who had come off the bench, needed the race on January the 21st, and still ran really well that day. That was against open $7,500 claimers. This is a big drop down in class to the time-restricted $5,000 non-twos. So 11 with the one little red vet who I think is going to send hard from the inside and, and is coming out of a live and productive race. You've got the six there who uh, will also be including Rizzy's honors. No doubt the one to beat there. You want to go a little deeper. You got the seven figure who's dropping in class. You got the three bold legend. I like the cutback for that one. So that's race number four at Sam Houston. 11, one, six, with 7-3 as sort of the uh, the next tier to include. Let's bounce over to race number 5. I think the 9 uh, is going to be really, really tough in here. That's Moon of Love, who comes in from Fairgrounds, who settled two or three lengths off, uh, was about three wide, loomed up to within two lengths before tiring, and that was her first start since July. And, and that was in a race that you got to imagine is just a lot tougher than this one. And what I like about Moon of Love... So she came here and from overseas and, and debuted at Turfway back in February of 2020, and she ran really well. But each of her races have been followed by layoff lines until now. This is the first time she'll be able to put two starts together. I love the nine. Moon of love. I'm going to have the nine on top of Pika. Uh, I think Pika is going to improve now with that race under her belt. The... Two, Blue Darter, also very, very logical, wouldn't, wouldn't be no shock. And then Distorted Flash, who uh, first time on the grass, I think may be able to just kind of fall into a, a nice trip here. So nine as a single in some exotics, and then four, two, six uh, underneath, and if you want to go a little bit deeper. Now we're going to head to race number six, and we're going to talk about races six through ten with the man who makes the morning line over at Sam Houston, Nick 
Tamaro joins us to talk about the stakes races 6 through 10 on the Saturday Sam Houston card. The Sam Houston on one of the big days comes up this week on Saturday. Earlier in the week, uh, kind of preview the day, give you an overview of the, the races coming up on Saturday night. Race that are centered around Texas. We actually got a couple great picks. Uh, if you're a fan of the Arabians that start the card, because of all the issues last week, the weather, the conditions, there are a ton of races all week long out at Sam Houston. Well, on Saturday, joining us to talk about the Saturday stakes races is the man who makes the morning line over there at Sam Houston. A man who uh, has not had the easiest of weeks, and we'll talk uh, right now to Nick Camero. Nick, how you doing? Kenji, you know how I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. It's yeah, it's been a fun couple of weeks. <laughs> so this was all supposed to be last week. We were supposed to have um, uh, the 20th, February 20th, was supposed to be one of the three three really big days of the meet at Sam Houston. And you guys over in Houston got hit with weather that just does not happen in Texas. Power was out. Uh, pipes were bursting all over the place. Everybody was kind of just hunkered in their homes. And you were right in the middle of all of that. And as we were talking before uh, we started recording, right now, it looks like you're living in a different world. Because the weather a week later is just completely different. Yeah, exactly. We, we, uh, a week ago, we were without power. We were without water. The water was not coming out at all. And it was about 30 degrees, and now I have shorts on. It's 75, <laughs> and it's a little overcast today, but all in all, the weather is uh, its a heck of a lot better. And this is normal. This is, yeah. Yeah, 75 is a little warm, but um, but yeah, this is normal. The, the, the weather that we saw is the definition of abnormal for us. We don't, we usually get about three, maybe four nights in the high 20s or around freezing all winter. And, uh, and we had two days where we were, we had lows in the low teen, l- below the teens, really 11 or 12 and had highs in the mid twenties. Totally unheard of. Well, uh, we're got the sun shining and some good racing coming up this week. And on Saturday in particular, 12 races, seven stakes, five of them, uh, for the, uh, the Texas breads for 75,000 each. So $375,000 in stakes purses. And Nick gotta mention this before we get into the specifics of Saturday, this meet and the last couple years, uh, all of the folks at Sam Houston, they are just doing it right. We as horse players, we want to complain a lot about things, right? We look for things to, to complain about and to whine about. We, and one of those things is takeout. But I think it has showed that when you you make that a focus and you want to treat your customers, the betters, all of us, right? That it's not going to be immediately overnight, but after, what, a year, year and a half, a couple years of, like, the takeout being the focus, the improved purses, the H, like the HD quality in the broadcast, they wanted to make it better for us, and we are rewarding them back. That's how the relationship should be in racing. No doubt about it. You couldn't have said it better myself. And it's it's just been unfortunate that now two years in a row they've had an interruption to their mm-hmm. program. Luckily, this one will pale in comparison at the end of the day, I think, to – to what happened, of course, in 2020 with the pandemic. But um, yeah, it's, it had been years and years since Sam Houston lost even one card. And now in 2020, they had to cut off the meet with about five days left and and lost four cards last week. But they'll make them up like they did in, in uh, for this particular card with some extra races. And and it'll I think the support will continue to be there from the betting public. It's been another very strong meet. And they're up about 25% off of a meet where they were up about 40%. So if you want to compare handle in 21 to 19, I mean, it is just not 
night and day. And so we, I think the, the horsemen here and the, the track operations crew would really be thankful to the state for reallocating or, or diverting, I guess you could say, some tax yeah. money that was previously going into uh, to other spots towards the purse account. And it, it has definitely paid off in spades. Absolutely, um, we got some some fun races to discuss coming up this weekend. So for those of you following along, you can get your past performances out for February the twenty seventh. And one thing, I got to compliment you right away. I, I said it a few weeks ago on Twitter. It's great that Sam Houston draws their entries very early. It makes it so much easier for us as handicappers when we have a lot of time to look at the races and then promote them. And you in particular, you doing the morning line, you get on that immediately. I mean, you you get that thing up quickly. And it's for someone like me, I, I handicap all the Sam Houston cards. I'm able to do it way in advance, put up the shows a couple days in advance, get more people to listen, try to get more money that way. It's just a great uh, chain you know, reaction all the way down from the top. So Thank you for that, because right now, you know, you are you and I are able to talk about this Saturday night card already on Wednesday with the morning lines fully out. Yeah, exactly. We we do the morning line on draw day uh, for every card except for Saturday. That one, I I think they go final on Tuesday. So still, I mean, it's very early in the week, yeah. and, and they'll they'll have their Saturday past performances final before most cards have even been drawn. <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it's uh. It's good, and, and you know the nice thing, of course, for them is that the weather is generally pretty cooperative here, so they can card turf races this time mm-hmm. of year at least, and not worry too much. But I hope that the trend we see moving forward is more one-week draws. I know Delmar did, uh, I think Delmar did five-day draws in some cases last summer, yeah. and uh, Oakland is doing one-week draws right now, they fairgrounds are. as well. So hopefully, we'll see that that start to become the case a little bit more. Yeah, I, I like it. I think the the betters, all of us, like it. Uh, we just get a little more time to look at a great card like we have. On Saturday night So we're going to flip to race number 6 And we're going to look at the 2 Altizano Cool race named for a a Texas bred That earned over 700,000 She won the Coaching Club American Oaks The the Grade 1, the Grade 2 Monmouth Oaks The Grade 2 Fantasy, the Grade 3 Fairgrounds Oaks And the Sam Houston Oaks also So a 9 time winner 2 Altizano So this race will be for the the Phillies The 3 year olds What's interesting about this particular race Nick Is that the horse who is the one to beat, no doubt, who has won three in a row and who beat a lot of these common rivals. Five of these horses actually exit the January 30th race. She is actually a Minnesota bred. She fits in this race because she is the daughter of a horse named the Hunk who stands in Texas. Yeah, pretty, pretty interesting. It's a, right. It's a uh, kind of a cooperative a stallion arrangement where mm-hmm. you'll see this in the in the New York Stallion series and, and you have yeah. horses that are that are only eligible to run in it because their sires stand in that state. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting. In fact, I, I when I saw a star of the North entered in the Texas Stallion event last month, I was like, how did she get into this race yeah. as a Minnesota bred? But uh, I'll tell you what, regardless of, of her, her pedigree or her the state where she was born in, she's pretty fast. She is. And, uh, and she, she followed up a nice little summer at Canterbury with a good win last time out. And I mean, look, she's going to be a prohibitive favorite in here. I, I made her even money on the morning line. And I think in all likelihood, she's going to go off a little bit less than that. It felt to me like the only thing that could really derail her was a pace battle with Swift Redbird. So we'll see how much Swift Redbird could push her. But they faced each other last yeah. time. Star of the North was able to handle her pretty easily. I anticipate something like that more than likely happening again. 
Yeah, that's what's kind of hard with trying to beat her in this race because you know you look at like the two outside horses who I thought both ran well when they were chasing her last time out, but she sort of just put them away, and that was her first start since September. Her first start over this track, you even feel like she's got the right to improve out of that race and and maybe even be a little bit better this time. So she's one that's not really I don't think worth necessarily trying to beat. I think if I was trying to use maybe one or two others like. Um, you know, you can expect some improvement from a few of these. I guess the wild card might be can a horse like that's a lot of bling who I don't know if she's as quick as Star of the North, but with Luzzy aboard, he can get really aggressive sometime. Can maybe she be a horse to soften up Star of the North and maybe set it up for someone else? But I, she she does look pretty tough to beat. And I like I said, she's got every right to even be a little bit better with that under her belt. Yeah, exactly. If this was a situation where she was coming off the layoff in here, you might be concerned. Mm-hmm. Perhaps having missed some training time or things like that, but that's not really a worry with no. it. The second off the bench, and I, I agree, I, I made that's a lot of bling the second choice, mainly just because of that good buyer speed figure last time. And granted, yeah. it was earned against significantly lesser as a Danny Pish dropped her down in for seventy five hundred. But Austin Gustafson is very very good off the claim. His barn has uh, has done exceptionally well at this meet again, hitting it better than a thirty percent clip. And and this looks like it's probably going to play out as a pretty astute claim. It might be a little too much too soon, but I'm not going to be surprised if this horse. Uh, contends in some nice Texas spread allowance races later in the year Yep, let's move along to uh, race number 7 Which is the Miss Blue Bonnet They will be going a mile on the turf course here And uh, some of the horses to look at I mean, but this is a a race that feels like it's going to be pretty spread out I think in the betting action Corluna, lukewarm morning line favorite You've got, uh, who's a multiple stakes winner You've got I'm a discreet lady who's a four-time stakes winner You've got uh, She's Our Fastest who's Got just under 350000 in earnings And the top earner in the field Drops out of the grade 3 ladies classic last time uh, Trying, uh, just taking a, a swing Against much, much better So um, many to many ways to go in here I, I think a horse like Miss Perfecta Getting back to the grass is also interesting Who are some that you're looking at? Yeah, it, this is really the race of the night From a, a competitive mm-hmm. standpoint It looks like uh, a really terrific running Of this race in particular uh, Just so competitive on paper And you mentioned she's our fastest coming in from the Houston Ladies Classic, I thought she looked dangerous. Corluna's the horse to beat, and uh, and has just run well consistently in these kind of races for you know going on a couple of years. The concern, of course, is that she's is coming back from a little bit of a break, so we've not seen her since the last October at Remington. She's run well fresh in the past, although you know one of her worst races of 2020 was in this race last year where she was coming off the bench. Yeah. So I mean that that does increase her vulnerability a little bit. Mm-hmm. We've seen a few kind of change hands in this division and around a year ago herb's love was actually becoming one of the uh the better major players in the division didn't run well in this race but came right back and won the san San jacinto at lone star and uh and now is is in new with new connections doesn't look like she's in form but you know this is a horse with races going back i think that can be very very dangerous and uh, you mentioned miss perfecta who has has really run some of the better turf races of anybody Mm -hmm. in this field i'm not altogether certain that a, a mile is Ideal for her, I think I she might be a yeah. little bit better going shorter, but uh, I think she's a major threat and a horse that you absolutely have to use. Yeah, you know that, and you look at the race that she comes out of too at, at Turf Paradise last time out. So on January the 11th, there were two next out winners that day. The horse who beat her, named Mongolian Lotus, is actually seven for ten, has won four in a row, and has won back, has won two stakes races since beating Miss Perfecta that day. Um, so that's a solid race. Uh, she comes back to the grass where she's been really, really good. She's gonna be 
on or near the lead. Second off the bench, she's been facing open company. Now she's back, and now she's in with uh, with Texas spread. So plenty to like. I just completely agree that Mile might be just a little bit past what she wants, but she may have the talent to uh, to overcome it in a spot like this. So yeah, that this race is fun because there's probably going to be four or five that take action that that we mentioned, and uh, I think you, you you know you can probably uh, feel confident in many different directions. I might land like if we can get around that four to one ish, I might land on Miss Perfecta. Yeah, I, I think that's that's likely will be the case. I think so. Um, yeah, yeah, and and just the competitive nature of it uh, certainly makes that possible. I'll give you one that's going to be a bit of a price that I think has a shot is Gishi Sparkles the six. So I think if you if you kind of pick apart her couple of turf running lines mm-hmm. from last summer at Lone Star, she actually ran I, I thought a, a very solid race in mid July and then came back closing night of the meet and was badly pace compromised when I'm a discreet lady wired that field. That's you know, the the in, the sure. turf course in August at Lone Star is very very firm. So to go f- almost 49, she was really walking on the front end. I thought that worked against GC Sparkles. I think this is kind of an old-fashioned kind of cagey horseman move by Danny Pish and sprinting mm-hmm. her to then stretch her out. So I thought that she might uh, she might be a little dangerous. She's a horse to throw into your multi-race plays. It's going to be a big price. Absolutely worth some inclusion there. Uh, as we move along from race number seven to race, uh, race number eight, this is the H-Town. You've got the 2018 TTA Horse of the Year in here. Uh, that is Direct Dial, who is Earned over 380,000 Won the 2018 Jim's Orbit um, Won at all three Texas tracks And then we've got a horse like Kenai Bob Who is actually cross-entered in this race And in the ninth race right following this And would, would probably be a player in either one of them Is a horse who's actually proven to run fine On both surfaces um, You've got a couple Calhoun horses Who you know you can maybe make a case for um, You know direct dial You gotta start with just one of the better Texas spreads out there right now no question about it. And a horse that uh, that has been competitive in open company in the past, um, clearly the one to beat. I, I don't know what was going on with some of these Will Farish horses racing for Danny Pish uh, for a brief period of time mm-hmm. because they're now back in Steve Asmussen's care. And, you know, with, with all – I think both are – our terrific horseman, obviously Steve Asmussen is a Hall of Famer. Um, this horse actually ran two of his better races for Pish. Yeah. So it, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of goes to show you that he might be just becoming the the, the best he's been now as a six-year-old. Mm. And I think we're going to be talking about direct dial progeny racing in Texas, at least I hope, for quite a long time when he ultimately hangs it up. He's he's clearly the horse to beat. You mentioned that Kenai Bob and, uh, and he's a suitor are both cross-entered. He's a suitor to me would seem much more likely to go here uh, given that he's been at his best on dirt. Uh, but Brett Calhoun did enter him in both. He's going to be a shorter price in here. So I, I would think that his chances are, are a little bit better. It's clearly direct dials race to lose. Yep. Um, I would say that, that Kenai Bob is the, the likeliest upsetter. You know, I don't know necessarily how much that 93 buyer speed figure last time will hold up as time goes by. It was a pretty big increase for basically everyone in the field, but it was a fast race. And it gave all indications of being fast. They were they were pretty gapped out, which uh, is always a good sign. The pace was quick, so we'll see if he runs back to that race. He will be he'll be very tough. And Francisco Bravo is a horseman I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for. So he seems like the one that you'd want to use along with Direct Dial. 
I mean, direct dial too. He just got beat by Welder, who's uh, who's only a twenty-six time winner. You know, uh, exactly he, the pride he, of Oklahoma. So, yeah, yeah. You know, who's who's coming out of a couple open races also. Um, and direct dial at the seven furlongs. You know, you may not think this is his best, but he actually does have a win at a mile. Uh, although it was a five horse field in a slot, but as far as just getting the distance type of uh, concerns for him, um, the one that I, I you know he's the no doubt the horse to beat. I, I wouldn't try to get too cute and, and necessarily like play against him or anything. The one horse that I will maybe try to include along with him and I think you know digging a little bit we can make a case for gold pilot so I think they tried the grass last time out going long and we can put it just a line right through that excuse that race Um, it was in August we haven't seen him since prior to that the form is actually very good wonders of his love is the type of horse who can just run you off your feet sometimes so you know finishing second to a really speedy horse like wonders of his love just as against the race shape that day then you know you come back and you're in an open race against little menace and sir rick who are both very solid horses and those are you know not texas bred that's open company there too Seven furlongs isn't the easiest distance, especially off the bench. I would love if he had a race under his belt, but it feels like that actually should be a distance that that fits him very, very well. I, I don't know if he's quite as good as, you know, direct. He's definitely not as good as direct dial. He hasn't shown that he's, you know, anything that good. But if for some reason direct dial didn't show up with his A game here, Kanai Bob's in a different spot. You know, then you start looking around at this field, or even if Kanai Bob's in here and, and you know, that's that big buyer he doesn't come back to. Right to me, Gold Pilot would be sort of in that next tier of horses. And if you can see him floating around in that 8, 10, you know, one range, definitely a horse to maybe throw into some of your exotics if, if you're thinking about not just singling direct dial. Yeah, I agree. In fact, the uh, Gold Pilot was a very nice winner of the Jim's Orbit last year over mm-hmm. Good Judgment, who runs later on in this card. Good Judgment was three to five that night. And, uh, and, and he was beaten on the square, no question about it. Good Judgment came back three months later and won a race at one to five at Lone Star. We'll probably end up being about two to five in the race that he's in Saturday night. Um, also trained by Steve Asmussen, which I think goes to show you a little bit about how Asmussen feels about how direct dial is going to run. But yeah, I agree. I think that he's a, at the very least, he's a horse. I think you could partner up with the favorite in the exactor mm-hmm. or the tribe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's uh, move along to race number nine. We've got the Houston turf mile and a 16th here on the turf course. And we've got the 2020 TTA horse of the year. Last year's Houston turf winner, Redditore, who's a seven time stakes winner. But we've got a horse who's actually been a little better than Redditore uh, as of late. And that's uh, the morning line favorite, Sunlit Song, who was third in this race last year, but did end up winning two stakes in 2020. And in including uh, a stakes against Open Company at Remington Park. And this guy, as a six-year-old now, you know, as a five-year-old late, like late last year, and now as a six-year-old, he has just become really versatile. He can come from off the pace a little bit more than he used to. Just kind of want to be a little more forwardly placed. Uh, he he just has gotten really, really good. Yeah, he really has. And and this is this has been a super fun rivalry between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it looks. I think we've gotten to the point where the, the the distance between the two of them in terms of where they are respectively in their careers is probably as vast as it's ever been. It feels yeah. like Sunlit Song is is just getting to be quite a bit better than Redditory. But, you know, it felt that way a couple of times last year and and Redditory was able to get the job done each time. So he's kind of he's been favored almost every time they faced each other um, or has at least been a shorter price. Now, Sunwood Song did out finish him in the Remington Green, but of course, Redditory beat him in the Hall of Fame. He beat him in the Richard King and he beat him in this race last year, the Houston Turf. So uh, it was actually Redditory that won year end honors for this division amongst the uh, the Texas breds. So I, I think 
I think that Sunwood Song ultimately is going to exact a little bit of revenge. I'll say that I, I have been as defiant and as much of a contrarian as I am. I've bet Mujab Jr. against them a couple of times, including when he finished a really, really good third last year in the uh, in the assault. And and he had been so hampered by the pace in the race before. I was hoping there'd be a little bit more of, a, of an early clip. And he ran a really good race at 34 to 1. Of course, I needed him to win or run second. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, it wouldn't be, wouldn't be a podcast about betting without there being a bad beat story. Be. But, be, right. right. So, but yeah, Sunlit Song's clearly the one to beat. There's no doubt. Uh, I think that, uh, that for me, from a betting perspective, trying to, to get Mujab Jr. into there maybe in second or third might be the, the best option. Just take a little bit of a swing against Redditori. Now, we'll see, of course, what happens with Kenai Bob because. He's entered in this race and the aforementioned uh, H-Town, but uh, I, I get the feeling he'll probably go on the dirt. Um, that said, his his turf races have certainly been good enough. I mean, he yeah. he was a good second to Redditori last year in the Hall of Fame and was fourth in the assault. He also has a lot of speed, and, and that might be something that, that can work to his advantage. So uh, he'll he'll make his presence known no matter where he ends up. Yeah, and uh, with Kenai Bob, and also with uh, with he's a suitor. The, he's a suitor would be sort of a, a similar, like we talked about, it, it, depending on where he went. I think he would probably be better suited actually in the in the other race. But if for some reason he were to go here, and I'm trying to beat Redditori in some of the exotics, I'm definitely using Sunlit Song. He would be a horse I would throw in just because. His two turf races, you know, he won the first one, and then his second one was a race that he, you know, he was against Redditori, Kenai Bob, Sunlit Song, but it was a race that he was sent to the bench for a while afterwards, and he's kind of got a, a nice enough, like, running style where he might just be a, the type of horse who could just fall into a really good trip and pick up some pieces at a little bit of a price, so um, if you're not just going to go uh, Sunlit Song, Redditori in here, or if Kenai Bob, you know, chooses the other one, this could be another situation where this horse might get a little forgotten about. Out, and I think he at least is a lightly raced horse with some upside. Where I kind of I, I would give him another couple chances on the turf to show he makes sense. And, and you mentioned Mujab Jr. Obviously, it just you just worry about him with his running style sometimes because he just becomes like at the mercy of the pace. Yes, that's definitely been the issue. I've, I've been vulnerable along with him too many times, and that's yeah, that's that's the big concern. But um, no doubt, I, I totally agree with everything you said about the alternatives, and you know, hopefully, we'll see a good old fashioned sunlit song redditory battle down the stretch. Yeah, and, it's yeah, fun. I think if we do, it'll be sunlit song. Yeah, I, I do too. It's fun. Uh, it, 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 he's just. Getting better and better and better As we head to the 10th uh, The final of the 5 stakes races That are going to be focusing on those Texas breads On Saturday night It's the Jim's Orbit Good old Jim's Orbit who was 5 for 19 overall Who earned a, a 600,000 Who was the grade 3 derby trial winner The grade 2 Ohio derby winner Grade 1 placed He ran in the Kentucky derby uh, Very cool Texas bred too um, and and this field in the Jim's orbit, we've actually got six of the horses who exit the the same race. They were all behind Carbon Striker that day, and it's a field of seven. So the only real new face is Texas Prado. Everyone else is going to be um, you know lining up and facing each other again. And there were a couple horses that day that just did not fire. Uh, Dustum in particular, who was the two to one favorite, uh, just missed the break and. Uh, his trainer Brett Calhoun has just said He didn't really understand why he ran so poorly He was coming off of a big win against Open Company at Remington Park uh, Maybe he just you know, Regressed a little but he had plenty of time In between those races it was sort of a head Scratcher for him so he's one that's uh, You know Carbon Striker obviously we got to start With because he was so impressive but Dustum you know a horse who was favored last time And just didn't really seem to have legit excuses yeah, it, it was it was actually quite a shocking performance, as you alluded to. He was expected to, I mean, at least 
at least give an account of himself. Right. Yeah. Uh, he was he was a total no show, and you know it, it's not. I guess it doesn't quite qualify under the the old racetrack adage of if you miss the wedding, don't go to the funeral for Carbon Striker because he was three to one last time. He's probably going to be about three to two this time. That's you know wasn't a huge price last time, but boy, it feels like a lot of things that probably worked in his favor are now going to work against him, and he's now the hunted more so than the hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Most of which he, he has speed and and probably needs the lead in order to be at his absolute best. And now he's drawn the rail, so that's that's not as easy as it is being outside of everybody when you want to go to the front end. He's still supposed to win. It just seems like he has continued to move forward whereas a lot of his rivals in here haven't really improved but it's gonna what it'll ultimately boil down to is really to me how the two brett calhoun runners fare if dustin bounces back and if a stone cafe can take another step forward i think that either one of them can can certainly get the job done the big concern i think you have if you're backing either one of those two is that who exactly is going to keep carbon striker honest on the front end Right. You know, it's, it's, it's Texas Prado's not fast enough. And and basically everybody else in here, he just beat you just we just kind of have to hope he's a step slow. And then that will compromise that plus the rail plus the six furlongs is just maybe a little more than where he than what he wants. And that will compromise him enough if it does if if it does like if he's not cruising on a lone lead early, I think Stone Cafe just the way that he was running like visually, it looked like he was outrun a bit early, but and then he, he sort of made a nice wide move. And then at the top of the lane, he kind of took a bit to get going, but it felt like visually extra distance would help him and and he he would be one that would be fine and, and could mow them all down. But like you said, we want to try to project someone to to go with Carbon Striker. But if he breaks well from the rail, I, I, he's going to have a length or two on the field again. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It feels like if he breaks well, he's gone, right? I mean, he's yeah. going he's gonna to be tough to catch. And um, it's, it's going to – it's going to take – which is always tricky when trying to handicap and project what's going to happen. It's going to take somebody – one of these horses that he ran against, because I'm not really counting Texas Prado as a legitimate win candidate. It's going to take them improving in order to make mm-hmm. something happen. And that just seems in, in large part like a pretty bad gamble. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody just trying to get a, a little crazy and go and, 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 you know, make a point of trying to go with him. But I like, it's one of those things where it's like, Hey, I'm going to the lead. All right. Are anybody, could anybody, even when they wanted to try to go with him to push him, you know, that that's the point. Like you can tell you what you're doing, what he's doing and you still, and you still want to go after him and you just might not naturally have as much speed as he does. Uh, maybe a, a Casey Tismoro who broke well, carbon striker sort of crossed over on him and he kind of got stuck in a tight spot and had to, had to back out a little bit early. Maybe if carbon striker breaks, he can kind of just stay right to his hip and keep him a little bit more honest. Um, and be the one to soften him up. If he does, then I, I would I would look to Stone Cafe as the one to to pick him up. And like we said, if if Dustum is you know in that in that range where I think he is, you know, in the seven to two to nine to two range again, he might be worth just at like we said the opposite of you know you got that you, you you didn't have to maybe you got the short price on him last time out. This time you're going to get a much better price, and we know he's better than what he showed. It just is he going to get the type of trip he needs to win this? Exactly right. That'll that'll end up being the big worry, and and it'll be the question that you have to ask yourself when you're betting, and you know, we'll see how it plays out because it it looks as if there's there's at least a few alternatives if you want to take a critical approach of uh, of the favorite to to whet your appetite. Nick Tamaro, the man who makes the morning line over at Sam Houston. Uh, we see uh, selections, tickets from you up there uh, often. I know you handicap uh, New York tracks. You do a lot of other stuff. Let the folks out there know uh, where can we follow you and, and what kind of stuff uh, are you going to be working on? 
Yeah, N N T A M M one two one five on Twitter. I make the Sam Houston Morning Line. I do some uh, analysis and picks for every Naira track on InTheMoneyPodcast.com for for Pete Fornatal and Jonathan, two of my longtime friends. And if you're a Twin Spires customer, you can see me with uh, Tampa analysis on the uh, Twin Spires website, the expert pick section. Of course, the expert word expert is used loosely and sometimes <laughs> inaccurately, but um, <laughs> on the website or on the app. Um, that's for every every card at Tampa, which uh, will go now until Derby Day or so. So quite a quite a bit of time left. And Sam Houston has, I, I want to say, 20, 23 days left, roughly. So there's still yeah. a lot of time left to enjoy this meet and really can't say enough, as, as we talked about at the top of the show, about what they've they've done over the years and what they've continued to try to do to make the the wagering menu as player friendly as possible. And and as you said, I mean, we talk the talk a lot, but we really need to walk the walk when it comes to supporting low takeout bets and and tracks that are trying to do things like that, because there's really been a concerted effort on Sam Houston's part to offer something to the public that we can really wrap our hands around. It's great, man. It feels like, uh, especially I think on the on the Friday Saturday nights, um, there's a lot of uh, of buzz on social media. Feels like there's a lot of people playing Sam Houston that three, four, five years ago we wouldn't have heard much about, and people are interested. They've done a great job from um, Frank Hop to Chris Griffin. Uh, when Martha comes in, they all do a fantastic job. They got a lot of people. Um, they just brought in handicappers and brought in and good. Like solid, like-minded horse players and fans that wanted to promote a really good product, and it's it's working. People are enjoying it. I've had people that like, oh man, they were so excited in the months leading up to Sam Houston because how much they enjoyed playing it last year. So uh, you do a great job out there, Nick. Thanks for making it a lot easier getting those morning lines out early for us. We appreciate all that you do over there, and uh, we'll have to get you back either for. Uh, for uh, the big uh, big one at Sam Houston in a few weeks, or maybe some Tampa, New York, a little bit of anything, man. We could talk uh, any any races with you anytime. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks for having me. Nick Tamaro, you heard where you can follow him on social media. Don't go anywhere, folks. We'll do a little uh, wrap-up of the Saturday card following this. Stay tuned. Big thanks to Nick for helping us out talking some Sam Houston stakes. So a little bit of a recap in the sixth race. I thought Star of the North was going to be pretty tough. Uh, I would use the six, maybe Wink Texas uh, with the along with the four um, if you're looking there to try to beat Star of the North. So I have six, uh, six four as my top two. In the seventh race, I love the four Miss Perfecta. So I have four, one, nine, twelve, ten. I've got them stacked there as we move to race number eight, the H Town. Seven furlongs there. I do like the eight. Um, and uh, I was eight, seven, five. Gold Pilot, Direct Dial, and then Can I Bob? I think wherever he shows up, he'll actually be pretty live in uh, in the ninth race. It's uh, He's a Suitor and Sunlit Song for me. I do think Mujab Jr., if you want to go a little bit deeper and you're looking for uh, another one in there to include, but I'll, I'll give a look to He's a Suitor if he shows up there and then Sunlit Song's the one to beat. And then in the uh, the 10th race, the number 7 will be the play for me, Stone Cafe, trying to hope that someone can soften up Carbon Striker a little bit. I had him stack 7 one five, two. We move to race number 11 Saturday night at Sam Houston. First level allowance, five furlongs on the main. I like the five in here. Good judgment. I'm not telling you anything that everybody else isn't going to tell you. This is the heavy chalk. This is the heavy favorite. I think a single in your late exotics. If you want to go deeper or try to beat the chalk, I would use seven, two, and six as my next three. That's a Saturday night, 11th race. As we move to the 12th race, I think this is an all race, honestly. 
I really do. And that's what's nice is that we should be able to shorten up in, in some of the races leading up to, to this one. I put the 12 on top. I have 12, 3, 9, 4 with 5, 6, 10, 11. When I'm going that deep, it just makes sense to go all. Hopefully, we can lead you into the winner's circle a few times on Saturday night over there with the uh, the Sam Houston analysis. We're going to get to Sunday racing. Yep, even a few plays for Sunday. Get those past performances out for Oaklawn. Let's get to race number six on Sunday, February the 28th. I'm looking at the Dixie Bell. Six furlongs, the distance. I thought the two Mariah's Princess who sort of loomed up and hung a little bit in her last start. It was good, though. The race has come back productive. She finished second. The horse who finished third that day, Charlie's Penny, came right back to win a stakes out of it. She well, she just got shuffled a little bit, a few lengths, but she ended up settling in a nice spot. She loomed up. She just couldn't go by. If she didn't get shuffled, she probably wins. I, I, she did have every chance to go by and still hung a little bit, but she feels like the one who's going to get a nice trip because I think Abrogate's got pace. Heartful of Soul is going to be forwardly placed in here. Windmill towards the outside is going to be quick. And that should set it up nicely for Mariah's Princess to sit, you know, maybe third and uh, and mow them all down late. Let's turn the page to race number seven at Oaklawn Park. I thought the number seven, Whiskey Double, on the turn back was going to be very, very interesting. Debut winner going six, um, then hadn't raced from June to January. Came back in January, was a good third in a race that he probably needed. And then he stretched out and he tried to go along last time. We can make an, a legitimate and an easy excuse and just say he didn't want a round. Now he cuts back to a sprint. Whiskey double the number seven. Make sure to use in all exotics. Should get some nice pace to run at with Out of Sight and Bob's Edge drawn right next to each other. They're both pretty quick. You'd have to imagine that they're going to both be hooking up early. Lock Up is another one who's fast. From the inside, Causeway Jones adds the blinkers. They should all be going fast early, and uh, Whiskey Double should be sitting a great, great trip off the pace. Let's move to race number eight. This is the Down the Dusty Road. I was 3-6-8 in here with Miss Antioch slightly on top because she's got that recent race under her belt. Bye-bye, Jay. Blinkers off, dropping in class, back in with Arkansas Breads now. That's the one to beat. And then My Grace, if you're looking for a price horse, debut winner on the synthetic, then tried the slop off of the bench. She has every right to improve, and I think she can take a nice big step forward. 3-6-8 in race number 8 on Sunday at Oaklawn Park. And we will see the return of one of the bigger stars in racing, Monomoy Girl. She's going to be running in race number 9 at Oaklawn. It's the Bayakoa, the 13-time winner, Monomoy Girl. She's raced 15 times, 13 wins, two runner-up efforts, never worse than second, over $4.4 million in earnings, and a two-time Breeders' Cup winner, Monomoy Girl. Not a race to play for me, just a race to watch as I just can't really find someone that I'm in, in love with in this particular spot. Um... And so, you know, if she doesn't run up to her her best, uh, maybe chance to shine, I'd give a little bit of a look to. Like, if she wasn't in this race, and I was just playing this race without her, I would probably play chance to shine. So, if we're looking at it from that perspective, and she doesn't come back uh, 100%, or she needs a race, that's who I would lean to. Sunday Racing, Oaklawn Park. We've got Friday, Saturday, and Sunday for you here 
on That's What G Said podcast. And right now, we want to tell you a little bit about full service realtor Cindy Carava, one of the longtime sponsors of That's What G Said. She can help you out with one of the most difficult, stressful events in life moving, relocating, everything that goes into that process. Cindy is a full service realtor. That means she can help you with selling with purchasing, with leasing. She can help you find a vendor like a handyman, a painter, landscaper, a gardener that she's personally used in her own home. If you need help getting pre-approved for a home loan, she can connect you with lenders that she's worked closely with and can highly recommend. Covering all parts of the San Gabriel Valley, parts of North San Diego, County, Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho, Santa Fe. Maybe you're just curious to see how much your home is worth. She will do a free market analysis of your home's value. You can find her on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow, or cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. You find all the information there, all her listings, everything that you need. She is one of the most honest and genuine people I have ever met. She's going to make your life so much easier. Make sure to get in touch with Cindy Carava for all of your real estate needs. Let's talk a little bit about Young Rock, and then we, uh, we'll close things out with the Weekend Wrestling with Chad Cooper. So if you haven't uh, seen the, the show Young Rock, there have been two episodes of it. It's on NBC. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, it's um, It's sort of like... I think I saw a comparison to the Wonder Years um, or even um, uh, Fresh Off the Boat because there are a lot of similarities with the style of of the way it's done. Um, where you have The Rock actually playing himself 10 years in the future and what it's about is he's running for president in 2032 and he is going through an interview talking about everything that happened throughout his life with Randall Park, who Randall Park plays himself. At this point, Randall has transitioned into a journalist. He's no longer just an actor. So um, what we end up seeing throughout is we hear from The Rock, he kind of sets up a story, and then we'll go and check in with a young version of The Rock. Um, There are actually multiple versions that we end up seeing. It does not take place in one timeline. It's actually spread across four so we get 10-year-old uh, Rock, we get 15-year-old Rock, and we get 18-year-old Rock, and then himself uh, in 2032 when he's running for president. So I, it's it's pretty fun. Um, we see some really early versions of him with a bunch of wrestlers, Andre the Giant, Macho Man, Randy Savage. If you like wrestling, you'll love this. But it's not a show about wrestling. It's a show about a young man like The Rock who has a fascinating life. His dad was a pro wrestler. He's become a larger-than-life character himself and one of the biggest stars in Hollywood. And so it's kind of telling his story in a fun um, way, different clips of his life, and it's sort of setting the the possibility of him actually running for president. Um, It talks about his rise from pro wrestling to, you know, being in big movies, and... Like we said, maybe uh, The Rock running for president in a few years. This is uh, a series that has a lot of extended flashbacks. They go through those younger days of his um, the 80s, high school, late 80s, and then in the 90s, University of Miami. He won the national championship there. So we have four different actors actually playing the role of, of The Rock, of Dwayne Johnson in here from all the different um, periods of his life. 
So throughout each episode, we're getting different interviews with Randall Park and The Rock, and um, we get you know uh, clips of his father, Rocky Johnson, his mom, who was really hardworking. His dad was a wrestler and was a very well-known wrestler, but he couldn't deal with the fact that he wasn't a star anymore. And so his dad, instead of, you know, sucking it up and kind of going and getting a job that that would have helped pay the bills more, his dad still wanted to try to live his wrestling dreams out, and that wasn't always the best for their family, um, even though it's it's what uh, what Rocky really needed. So it's uh it's it's fun and it's a good comedy and it's it's quick it's only a 30 minute show um you see as you know Rocky's father is now not working at the big arenas anymore he's working at a flea market um he actually tells his son he's going to be working at a college and so in episode 2 we see the rock Dwayne young Dwayne in high school meet a girl who's named fine ass Karen and uh, and he is very excited, but what he has to do is he has to kind of pretend to be someone that he's not. He steals clothes because he wants people to think that he's rich. He wants them to think his dad is a big wrestling star. And so the second episode is all about this girl who's very stuck up and pretentious. And uh, Dwayne brings her on a date to go see his dad have a wrestling match. We get fun references to Ric Flair, Rowdy Roddy Piper, WrestleMania 3, all throughout. You get the young uh, actor who plays the young Rock doing a Hans and Franz SNL impersonation there. And there's a lot of heart in it in this, though. As we see, once Rock brings the, the girl Karen to the uh, to the flea market to go watch his dad's match, Karen doesn't want it to be there. She's disgusted. She thought they were going to be going to a big arena, and Dwayne says, okay, if you want to leave, you can leave, but I'm going to stay here and and watch my dad, even though his dad had kind of deceived him. And Karen actually stays with with Dwayne, and she gets into the match. She gets really into it. He's fighting a local guy named The Gull, and he's putting on a great show for the really small crowd, and she has a good time, and she wants a second date, even though she sees the fact that The Rock's dad is getting stiffed and he's only getting paid a couple hundred dollars for these shows. That's the one thing that Dwayne always tried to do. He always tried to pretend like a play. He played along with it. He was living the gimmick is what he refers to it as. So uh, when they go back to school, people are making fun of, uh, of Karen and Dwayne because they were out at the, uh, at the flea market in front of just a few fans. And one of the kids says, Oh, wrestling. You mean that fake stuff? And uh, Dwayne knocks Kevin out. It's one thing, you know, if you're around wrestling people, don't you ever use that F word. Don't you ever use that F word. If you use that F word around me or Chad Cooper, you're going to have to deal with one of us. And Chad Cooper is coming up next. We're going to talk this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. We, We talk about all the news going on with the big show signing with AEW. We talk about Dynamite and recap everything that happened. The Miz is your new champion. We recap Raw, Elimination Chamber, everything going on in wrestling in about a 45-minute discussion. Enjoy. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. I'm trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper! 
This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper. My man Koopa Loop was uh, over in Beaumont, Texas, where it was just brutal. Koopa Loop, I mean, you, you go to Texas, you're not expecting this the snow, sleet, the no power, uh, freezing temperatures. How the hell are you holding up, buddy? Man, I tell you what, it's uh, it's been an interesting outside of a, a pandemic since last March. It has right. been an interesting <laughs> weather year for for this area. Two hurricanes within a month last uh, last summer, and then uh, uh, another historic winter event. Uh, and today we're about fifty degree warmer than we were this time last week. It's Is seventy-seven it today. Last Thursday. Last week it was 27 and uh, snow, no power, uh, low water. It has just been uh, it's, it's it's been interesting. So we're gonna we'll bounce around from all the the stuff, the major stories and everything going on in wrestling, like we always do. Before we get into WWE, AEW, I actually wanted to mention uh, something from NWA that uh, just recently happened over the last couple years NWA had sort of the um the revitalization under Billy Corgan who wanted to kind of bring the NWA back he bought the name and um and I actually you know they they weren't something um a, a company that had a big uh, TV deal somewhere but I actually thought that the 10 pounds of gold series they were doing with Tim Storm for a while came off very, very well. I thought it just kind of seemed real and kind of gritty. And for a while, Tim Storm was their champion, this older guy who was a teacher. And one of his main, uh, one of his, his main rivals early on was a guy named Josephus who, who played this pretty funny gimmick who was, it was just like, he was this crazy guy who um, was kind of thinking of a higher power. Unfortunately, Josephus recently passed away. And he's been someone who, like, everybody that worked with him seemed to really, really enjoy the guy. And this is one of those guys that would, he would have never been a, a WWE WrestleMania main eventer. But he's kind of the guys that wrestling is all about. Like, those guys that just live on the road. They love the business. And they uh, they have a, a nice following. Yeah, you know, I learned uh, over the last, you know, day or two uh, of his passing. And, uh, you know, his little alter ego gimmick question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it was it was fun to watch. It, you know, especially on uh, he would do little things on social media, and then he had like a little rivalry gimmick storyline with Thunder Rosa when, yeah. when she was the NWA uh, Women's Champion. Uh, yeah, just you know, another good guy lost in an industry. It seems like uh, this is happening way too often um, uh, in professional wrestling. But uh, he will be deeply missed. As you said, not a main event guy, but one of those role players that you need in every organization uh, to to be successful. Go look up some of his stuff uh, on NWA on YouTube that he was doing with Tim Storm. It was it was good. There were some fun promos and little back and forth stuff. And just the matches are always quick. It's not like you're going to be sitting there watching a 30 minute match or anything. So give Josephus a little bit of love. He was uh, he was someone who uh, he had a nice moment over the last couple years. And um, so it's never easy to, to transition from talking about something serious like that into our uh, our coverage of wrestling. But we uh, we do have to get over to some big news, Chad. And um, whether or not you like the big show, whether or not you, you think he's got anything left in the tank, this was one of the the guys that I always kind of thought was a WWE lifer. He does so much work for them, or he did for the WWE as an ambassador outside of the company, uh, going around doing uh, fundraising stuff or promotional stuff. He seemed like he was 
just going to retire, maybe be a coach, maybe someone you'd see, you know, years down the line as like an agent. He jumped ship. The Big Show is now signed with AEW on a long-term deal. They're going to start him out doing commentary on their Monday night shows, which is going to be called Dark Elevation. So now they're going to have a Monday night. It's going to be an extension of Dark that they have on Tuesday. Uh, it's going to be on YouTube. It it feels a little surprising. He still wants to wrestle. And it's, it's also kind of funny that the announcement comes like on the heels a week away from Shaq uh, and Cody wrestling, right? Yeah, you know, I had to... When I when I saw this, I had to check and make sure that, uh, you know, I, I've lost track of time since last March. So I, I thought, okay, is it April 1st? Is this April right. Fool's? I This was not expected at all. I mean, you know, Big Show was on WWE television not too long ago, right? He had January. Legends yeah, Night. Little, yeah, you know. Um, he, he Remember, he faced Drew last year after the main event of WrestleMania. Immediately yes. following the main yes, event on Raw, yes. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember you and I talking about it and saying, yep. "This is, uh, you know, this is a way to get Drew over even more." You know, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I understand why AEW is is grabbing as much talent as they can because I guess I would too. Mm-hmm. They have deep pockets. Will it work? I don't know. Only time will tell. It's interesting. He's going to be a color commentary with Tony Schiavone, as you said, on Monday nights. I know he's going to be a booker. He'll do a lot. He'll be an agent. He'll do a lot of stuff backstage. You know, it's just, it's funny to come full circle around this because when AEW first started. I knew where you were going, and I'm glad you You knew where I was going, right? You knew I was Jericho Sting? You know what I mean? yeah, and it's now it's like you, they sign all these indie guys, you know, at the very beginning, and we're like, oh, this is great, and this is great, and then this is one thing we're not going to do. We're not going to sign, you know, WWE, you know, cast-offs or wh- whatever you want to call them. Not that he is, because he's a WWE Hall of Famer. Sure. Um, and then this happens, and it's like, oh, okay. I agree. Uh, I, I think oh. there are two separate, like, ways to, to approach this, right? I personally think that Big Show is probably going to go down as like one of the more like poorly used stars that WWE has had. I mean, we we should be able to like count on one hand how many times this guy lost, right? Through the year. He's yeah, so yeah. so yeah. dominant. He was not treated that way from the very beginning when he came in in the St. Valentine's Day massacre. He looked like <laughs> a joke. <laughs> and then he was losing right away. So but so I actually like kind of feel bad that the big show didn't really get like a, a one or two really dominating runs like he should have. All of that being said, this doesn't fit what AEW was telling us they were going to be, right? Like, I think we can totally separate those two and say, Big Show's awesome, and any company, you could throw him in the ring for a few times, and, and it's going to be some like a presence. I think it'll be good for whoever's standing across the ring from them, but is that who AEW wants to be? Do they want to be WWE light? And just not able to be as much as WWE, or do they want to be what they were telling us over the last couple of years, an actual alternative to WWE? It's been bizarre. I don't know if you watch Impact Wrestling mm-hmm. regularly. I I scan through it, you know, look at the results, you know. The, you know, these commercials, so to speak, that the Tony AEW, Khan ones, yeah. Yeah, this last one on Tuesday, they're just I, I don't I, sure it's a gimmick. They're just dogging Impact Wrestling now that you know Britt Baker. They had Brian Cage, who was a former Impact World Champion. 
they're all sitting there laughing and making fun of Impact. Oh, this is a joke. If you want to watch a real show, I don't like that. Who's, it, do, who's it doing anything for? No, and, and and I really, I don't, I don't like the Paul White signing. I, I remember Paul White um, uh, in WCW. You know, he had the long hair, and I'm like, okay, everybody loves a big guy. He's a giant. And as you said, he goes to WWE. The one thing that I remember from the big show is Floyd Mayweather beating him and right? hitting him in the face. And it, it, it is just like, so I understand that. But for him to just like, boom, I understand his point. If he's not on contract and he still wants to work, you can't fault Paul White. Absolutely. I just think that I do not know if this gonna, is going to bring any more eyes. Look, AEW Dark, it is what it is. Not a lot of people are watching it on YouTube. They're just not. The numbers say that. I don't know how many people are going to watch it on Monday night as opposed to Monday Night Raw or, or Dark. We're still waiting to get that third hour of AEW on TNT that we've been promised. You know, Tony Khan said, we're, you know, yes, we're getting it. It's coming. It's not going to be on Monday night. We know that because it's not going to go head up with this uh, with this new AEW ex- dark extension show. So I, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I cannot wait to hear him and Tony Schiavone. You know, the matches are being, I believe, taped this weekend. They tape dark like on Tuesdays and after uh, Dynamite and on Thursdays and Fridays. So I'm going to tune in just to see it. But I don't I don't think I'm going to hang around for it and. Big show, I, you're not going to see too many matches, uh, I think, on AEW. I just, I, I think it kills it the just, vibe a little bit. It's weird. Yeah, it just, it's like, it, he ser- he'll he serve a purpose. Like, you could have a big show in any wrestling company. I Honestly, in any company, like any company, the guy's got a lot of talent. He's actually become a pretty solid actor when you watch him. He's he funny. WWE films. He yeah. All he, kinds of stuff. He's very eloquent too. Like he's a great speaker. I, it's not that I don't think he's got talent or is going to be useful wherever he is. It just seems like such a weird. Like it doesn't seem <laughs> consistent with what they've told us from day one. What they wanted their company to be. Because um, like right now we think about it, we've literally got Big Show, Chris Jericho, and Sting as <laughs> like major going to be major parts of their show. Um, we're talking AEW. Let's go through AEW first, and then we'll sure. flop over uh, to WWE. Sure. So um, we went through Dynamite. Uh, you and I are recording on Thursday, so Dynamite on Wednesday night. We had, we had a Moxley squash. He beat uh, Nemeth, who's kind of becoming like jobber to the stars here, Dolph's <laughs> yeah. brother. Um, yeah. But then Moxley cuts a really good promo on on how serious the upcoming matches, the uh, the exploding barbed wire death match that they're going to have, which. Should be an absolute spectacle at the very least. And the one thing we have always known with Moxley, this is his bread and butter. This is him cutting a promo after a match, being real. Anytime he gets a few minutes to do something like this, it's going to be good. This was probably, uh, not that I have seen them all. I've probably missed a few here and there. This was probably one of his better promos. Completely agree. Uh, yeah, after a match, this guy is, uh, he's always been one of those time bomb guys and, and he's just exploding with energy. That, that's one thing I think WWE dropped the ball with. They're, they're not real big on some of these guys going off script, but that's one thing that I do like about AEW. I think they let these guys, you know, speak from the heart and soul. And this is definitely one of those incidences. And I think that, uh, he knocked it out of the park, man. That was a great promo. Yep. 
Uh, we had some interaction with Archer and Phoenix backstage as they continue to get behind Archer, which uh, I- I'm cool with with him, you know, continuing to gradually be pushed. It feels like they're trying to kind of create him into a main event guy, and um, they're they're sort of turning him like babyface ish. He's kind of like a tweener or so at the moment. Um, and then we got our first um, real Sting interaction in the last couple of weeks, Chad. And I gotta say, I don't. I thought that there were a lot of weeks where it was not good. It was like nothing. You and I talked about how it just felt like the same over and over. At least the last two weeks, we've seen things progress a little bit. And Sting has gotten physical last week. He took a big bump. Uh, and then this week, Sting came in with the, I will say, the body bag stuff is a little interesting, right? He, he brings, hook. Yeah. He brings yeah. Taz's son in, in a body bag. He unzips it, and it's Hook. So Taz gets upset, and uh, and then Darby Allen comes ziplining down from the Raptors with the skateboard, and Sting and Darby lay waste to Starks and Cage. So I'll say this. Uh, some of this stuff is a little goofy. It's a little hokey. That's kind of what you have to do with Sting. But at least... This is a little bit better than him coming out for five weeks in a row and saying and doing nothing. The last two weeks have been much better, as mm-hmm. you said. And uh, we, we saw the stinger splash, uh, the scorpion death yes. drop. This is vintage, uh, so to speak. That's what people uh, want to see. This is what we want to see. I think this, this build has taken way too long. I think they probably could have cut it in half, and we could have still got it. Hell, with Sting, you probably could have done it a month ago. But we're finally here, and that was, uh, you know, we still got another week or two before the big pay-per-view, but this was, uh, this was what we wanted to see. You, you got to see the cool moves. Uh, he took a nasty bump from Brian Cage last week. We were like, damn, how, you know, yeah. this, this thing, right? But everything's okay, and uh, we got to see some finishers uh, this week, and that's what I wanted to see. We then got to see the worst feud of the year, in my opinion, <sighs> on the interview with Miro and Kip and Penelope, and it's just... Stop. Stop. Yeah. I mean, people want to give WWF crap because they do. They drag things on. Sometimes it'll be like six weeks. And it'll be just the same versions of people and tag matches over and over. This is even worse because it's like the one thing I want to see Miro do is wrestle. Like he's yes. a badass. Put him in yep. the ring. He's never in the ring. No, I think we saw a little bit in the, what the, 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 the gimmick battle royal that yeah. they had. This guy's a killer. He's a machine, man. You know, let him destroy people. This, I just, I don't get. Hopefully, he is behind some of this. But, man, I fans are frustrated. You can finally, over the last month, AEW fans, have, especially on Twitter, have started uh, saying what they, what they feel. And this is one of those storylines. It's like, end it. End it now. And we still have to wait for the pay-per-view. I, I guess we're going to get a match. And uh, I, I, this has to be ended after this pay per view because be. uh, if th- if this guy's not in the ring every week on Wednesday night, then he, you know he might as well just go to you know Ring of Honor or Impact, I know. You know it doesn't make any sense. Makes no sense him being here if he's just going to be talking and not wrestling. I mean, I just I, I've been just flabbergasted by this to be honest and the use of him. Um, we got a Jake Hager squash. He squashed Brandon Cutler. Then Santina, uh, Santana and Ortiz came out with Wardlow. They were um, coming out post-match to help the inner circle destroy Cutler. Young Bucks came out for the save. They called out MJF and Jericho. And then we saw Jericho and MJF show up on screen with Papa Buck. 
who was all <laughs> who was all bloodied up. So in order to uh, take this feud to the next level, they attacked the young buck's father, who had to be put in the ambulance and taken away. So there, um, I do think that they they seem like they were making a point this episode, even with the way Hager had the squash of kind of reminding you that. Hey, the inner circle, while they might be funny and goofy and we've had a lot of play segments with them, they're actually really serious. Yeah, this was good timing. I I enjoyed the segment, uh, you know, getting the blood, quote unquote, and smearing it on the Young Bucks, you know, face on the on the trailer, you know, where the Young Bucks were taking pictures with their parents, you know, earlier in the show. This was this was kind of a statement. Yeah, Jericho is, is we know is his outside gimmick. We know is, you know, Fozzie and we know the you know, the goofiness and same with MJF, but yeah, I like the, I like the direction they went in this, uh, in this segment and them smearing the blood, uh, on the trailer. And then the young bucks going back there, then they, they take off and they, in the vintage, you know, sped out of here in the rental car. I really enjoyed that. We, uh, got the build up for the Shaq Jade Cody red velvet match, which is going to be next week yeah. on yep. AEW Dynamite. Um, we got JR, Excalibur, uh, some of the different um, members of the AEW commentary team giving out some of their thoughts on the match. And, um, uh, you know, we gotta, we gotta say, this is like such a weird match for me. I honestly have no idea what to expect from it. I really don't. Um, we've said Shaq, putting Shaq on your TV is gonna be good, it'll, it'll get you some eyeballs. This could be an absolute train wreck. Um, I mean, it really could. There's like three very inexperienced wrestlers out of the four in here. And there's not even like a, like a hot angle. Like we don't even nope. really have much of a reason for why this is happening. I guess like they sort of made fun of each other and they are, but it's not like Cody hates Shaq. And, and this is like, you know, 1980s, like Mid-South heat somewhere, sure. you know, sure. like, this is, this is just kind of like a, it's weird. It's kind of like, a, oh, hey, you know, to me, I'm, I'm reading this, like Shaq has some free time. So we're going to just kind of take advantage of it. Use Shaq here, get some eyeballs on and go with it. And, and, and maybe it's great. Like I said, I just, I really don't know what to think of, of this. No, you nailed it. You know, the, the, the buildup has been not much there you know we talked about it several weeks ago when when Shaq was brought into the fray that you know it would be built up on on uh no NBA on TNT you really don't hear much about it you don't see a lot about it on social media I'm sure it'll pick up next Monday and Tuesday I'm sure that there's there'll be some promos on that I I don't I don't even know it's like a it reminds me of a Bellator MMA tent pole event where you put some old Ken Shamrock and the yeah, you're right Vice type deal. That's what it kind of reminds me of. It's a one off. Could we see Shaq down the road again? Sure, but yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm really not expecting much. I'm really no, not. Me neither. Um, Hangman Page and Matt Hardy. Their feud continues on, and it looks like now Matt Hardy is going to try to take it out on all of the Dark Order. So, um, <laughs> I, I like. I like the stuff with Hangman. Um, I think. He, you know, he'll probably float around in this sort of area with Matt for a while, but once, once Moxley and Omega are finished, you just sort of start to wonder who is going to be the next guy they elevate. Is it going to be Archer, someone they're elevating? And maybe they're kind of playing the long story with, uh, with Hangman as, you know, maybe a few months down the line, he'll be, he'll be the guy that they sort of elevate back into the main event there. Cause I, I, 
uh, as we get to the Omega stuff. Omega, th- this was kind of funny. The Omega Don Callis <laughs> uh, in the metal working room. Um, they're working on the extermination chamber and the explosive barbed wire. Kind of <laughs> reminded me of the old uh, Undertaker vignettes when him and Paul Bear yeah. are are making the the, the casket, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it was kind of. I, it was kind of good and bad. It was really loud. The All of these things are goofy loud. that they're doing. Like even the one last week with the kids in in the yeah. classroom. They're yeah. I I don't hate them, but I don't love them. I'm still yeah. kind of yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I I appreciate that they're trying something a little bit different. Um, Omega just comes off a little goofy sometimes, you know, he for does. like maybe, a main eventer. Yeah, and maybe and maybe that's him, but yeah. I, that's that's not him to me, and I don't think that's him to other wrestling fans. I agree. Kind of feels forced. And I thought the sap, the saws were a little loud. I, I thought it was a little hanky, a little goofy. I, I, I kind of giggled at the extermination chamber. Of course, <laughs> you know WWE coming off their pay per view, the elimination chamber. Yeah. So we know that was thrown in there. But yeah, back to Paige. Paige had a hell of a match with Isaiah Cassidy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of got lost in this episode. That was probably one of the better AEW Dynamite matches we've seen in a long time. I'm sure hope. I, I hope we don't get disappointed in this, man. I sure hope Hangman is the next one up after the Omega Moxley. I, mm-hmm. I do. I, I don't see Mox winning the title back. Me neither. I surprised. I, I, I definitely think they've got money with Omega Page next. I don't know if they're kind of waiting around to see. Okay, maybe later this summer in the fall we can yeah. get fans in arenas, and this you know Page and Hill would be great. Understand if it would be Archer next, but man, Hangman Page is money. He's That's the guy. Guy. He's the yeah, guy for yeah. sure. And it maybe yeah. is maybe they're just kind of warming up Archer a little bit to be like sure, a placeholder sure. for like a month or two uh, to feud with Kenny while while they continue to heat up uh, Page because Page has got to be the guy. He's got to be the guy that Absolutely. takes it off of Kenny yeah. in a couple months eventually, uh, and and whenever they want to do that, and they can have everything going on with the you know the the. Um, the elite can get involved and all that back and forth. It could be very good, like main event type storyline for AEW. Um, we mentioned uh, on Twitter, you and I were talking about this. I, I just, I, I can't. This, and and this makes what I didn't think was a bad show. The show was fine, but this is the the one thing that I remember from the show, Chad. The one woman that they constantly give TV time to. The one woman who they actually build up. Like she's going to be the next champ. The one woman who was probably going to be the champ four months ago had she not got hurt. And Britt Baker loses clean to Nyla Rose, who we've already seen Nyla as the champ. We've already seen, and and to make it even worse, Nyla's going to be facing Thunder Rosa, who they've been building this Britt Thunder Rosa (sighs) stuff for months. It makes no sense. You know, when I saw the matchups, this concerned me. And I said, but you know what? This is another way to get Britt even over more. She beats the giant, you know, and then goes on to face Thunder Rosa, beats her. This is, uh, you know, you know, you know what I what I feel about this. You know, Twitter just exploded. They're like, all right, look. You've got someone that's – she may not be the best women's wrestler out there. We we know that NXT and WWE, uh, they've got some high – you know, Charlotte, they've got some high, high caliber, you know, uh, female athletes. Britt Baker is their star in that division. Hell, she's a star on that roster. She has everything. Her promos She's the most great. over by far. Yes. By far. She gets more heat than anybody, and you do this – 
I, I just, do, I, I hope there's some kind of plan at the end of this, but I am, lo- I have lost faith in that women's division now. I love Thunder Rosa. I hope, I hope and pray that she beats Nyla Rose. Uh, I, I don't know where they're going with, with this, but I have lost interest in that women's division. I, I, I'm, I was just, I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it when Little. she actually lost. I, I, we, we haven't even seen Nyla Rose for a while. Yeah, she hasn't been. She hasn't been on TV. I mean, she the last time we saw her, she was with Vicky Guerrero. Now she's not with Vicky. They don't even tell <laughs> yeah. us what's going on, and yeah. and that and then she's beating the woman who gets the most TV time, the biggest crowd responses, the best on social media. She's got an actual character, and you know what? Like I agree with you. She's not Charlotte. She's not Io Shirai. But she gets better. Like this be. was a good match. She's still yeah. really, really good. And as far as the in wing, like. I mean, if, when you're talking about like the complete package for the women in their division, it's not even close. I mean, Dude, she's the I mean, only she's one a- that can do both and that has been pushed and that is over, that can speak, that can wrestle. Like, she does great, but she doesn't really connect with the fans. No, no. It, it, it's just so disappointing. It is. It's so frustrating. And, and, you know, I, like I said, I saw this matchup and it concerned me, but I thought, no, you know, she rolls through this. She wins the title, and uh, she's put on a pedestal. And now it's like, okay, do they starting really, all over again? Do they think, okay, Britt is so good and so popular, she doesn't need the title? No, this. I, it's just, it's, it's very frustrating. It, 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 for God's sake, she's a damn dentist in real I know. life. You know, she's got a great character. She, she looks fantastic. She's amazing. And now you do this. Now she gets squashed. And, you know, and, that, you know, she's got to, oh, I'm still the face to, uh, uh, of the division. No, no, you're not. Unfortunately, you're not, Grit. You're not. It's so frustrating um, for a division that's lacking that's got, like, this ready-made star right there. Just yes. give her the ball. Let her run with it. Instead, um, we're, we're I, I don't know. I, you know, we'll, we'll see what goes on over the next few weeks with this uh, women's tournament still. Uh to finish it off, we had Lance Archer beating Phoenix in the main event. So Lance qualifies for the face of the Revolution ladder match at the pay-per-view, which is fine. The only thing that seems weird about this is, like, Phoenix is such a great guy to have in a ladder match. Yes! Yes! It seems I, backwards. Yeah, it, it does. Put Archer against someone else. I, I just, again, I, I had no problems with this being the main event. Um, I had it's no problems match. with the match yeah. at all, but... You know, come on! It doesn't man. make sense. It, the booking it does. doesn't make sense. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't. It was a good show. I was. I was fine with it. I'm okay. I, it's just some of these finishes just were puzzling. And this of all matches, yeah, I was pissed off about Britt Baker, but Ray Phoenix should have won, and he should have been in that that ladder match for sure. Yeah, it's the same. I think week in and week out with AEW, and it's not like I want to like blast AEW fans no. or anything. But when I see like. After the show sometimes And I see people are like Oh this was the greatest episode ever <laughs> and, I wa- and I'll watch back And I'll say okay Well there were like Three or four things That I really liked And then there were Three or four things That I, I really didn't like It's it's like sure. most wrestling Right Like sure. there's yeah. stuff That I love And there's other stuff That I think Just gets way too much Of the benefit of the doubt If we yeah. saw anything Like the Like I mean e- Even if we saw The Sting stuff On WWE People would be giving it crap Because they'd say Oh Sting He's 60 Everyone's yeah. like Oh I'm supposed to believe that I didn't mind that. I actually liked it. If we saw anything like the Miro stuff on WWE, people would go ballistic. That's terrible. People would be upset with what's going on with the Shaq Cody stuff because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, People would start to be like 
picking at Omega like, oh, this isn't the Omega cleaner guy that we were expecting. You know, this is a different version of Omega. And then the Britt Baker stuff is absolutely. So, again, you know, I like wrestling. You like wrestling. We like all wrestling. We're going to watch it. We're going to tell you what we think is is good. We're going to tell you what we think is not. And I don't by any way, shape or form think there's really like any perfect wrestling out there. There's just a bunch of different wrestling. And this was a show that was, you know, like probably 60 good and like 35, 40 of like, eh. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. It, it's the honeymoon period is over for AEW. Yes, you know? you're it, right. It, it, it's time for these guys. I understand Tony Khan's got a bunch of money. Um, you know, I understand the Jacksonville Jaguars have been just terrible. Now they, I can't believe we haven't seen Urban Meyer, you know, on, show up, you know, right? Urban, <laughs> right? You know, be a referee or whatever it is. But no, you know, I think a lot of people have given AEW a pass, especially during a pandemic, but we can't anymore. And, I, you know, I, I don't get why, why they're involved with Impact, and I did not understand why some of these finishes happened this week. And uh, maybe after this pay-per-view, they'll start to clean up the act a little bit. Let's head over to WWE uh, coming off the heels of the Elimination Chamber where Ooh. awesome! <laughs> I mean, my guy, The Miz, is the champ. And, and uh, you know what? It, it from, from a... The Miz being your number one guy in the company, the way he's been booked the last couple of years, does it make sense? No. But I, I think we all kind of understand what this is, and we've all seen it immediately following. The Miz is going to be the champion for a week or two. He's just a total transitional champion. He was the and, – and what I actually like is that it made us at least remember that the briefcase still matters. Yes. Right? Like that's that, what that, I liked. That's what, that's what I'm fine with. And – I'm the biggest Miz fan that there is. I don't think the Miz is going to main event WrestleMania. I don't no. think you're going to get the Miz main eventing a bunch of pay-per-views. You're going to get him talking some smack for a week. He's either going to lose it, I think, on Monday night, or if something schmozzy happens, he'll lose it at Fastlane. I just don't think you're going to have him with the title any longer than that. And you know what? I'm 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 okay with the way this all went down. Um, and and. We have Miz for a week or two getting to talk some trash because you know what, Chad? At the end of Monday Night Raw, Bobby Lashley looked really badass, and they did a great job in just one show with really reminding us that Bobby Lashley hasn't lost very much lately. He's a legitimate athlete, and oh my god, he just crushes Braun Strowman. Like that, that still has some impact to it. So, you know what? I'm not sure how we're going to get there, but if we're getting to Drew. Versus Lashley at WrestleMania. You know what? I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, Lashley is just a, a freak athlete. I mean, this guy, I, I've seen him in person, you know, fight in, for in Bellator MMA. This guy is just, uh, he's too good to be in these storylines. And it feels like the first time in his professional wrestling career, I know he had a good run in Impact, you know, TNA Impact. But for the first time, he's being elevated by the WWE. Yeah, he had, you know, he, he had a U- United States title. You know, he had a title here and there. But he but, sort of, he never felt like main event, right? He no, felt like he was no. kind of floating in the no. upper to mid card, but they were just going to, ne- they were never going to get behind him. No, we had the silly storyline with him and Lana, right? You know, that just didn't make sense at all. Um, and, and it was interesting that he, you know, they protected him at, uh, Elimination Chambers by mm-hmm. more by Elimination Chamber by uh, Morrison taking the pin and Riddle getting the title. I went, okay, that's interesting there. 
And then when you you know you see MVP and Miz, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if he loses it on Monday or if we get the fast lane. You know, Drew, Drew's going to come back sooner or later, and he yeah. he probably comes back. Will Strowman get involved again? I doubt it. I don't. I, I think I don't think Strowman's going to be involved in this matchup it on Monday. It feels like he might be tweaking to like Strowman Shane. Yes, something with yes. Shane. Yeah. Well, Shane out there on Monday night and saying, "Okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to see Shane at WrestleMania, right?" Yeah, I don't think we're no, he Shane wouldn't have showed up the last two of the last four weeks and sort of tease stuff with Drew and then tease stuff with Braun unless he was getting involved in some way, shape, or form. Right. I, I can dig Lashley and Drew, and I, I I could see Lashley having the title getting there. You know, uh, yeah. Drew didn't lose the title at the Elimination Chamber match. He lost it after in the cash-in. But back to the briefcase, it seems like the last several brief Money in the Bank briefcase winners did absolutely nothing with it. Remember Otis's little stick and gimmick, and it kind of just goes away. Then these guys were losing the briefcase in a briefcase match. I don't want to see that. I no. understand that storyline. I don't want to see somebody lose it. I want to see them cash in and win the title. And I, I, I was perfectly fine with this, and it's going to be a transition. And The Miz is great on the mic. Everybody loves to hate him. He's a star. He's got his USA Network show, Miz and Misses. So, yeah, let Lashley take it off of him. I think that's the way they're going to go. I don't think we'll get a triple threat at WrestleMania. No, for I don't the think so either. I, I, that didn't feel like it. So Lashley and Drew has to be the money match, and I'm okay with him going over on The Miz to get it. They continue to build up a Roman who um, <laughs> who just Daniel Bryan goes through the elimination chamber. He wins and then he immediately has to face oh, Roman Reigns right afterwards. It was great heat and uh, and he loses. But then Edge comes out and spears Roman. So um, we're going to get that match. We're going to get uh, Edge it. versus Roman Reigns, spear, spear. And you know what? Like looking around at the roster right now, if you could put two guys together to probably create their biggest best match that would probably be it yeah it's fresh you know you you, you, you we were hoping that edge you know we knew edge wasn't going to challenge for the nxt title you know him and finn balor would have been a great match for tv or takeover uh we kind of felt like it was not going to be drew it just it, no, it didn't seem like it's it kind of blah yeah but man i tell you what you know roman reigns uh we, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago this guy has been muddy absolutely money and and i was not a roman reigns fan i'm like oh this guy again he's getting the cena treatment he wins everything i love this and as of right now you don't know if edge is gonna win or not no this, you know this I, is I, great this is great and it's gonna be a great main event keep edge healthy keep roman healthy and let them have one hell of a wrestlemania event but yeah that i i with Daniel Bryan winning the match, that was the only that was the only outcome. Would was basically a squash match. I would have yeah. loved to see Cesaro win that because Cesaro, you know, I think he just re-upped his contract with the WWE. This guy deserves a hell of a push, but I did not want him losing to Roman Reigns just like that. And this was this was the best way for Reigns to continue his dominance with a squash match with Daniel Bryan. And hell, look what Daniel Bryan just went through in the elimina uh, elimination chamber match. Yeah, Daniel Bryan is like still the. The prototypical baby face sure. that everybody loves too. So this like it's perfect. It serves a couple a couple different things, and it feels like they're they're gonna maybe go with Rollins and Cesaro, which could be really good. You know that could be a very good match if they give those guys like 15, 20 minutes to go on on one of the two nights of WrestleMania. Um, they'll both be kind of showing off a little bit. I like that Cesaro even mentioned it um, last week on SmackDown that, hey, Seth, we all respect you. We all came to the ring because we know that you could be the leader of this company. And and that almost, like, 
makes me feel like this could be a storyline to even help Seth turn down the line. Like if Cesaro is trying to push this out of Seth and turn him into the babyface to maybe go after Roman somewhere down the line. That I I, I just I like that they're giving Cesaro something now. He's not just guy who comes out and has a great match. It feels like he's actually going to have a storyline heading into WrestleMania. Yeah, he doesn't need to be in a tag team. You know, he he's too he's too damn good. Uh, one of the best in the world, and I think him and Seth could tear the house down. Hell, that match could probably headline the Saturday night, you know, uh, absolutely. WrestleMania. It may not, but that's the match that I'm looking forward to. I, I, I loved uh, Seth's promo uh, last Friday night on SmackDown. Um, I, yeah, these, these these two guys could tear the house down, and WrestleMania would be a perfect place for it. Hopefully, we're not rushing it and getting it at Fastlane, and then getting another version of it at Mania. This is a Mania-type match. Absolutely. Right let it build. Let yes. it build. Let it yeah. percolate a little bit. Give Cesaro a match against someone else at, at Fastlane that Seth yes. interrupts to kind of continue their feud along, you know? Um, we don't need to see them go at it over and over and over. Yeah. We want to see them go at it for 20 minutes and have an awesome Mania match. Sure. And I think they both uh, can't do that. So we saw... On Raw, the Miz uh, celebrating to open things up. He was interrupted by MVP and Lashley, and that was when they they made the deal. They talked about the deal that they made, how um, Lashley and MVP were going to help Miz take out Drew. Miz would win the title, and then they would give Lashley the first uh, title shot. But, you know, of course, Miz. He, he's trying <laughs> to weasel his way out of this. Um, and throughout the show, uh, we get, you know, segments with, Adam Pierce with Miz Morrison, MVP Lashley, Shane O'Mac, and Braun, which all led to what we talked about earlier, uh, the, the final segment where Lashley looked really strong yeah, beating yeah. Braun Strowman. And that was, you know, that was, and, and I like what they did too. You know, Shane had, Shane had said, okay, Braun, uh, if you beat Lashley, you're in the match next week too. So when they do something like that, that's when you, you kind of think, oh, you know what? Maybe Braun beats Lashley. And, and we do have a triple threat because they, Sometimes we think, oh, they wouldn't tell us that unless they're going to do it. So I, I like when they kind of throw us off a little bit like that. And at least it just feels more real. Yeah, uh, you know, but when when Braun got involved, I'm like, okay, he, he can be a legitimate title holder again. Yeah. They like titles on these big guys. You know, Roman, Drew, uh, look at these guys that have held, you know, Braun had the title uh, for a while. Yeah, I, I I thought it was, I, I think it was, it worked out perfect. Uh, it builds up for Monday night. You know, uh, is Lashley going to be the world champion? Are we going to see a world, a new world champion on Monday, you know, on Raw? I don't know. It's something that I look forward to. I think they did it perfectly throughout Raw to set it up with the ultimatum uh, and Miz there at the uh, at the announcer's table and uh, the commentary table. And then Miz gets taken out, at, at you know, after the match and Lashley holds up the title. And it's great. I love that Lashley. I know a lot of people do not like him. He doesn't have the great personality. I've always been a fan of him. And I think this is his time to shine. Yeah, because this, like you said, he's not going to go out and cut you 15, 20-minute no, promos. No. He's not even going to be great, I think, as the babyface, right? Because WWE doesn't really book babyface as well. He'd be no. smiling and kind of have – this is who he is. He's a badass who has a guy talk for him, MVP. And he'll yes. beat your ass because he'll do that yes. in real life. He is in as good of shape as anyone. He's a physical specimen. This is the best version of Bobby Lashley that we've ever seen. The time is now um, to at least put it on him and and have him be like at least a very good opponent for Drew if that's the way they want to go. Or hell, if they want to let Bobby run with the title for a while, if, if this works, you know. I don't think people would be upset with seeing a legitimate champion like him running with it. Um, no. You know, 
as long as he's connecting and, and he's got MVP to cut promos for him and talk for him, I think it could it could work fine. Um, and I, I totally agree with you. One thing that you and I, I'm sure, love Rhea Ripley <laughs> coming soon. We saw a couple of vignettes for Rhea Ripley throughout Monday Night Raw. Yeah. So um, it looks like it, I wonder what the plans were initially a couple of weeks ago because it felt like. You know, Lacey was going to be in the mix somewhere, either with Lacey Charlotte or with Lacey Oscar. Now that she's actually pregnant in real life, and and from what we saw with Charlotte and Rick, we'll knock on wood, keep our fingers crossed. I hope that they sort of like accident. I hope that they were forced to get out of this storyline because of Lacey being pregnant, and I yes. think it might be for the better because that way we'll just we don't have to worry about this crap, and and maybe we can just interject. Rhea somewhere there with Oscar and Charlotte. Yeah, you know we saw we saw the the tag match again. You know, and and Charlotte kind of messes up there, and they they lose to Nia and Shayna and Oscar and Charlotte kind of have their moment. And I'm like, oh no, not again, right? We I I just you know Charlotte's the the best of the best. Oscar's the best of the best. We've already been there, done that, right? We don't need to split them up I, a little bit, you know. Yeah, it means more know, to to have one of them against Aria or someone one of the up and coming stars than always kind of against each other. And I was disappointed going back to the elimination chamber. I I, I know Lacey was supposed to work Oscar. I was kind of disappointed they didn't put let Oscar be. I mean, dude, she's the best of the best there. Not to take anything from Sasha Banks, I love her. I, I saw the the. The Broken Skull Sessions with Steve Austin and and Sasha Banks. I, I love those type of programs. It made me, you know, like Sasha even more. But Asuka needed to be on that pay-per-view. I, they didn't need – I just – I thought she should have defended her title against somebody. But fast forward, you know, Rhea Asuka has to be the way to go, right? I do not know what we're going to do with Charlotte. I uh, know Charlotte's going to be in WrestleMania. She's going to be in a match that is very important. I just hope that Rhea gets her due, and Rhea Asuka would probably tear the damn house down. And we'll, uh, yeah, anything's better than the flare pregnant stuff that oh, we're oh, like, yeah. come on, yeah. that was just getting like, yeah. he so finally tells him, tells him to go home. Uh, hopefully, this is the end of it. Yeah. Uh, hey, bad bunny rocking the 24 7 <laughs> title on SNL. Like, yeah, um, man, they're, I'm okay they're getting, with it. Yeah, they're getting like, I, and I don't mind him either because, like, it's not like the, I, I don't know, they're not shoving him down my throat. They're no. not telling us he's a main eventer, he's like Damian Priest's buddy. Yeah. Right. And it, it, yeah. it kind of fits. Like he's he's a buddy of this guy who's a big badass pr- guy, Damian Priest, and um, he, he, Priest kind of helps him keep the the twenty four seven title. And uh, you know, you could tell like if you're in just like reality, like Damian Priest would like this to be able to hang out sure. with a a big guy. Sure. So it, it fits. I don't mind it, and I think it's probably going to be just something that they lead up to Mania, and this will probably be where the Miz and Morrison end up falling back after they lose that title to. As some sort of a tag match with these two. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the way to go. That's the money match. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, I wanted to say this a couple of weeks ago and I forgot, you know, after the first or two appearances by Bad Bunny on WWE TV, I think it was announced that like the WWE had like $500,000 in, in merch sales from Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny. Stuff. And I'm like, this is why they yeah. do stuff, yeah. you know? The guy goes on SNL. He, he, you know, I watched SNL. It was funny. He had a couple of segments on there, and you know, it's okay. They're going to go over probably on Miz and Morrison. Uh, it, it'll probably be a, you know, a hunky dory match. But Miz and Morrison are great at that. Right? This is their if role. Anybody can pull that out. 
they can do it. Those guys are great at it. And yeah, that's what this is leading up to. That's why I don't think the Miz has the title at WrestleMania and, and they're back to this match. Uh, Randy Orton, man, the, the <laughs> stuff he's been doing in the last year, year and a half, you know, for as much as like people that wanted to give Orton crap through the years of uh, like, maybe he would kind of be lazy sometimes, or he, he would turn it off. He's been a really good sport with all the crap they've been giving him with the fiend stuff, the burning stuff down, the Alexa stuff. Now he's coughing up black liquid on <laughs> Monday Night Raw. So, I mean, we just we can assume that this is going to be going to um, some sort of a big blow off with the fiend and Alexa at Mania. Maybe yeah. it's another yeah. Firefly Funhouse type or cinematic type match. It's got to end in that in that way, shape or form, right? Yeah, you know, again, I was disappointed that we haven't seen Alexa Bliss on TV. I know we saw a vignette of her, um, but yeah, it's going to be a, this is probably going to be a uh, one hell of a cinematic uh, type match that uh, all of us are looking, anytime Bray Wyatt, the Fiend is involved in anything, uh, all our eyes and attention onto that, and this definitely is leading up to uh, one of those. This could be a Saturday night, it could be one of the night two, the Sunday night. Uh, uh, tight matches. They had Sheamus get a win over Jeff Hardy, so that probably just keeping him a little strong side of Matt. Maybe we get Sheamus Drew at Fastlane or or sometime sure. soon. You know, it's like a, a little bit of a filler. I I, I think because that's the first pay per view that's on Peacock and it's on Peacock and WWE. I wouldn't be shocked if they want to try to stack that a, a little bit too, oh, even yeah. with with Mania just a few weeks out. So. um yeah, I'd imagine like they probably gave us this match just to remind us. Oh, Sheamus is still a tough guy, right? You know, sure, like don't sure. don't worry, don't forget about him. So, um, yeah, you know, Sheamus Drew is fine. I just think a lot of people probably didn't want that to be a main event Mania match. No, which no, no I can understand. I can understand, and and a lot of that has to do with it's not that we don't think that the Miz or Sheamus or some of these guys could be. They just haven't been treated that way over the last couple years, right? They they. The one thing that we really see with with Lashley is WWE tries to tell us, Vince, Bruce Pritchard, all those guys, wins and losses don't matter. They do. We just we, yes. they, we, we just saw it with Lashley. Lashley has been one of the only guys that over the last year hasn't been losing. Even right. in his crap with Riddle, he never gets cl- bit. He never gets pinned. He never does the slip on the banana peel. I get beat by someone that I shouldn't get beat by. He doesn't lose regular random matches, and we all kind of still feel like he's a big deal. And when they do this with, you know, when when they continue to have the Daniel Bryans of the world losing, we're not going to believe that Daniel Bryan has a shot to win a title match. When they do that with Miz, when they do that with Cesaro, when they do that with whoever, it's, hey, give someone a string of a month of some wins and that's all it takes, or keep someone clean, don't have them lose when they really don't need to lose, because then you can elevate someone like Lashley, put them right into the main event picture. I mean, compare someone like Lashley to someone like poor Ricochet, who we saw, oh, yeah. you know, like, right before. AJ Styles, which is nothing to be ashamed about, but he can, t- you know, he's been, been beaten by every member of Retribution, uh, the Hurt Business. Yeah, stick him in a, in a, in a title picture. And we're like, no, this guy's not going to win. Yeah, and, and I remember they did that actually last year at the one point with Brock when they, <laughs> they just kind of like threw him in there. And then like, we're like, what? Ricochet's been lo- like, build him up. We love Ricochet. Sure. He, he's awesome. So um, that was one. And and I guess they they maybe, I, I, 
I wonder if it's going to be something they do at Mania or if they're going to continue on at all with the Lana Naomi stuff because they got they gave them a win which which almost felt like okay they they're not interacting with Shayna and Nia but then they give them a win so I wonder if they maybe will have a match with Shayna and Nia at some point down the line. Yeah, it could be a fast lane, it could be Mania, but it seems like they're getting the push, you know, Lana Lana got the win uh, on the pay-per-view. Um it just seems like that the titles, the tag team titles, the women's tag team titles are going to be leaving pretty soon. And, it, and all indications are right now that Naomi and Lana are going to be your your women's tag team champions. Yeah, because we'll briefly talk a little uh, NXT as we transition over. The one, one person who you could tell in NXT they absolutely love is Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, They, they Ooh, are man. high on her. And yes. I don't know if... if I, I and that's why I sort of don't think they'll have her and Dakota win the tag titles because no, I no. think she's going to be the one to beat Io Shirai in, in whenever she, whenever Io loses and they want to bring Io up. Yeah, you know, we saw Io this week. Uh, you know, speaking of pushing, boy, they love Lacey Ryan, aka Zoe Stark. She's been all back to back NXT, and she had one hell of a match with. Yeah, uh, she Io. looked good, and, and the, the announcers are pushing her too, right? They could, they're, yeah, they're high yeah. on. And I know Tony came back out and cut a promo. We're going to get Tony and EO. And I love Tony. And I think she deserves the title, but I don't think they're taking it off of EO. No, I just me neither. Really neither. I just don't. And if Raquel doesn't win it, she'll be on, she'll be on Mondays or, or, or Fridays in no time. She is climbing her way up the ladder. She's, she's really, really good. A lot of people like her, uh, in, in the back, uh, she's great on the mic. She's a great hill and she can work. She's really good. So where do you stand kind of overall with this like the, the current state of NXT cuz it it's 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 funny to me. Um I think NXT is probably like the most consistent good wrestling show from top to bottom. I think you you probably don't get like a lot of crap in it and a lot of it makes sense. I, I think it's just like a different version of NXT right now than the one that we were used to from a few years ago where we're kind of at this point where you've got Gargano Champa, undisputed era. You got Finn now back there, and you've got a lot of these guys who we were wondering: Are they ever going to come up? Are they all going to be standing in that same position? And is this what Triple H wants to make this the third brand and not make it like just the the uh, the minor league system, the feeder system to Raw and SmackDown? This is definitely a different version of NXT right now than it was, you know, three, four years ago where we would get, you know, it would be Finn that would come through and he was the guy. And then it would be Kevin Owens and it was Sami Zayn and Nakamura. You know, there would always be another new someone coming through. Right now, we've kind of had the same group of top stars for a while. It doesn't, like, from a, I don't mind from watching the TV. I'm I'm still very entertained by it. It's just a a different feel to it. Yeah, it sure does feel like that this is no longer the the uh I don't even want to say minor leagues, but no. the you know, the kind of the we this is developmental program. Yeah, this doesn't found, it seem like the like the old FCW down there no. in Florida, right? You know, or or the, the Tennessee uh involvement. There, we're getting a lot of interesting storylines now. Uh, I love the Dexter Loomis, uh, Me too. Johnny Gargano He's stuff. Great. Now, and now Austin Theory and Indy Hartwell are like, we're in love with this guy now. And Gargano goes, we're going to therapy. We're, we're going to go get some help. We don't want to lose the family. And then 
you know, Adam Cole, we've been saying Adam Cole needs to be on the main roster forever. I don't want Adam Cole to go up on the main roster. They're going to ruin him. No, I, you know, that's, what that's this guy problem. just did, I know, and everybody was like, I can't believe Undisputed Era. You know, all good things must come to an end. It always does, right? And him swerving, right? And him, you know, super kicking Finn. And then, you know, Wednesday night, double-crossing Roderick Strong. That makes him even more stronger, man. That's I don't great. want him on Mondays and Friday nights. And I know that's probably maybe in his heart. I don't know. A lot of people like to stay down in NXT. You know, I don't know the politics behind that. But, man, it sure seems like he. this is his home. And these storylines that are now starting, you know, starting to come together, it doesn't seem like that these are the, you know, I'm sure they'll eventually make their way up onto the roster because it doesn't feel like it's ending anytime soon. No. no, you see the new crop of wrestlers that WWE has signed. You know, Ty Valkyrie is now, you know, headed to WWE. She'll be on the NXT brand. Uh, we talked about uh, Priscilla Kelly. They gave her a new name, Rick Steiner's son. So they're getting some new talent coming in. But, man, I do like these storylines on Wednesday night. And I would not. I d- I'm too selfish. I don't want to see Adam Cole. I agree. Especially this, like, the this what version. Scares, what scares me is that. Vince is if Vince has seen anything that Gargano's been doing over the last couple months. Oh yeah, he's on. Yeah, he's gonna be like, oh my god, I love this guy. He's gonna be my next Santino. You know, he and 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 because he can go a little bit, but like that would scare me. I could see Gargano getting called up and losing every match. Oh yeah, every match and doing something goofy with Candice. You know, like but which which hey, Johnny might love that, right? And, And like a lot of like everybody wants to be on. National TV on WWE, right? Like right. you and I, we're gonna talk about what we want out of these guys and gals because we know, like, we know how good they could be. But for, perfect example, right? Like, I actually think that the Grimes gimmick right now—it's the greatest—is fantastic. It's money, and, and you know what? You, you know what I've been hearing too. This is true. I heard from a very good source that he made a ton of money on that GameStop stock. That's great. And and what he did on, on Wednesday night with the $10 million man Ted DiBiase gimmick, and oh he's my. losing all of his money, I said, this guy is a freaking star. And, and what the one thing I, what I like about that is that like if he doesn't have that gimmick, he would just be another guy. Like sure. He's very, very good in the ring, and he oh, would be yeah. a type of guy who you could put in and slot in anywhere, and he would have his run. But yeah. as this character, like he could be the Miz, he really could. Like yeah. he could be a Miz-like character for the next ten years if Vince sees what Grimes is doing. This is absolute gold. <laughs> but, but I don't want it to be brought up and to be Vinceified. Like I love how just terribly like natural, and I mean it's so great. The like, southern accent just makes it even more over the top. The man. music video, oh my <laughs> god, it was it's great. So, like, yeah, I think it's funny because when when we watch the shows, I think I have the least to complain about ever about NXT. It feels oh, like do. they sure. they do the least amount of things where I'm going, oh, that didn't make sense, or this or that. Um, and it's funny, I kind of like it. it like you said, I just sort of like having NXT being this world that kind of flies under the radar a little bit, you know? Like, now that it's on Wednesday nights with Dynamite, a lot of people want to talk more about Dynamite, or, like, that's the first thing people want to talk about, when if you just kicked back and watched the two hours of uh, of NXT, that's probably the best, like, wrestling viewing experience you're going to have all week long. 
you know, what's interesting is, is people used to bitch and complain about Triple H all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, and now what he's been able, what he's done on NXT, now you see why uh, the WWE universe wants Triple H running Raw and SmackDown and being, you know, the one of the, the decision makers. But again, I don't want him leaving NXT. He's oh. done such a fantastic job with that brand and developing it. I don't care about ratings. I know that some people do. Me neither. I don't either. And, and I know a lot of people, maybe that's how they, you know, you get sponsors. I think it's totally different. I'm in the media. You've been in the media yeah. for a long time. I know numbers count, but so do a lot of other things too. Yes. Social media, uh, YouTube, those numbers are just important as these Nielsen numbers. And I'm telling you what, NXT, they had, you know, the one thing I was concerned about with them, if they started getting behind in the ratings with AEW, which they have been for a while now, they would start sending down some WWE mid-card guys, you know, we're going to get this, we're going to get this person, and they're going to ruin this wrestler, and they're going to ruin this 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 gal uh, on, on the women's roster. We haven't gotten that. And They've NXT never treated has, they, that like the bottom brand. They haven't, and, in the booking no, and, even. You think about when they been. did with Survivor Series a couple years ago, when yep. they brought them in. They never have treated them like they're the they're the inferior, right? Which is Which is one thing that Vince... Used to never do when WCW guys would come in, they'd get lose immediately, right? Oh, like, yeah, absolutely. He'd, he'd absolutely. always want to be like, My guy is the better guy, but they've done a great job of staying consistent there. And you're right, you know what? Like, as much shit as we've all wanted to give Triple H through the years, the uh, you know, uh, boss, he's dating the boss's daughter, this or that. Yeah. Yeah. We can all like, we all heard from '96 on. Triple H was actually going to meetings. Triple H was yeah. doing this kind of crap, right? He was doing stuff that nobody else would have wanted to do. So for as much shit as everyone's going to give him, like, oh, yeah, he got the keys handed to him, he he wanted the keys. A lot of other people wouldn't have even wanted the keys. They wouldn't have done the work and sat through all those freaking meetings. Or, I mean, keep in mind, Triple H is a guy who, when a lot of other guys were drugged up, drinking and all that stuff, he was never doing that. Right, no, he like he no. always had a really good head on his shoulder. So, for some of the years in the 2002 to 2006 where he was putting himself over and he was winning <laughs> matches he shouldn't have and Booker T and that stuff, sure, you can give him all the crap in the world for that. And I agree, I'll be the first to pile on there too. But you know what? This guy is good at what he does. At at he's got a very good wrestling mind and he's good at booking wrestling shows. We've seen that now with his hand on the pulse of NXT for what 5 6 years of like really good booking now. Oh yeah. And like like I said, this guy has been hitting it out of the park. You know, a lot of these other a lot of these guys from NXT came over from like Impact. Dexter Loomis was yep. there, Grimes were there. Some of these guys came from Ring of Honor and not that they weren't good. It just seems like Triple H is able to turn turn these guys to another level and mm -hmm. bring them to something that we didn't see in another organization. And I, I know there's other people involved in NXT that probably deserves a lot of credit too, but Triple H, what he's been able to do and keep NXT, not change it because they're behind in the ratings, not change it because AEW does this in the demo rating, blah, blah, blah. You got to give them credit, man. I look forward to Wednesday nights, and I, the first thing I do is watch NXT, man. I really it, do. 
it reminds me a lot of what, what Heyman used to do at ECW in that yeah, like absolutely. He, absolutely. he highlights the strengths of everyone, right? Whereas yeah. once they get up to the WWE sometimes with Vince and and then they get thrown into a situation where we're like, ah, that did not make that guy or gal look good at all. He no. doesn't on NXT, everybody is put in a position to succeed. They're all they they're doing whether it be less time on the camera talking or they just we, we don't see them look like uh, like crap a lot of the time on our TV, which is great because the less that we could see someone look stupid, like the less it's going to be <laughs> in our head that they look stupid. Right. You know, like we're human. We can't help but see people lose and think they're a loser. We can't help but see somebody like cut a dab bad promo and think ah, that's not great. The less that we can see them making mistakes on our TV, the better. And that's what what Triple H really does highlighting the strengths, and uh, I'm very lucky to highlight one of the strengths of That's What G Said podcast, our good friend Chad Cooper, who joins <laughs> us for this week in wrestling segments. And Chad, uh, love being able to bounce all around with you. We had a lot to talk about this week because we had to catch up from last week too. Um, and uh, it's it's starting to feel now like, um, especially just WWE-wise, even with AEW building towards their Big shows coming up the next two weeks. It definitely feels like we are on the road to WrestleMania. It feels a little more like what's going on is important and, and impactful than maybe three or four months ago. Yeah, and it seems like every segment, you know, uh, whether it be on Raw, NXT, or SmackDown, it, it's starting to seem like, okay, the, these are important. They matter. And, you know, they matter. Uh, you know, this is this is not, oh, the NFL season. This is uh, th- this is it. The Super Bowl is coming up. We're a month away from uh, the Super Bowl, less than a month away, maybe. And uh, it's two nights and you've got to be even extra creative now. This is our second mania uh, during a pandemic, whether or not they let fans in or not. I don't know. So they have to get even extra creative and out- think outside the box. And for what what's been said done and happening in in, in this crazy world you got to give these companies credit for what they're doing chad cooper koopa loop uh, where can we find you on social media and what uh, what do you have uh, coming up this week twitter and instagram where i where i hang out at the chad cooper and uh big show i've been talking about over the last couple of uh podcasts i've done with you uh g uh this Saturday night, 7 o'clock Central Time, internet pay-per-views called The Show. Three promotions, five championship bouts, ten matches, um, title match, wrestlingnetwork.com, internet pay-per-view, Shane Taylor from Ring of Honor, uh, Deanna Perrazzo, the Impact Knockouts champion, Eva Lise, Heather Monroe, Jordan Grace, Renee Michelle, Ryan Davidson, uh, Genocide, you name it, they're going to be on there. Uh, it's cheap. It's only a couple of bucks to watch this from Beaumont, Texas. Saturday night, 7 p.m. Central, titlematchnetwork.com. I'll be watching, and we'll talk about that show a little bit next yeah, week, man. too. We'll, re- we'll recap some of the show next week. I look forward to it, and uh, we'll help uh, we'll help you pump that show uh, on social media, it. too. Koopa Loopa, man. Thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to, to chatting with you next week, and I hope you enjoy that show this weekend. We'll see you next week. Chad Cooper, folks, and uh, make sure to follow us along on social media so you can see how to get that uh, to watch those shows. Those independent shows are literally the best bang for your buck you will get. They are some of the best wrestling, and these guys and gals really want to entertain you. So stay tuned for more information on that. Big thanks to Koopa Loop for helping us out with another This Week in Wrestling segment. Thank you to Eric Etoff21Sports for talking NBA with us. 
Barry for talking Gulfstream Saturday, Craig for talking Gulfstream Saturday, Nick Tamaro for talking Sam Houston Saturday. We got to cover a ton of ground on this episode. We hope you all have a great, great weekend, folks. You can hear plenty more next week on That's What G Said. We'll be back for another full week with tons of sports, pop culture, and horse racing coverage for you. Have a great one.